All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is James Penny. I'm Dalton Gray. I'm Ryan Humphreys. And uh, we're sitting down today with Marshall T. Thank you uh, very much for cutting time out of your weekend to come hang out and talk Africa with us. Oh, yeah. So. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I were the, uh, the two other people from Fairbanks to go over to South Africa with our good buddy Safari Sean, as he's known. Safari Sean. Safari Sean. <laughs> Conquering the Great Wild. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he organized a, a trip and you and I jumped on board. Um, yeah. My wife went with us as well. Well, it's his wife. So, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to bring, bring some details from that trip. It was a uh, very interesting. It was a roller coaster. Yes, uh, yes. I'll, I'll say that a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. Um, and this is both of your guys's first international hunting trip. Yes. Hunting trip. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. you've done some international travel before, right? I've Marshall? done lots of yeah. international travel, but this right. was my first okay. international hunting yeah. trip. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just for a little bit of background, you're, you're pretty heavily in, into hunting here in Alaska as well. I've uh, lived here for a while. You do, yep. do, do the bears, the moose and all that. Yeah. So. Gotten doll sheep, goats, you yeah. know, and big hunter in Texas and Arizona, Wyoming. I've hunted a lot of places. Yeah. And Africa was finally yeah. presented to me. And, a, and <laughs> yeah. so I, I, it was so good. I, I, I had to take it. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, yeah. that is, that is one good thing, you know, is, is that there's, uh, there's really good opportunities for blue collar folks. Mm -hmm. Um, if you look hard enough and you know the right people, yeah. so, mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, and that's and that's a, a a really cool thing because especially like I'd never even considered going to Africa before, right? Um, because you you look at all these hunts and all these big names that go over there and they're doing all this crazy stuff, and you're thinking, oh man, that's twenty five grand minimum just to get in. You know, well, sometimes but, for one animal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and I mean, and, and to that, you know, there are animals over there that are that yep. are in that yep. that league, and there's no getting away from it. You know, and I mean, in, you're in not going to go over there and hunt an yeah. elephant right. for anything less than twenty five grand. I'd bet. You know, oh, it's push. It, it's, yeah, it, it's it's over hundred thousand oh, dollars for I wouldn't, for a I cheap wouldn't doubt one. it. Yeah, yeah, for a cheap one. But you know, if you want to go over and just experience it, though, I mean, there's right. You know, we were hunting at Paula and yeah. Bless Buck, and you yeah. know, um, you got yourself a kudu, a kudu, kudu, yep. very um, nice, beautiful animals. I love those. That's things. one of my favorite African plains game animals. Is the yeah. kudu, the kudu, and the gemsbuck are my, probably my two top favorites. Mm. Yeah, well, it wasn't even on my list. I was going over there. Oh, with, really? with the main you know, out of the package that we were given to, to hunt a water buck. Mm -hmm. And then when a kudu presented itself in front of me, a trophy one, 
I was just like, yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't even think twice there's about no it. no decision making. Yep. Yeah, yeah, there's such such good looking animals. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just amazing. We saw a bunch of them while we were over there, but yeah. Um, there's but yeah, no- highs, highs and lows, yeah. definitely. Um, and, and that's <laughs> a so lot to discuss. Part but- of the adventure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the travel. But- before we get into that, though, you found a very yes. interesting, funny, and I don't know how else to shocking. describe it. Shocking. Shocking story. was the headline that really <laughs> yeah. caught my attention yeah, on this one. I read this, this last week, too. So this, is on, this is on Outdoor Life, okay? <laughs> and this is published on February, February 9th of this year, 2024. And uh, just the title. Okay. We'll just drop this one right out there, and you'll see why it caught my attention. Montana man charged for illegally cloning and breeding Marco Polo sheep from Central Asia. I mean, it's almost enough right there. You almost don't have to say anything else. <laughs> that's it, folks. <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened. There's a guy in, uh, in Montana that, uh, through a long series of events, in 2013, yes, January of 2013, uh, these charges stem from a nine-year stint when the individual hired a third party to store tissues from a Marco Polo sheep, an Argali subspecies that he acquired from an illegally imported hunter-harvested carcass from Kyrgyzstan. So most people in the sheep hunting community are pretty familiar with the world's prices. Right. And in North America, you can hunt desert bighorn, Rocky Mountain bighorn, doll sheep, and stone sheep. And just to get the North American slam of sheep, just those four, mm. easily for any kind of a bighorn tag, especially Rocky Mountain, and a lot of the deserts are now up there as well. But those tags, those governor tags are auctioning off for over a quarter million bucks oh, yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. I think one of the ones that sold at the sheep show this year, uh, earlier on this year, sold for 300,000 something dollars. Mm-hmm. And that was for a bighorn of some variant. I, I don't remember if it was rocky or desert. Point being, sheep hunting, to be able to complete that slam is getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. But there is a select, very small group of people who have killed all four North American, bighorns and thin horns, mm-hmm. the stones and dolls being the thin horns. And they want to expand their worldwide sheep adventures. And so they go to Asia and Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, um, some places in Russia also have several species of wild yeah. sheep. And uh, they have several different subspecies, um, the, the Marco Polo probably being the most notable of those species because it has one of the most impressive sets of horns on the planet as far as a sheep species goes for a wild animal. They get to be just monstrous. And mm-hmm. the bodies on some of those monstrous rams look like a small caribou. They are huge animals. But that's not quite as expensive. Back in the beginning, it wasn't quite as expensive as it is now. And as demand has gone up, the expense of those Marco Polos for some of those trophy world-class rams has gotten to be right up there with any of the North American species. Oh, absolutely. And then you include international travel and then importing that trophy back to the States. And so the industry demand for exotic sheep species has gone through the roof in Mm -hmm. the last decade. Really, in the last five years, it's seen its peak compared to the past. Because there have been some people, you know, I remember Jim Shockey on his Uncharted show. He he went over to Russia and hunted, I I think they call them snow sheep. Mm. I I could be wrong on that. But 
It was some species that he hunted in Russia, and then he hunted a Marco Polo. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that on TV, of, of an American hunter going into Asia, out in the middle of nowhere, and hunting these obscure, unknown animals. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't going and hunting with outfits right. sometimes. A lot of times he was just finding a group of locals that lived in the mountains in a village that had horses that knew where the sheep were, and he would hire them out as his guide to then go take him sheep hunting. Well, now there's a whole industry around it. There are guides, there's outfitters, there's booking agents in the States that'll facilitate all this stuff because there's a a lot of logistical moving pieces. And so since that demand has gone up, this guy figured that he would clone one. He ended up getting, the the, the outcome of this was he got... (laughs) <laughs> this is naturally. Th- 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 <laughs> this is just too good to make up. Like, I, I mean, if if you heard this story playing pool at your local sports bar on a Friday night, you wouldn't believe it, right? Like, it just sounds incredible. I once knew this feller. Yeah, <laughs> you won't believe this, but I know somebody that has you know cloned a, a Marco Polo. So he, uh, a, a Montana game farm owner is in a world of trouble after federal investigators busted up his years-long multi-state wild sheep cloning, breeding, and trafficking okay. ring. So he is a farm owner then. Well, so he, yeah. Because I was curious. I'm like, what could his says, end goal possibly be? It says be? game farm. Right. So it has to be. So that, that's why I was wondering. I'm like, what's his end game if he's just some random guy? But if he owns a farm and he's got a high fence or something like that, then. Oh, clearly he was trying to populate his high fence area or something. He paid someone to use DNA from that tissue that he got from the illegally imported ram from Kyrgyzstan. He used that tissue to clone more sheep. That cloning attempt, which the individual forked over $4,200 for, provided him with 165 Marco Polo sheep embryos, one of which would later become the, in quotation marks, Montana Mountain King ram, whose semen the individual started harvesting in 2018. <laughs> so this ram grew up, was a normal functioning animal, hmm. and he was able to continue to propagate this little stint that he had going on. Wow. With the um, reproductive yeah. <laughs> ability of that ram. And it, it, it was working until he got caught. It's kind of amazing, actually. It's shocking. I mean, it, it really it, it, surprised me, me that a, he pulled it off. It's more amazing that not only did he pull it off, but he pulled it off for that long before he yeah, got caught. Nine years. Yeah. Well, I get the impression like the the the, the um the the uh, uh what's it called the investigation's been going on for a while. It probably has probably for several yeah. years yeah. trying to get everybody involved well, and really crack down on it and well, not because just they, get the one guy. They didn't just bust him. Yeah. Right. Well, so, so here's my thing, like kind of like with the whole like what's his end game, right? Like well, I mean, you right. do something this this intricate, like what's your end game? So he has the property. Yeah. He has the game ranch that he's going to clone these things and, and populate this, this species of sheep on his game ranch. I can't imagine. How are you going to advertise that? Yeah. Like how yeah. you can't take trophy pictures. You can't advertise it. Like what, what would, how would you even imagine at some pulling point, that off? At long-term? some point, maybe. And, and, and I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, there's no details about any, any statements from him. Huh. I'm sure he's pretty tight lipped because he's facing, oh, sure. he's facing over a quarter million dollars in fines and up to 10 years in jail for this. Now with his plea deal, you know, I'm sure that'll be lessened and community service and all things like right. that. And, and, and he, he'll have to donate to the Lacey Act Foundation and, and all the other things that, mm-hmm. that he violated in this process. But 
I would think that his end goal, but usually when you hear stories like this, the motive is this, is this mad scientist mentality. Well, if mm-hmm. I can raise enough of them and then release them and have them wild and grow up another generation or two wild before they really catch on what's going on here. Then it's too late. Then it's too late. Right. Yeah. And so now you'd have Marco Polo's in Montana, which would be <laughs> wild. So, but on the side of health, though, mm-hmm. wild sheep are very susceptible to disease. There yeah. are several different kinds of disease right. that can just run through a sheep population well, and, and especially just if they kill come them in, all. Come in contact with domestic sheep. Right? And that's the concern is yeah. if they, if those Marco mm-hmm. Polos being raised on this ranch, you know, contract some kind of a disease or they already have it. It's mm. just innately there with Marco Polos. And then they go out and interact with other wild sheep, bighorns. Mm. And they transmit that, then that can kill the native species, bighorn sheep, right? Which would be a huge problem. Oh, for sure. So, another thing also with the, there's the biggest thing is just that you, there's no predicting what an what an invasive species will do. Exactly. I mean, you grew up in Fiji. You guys yeah. probably had several of those over there. A few of them. Yeah. You guys have chickens. Um, like Hawaii does. Uh, <laughs> not nearly Chickens as bad. Everywhere, no, right? Yeah. no. <laughs> right. not like Hawaii. Some of the iconic animals in uh, Australia, mm-hmm. New Zealand. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. invasive. New Zealand is the best example it, of it. It is, but Australia, Just the about, dingo, yeah, is not native to Australia. Yep. Mm. Um, the rabbits, the they brought rabbits over. There were way too many rabbits, so they brought a coyote or something like a coyote over that interbred with some of the local jackals and kind of, and came out with the dingo. Yeah. And now the dingo's everywhere yeah. in Australia. When I was in Australia, they were off no the kidding. Yeah. Huh. When I was in Australia as a teenager, <laughs> bow hunting, the ranch owner that we were hunting on his property, he, he just had a big farm that was leased out and that he let us hunt on. And it was just wild pigs and goats we were going to shoot. Mm. But he said, if you see a dingo and you shoot it, I will pay you yeah. to shoot dingoes. Like they, they hate them over there. That's uh, in South Africa where we were, um, baboons and, yep. uh, jackals yeah. were free so yeah. it was if you see a baboon you Load see a jackal yeah nice. knock them down because yeah. the, they'll they'll eat the the livestock they'll you know they'll ransack stuff they're they eat all kinds of birds pests. those baboons yeah. are just terrible oh and they're destructive as all get out yeah it's yeah yeah so yeah and i'm, I'm reading another article wide open spaces um dot com uh, about the same oh really same okay thing. yeah there's a little bit more information here about transferring and selling Oh, the, the semen, uh huh, transferring it to Africa and actually, um, to where to Amer- te- America, to Texas. okay, Texas, okay, unnamed person to an unnamed person in Texas. Someone else bought 26, brought 26 illegal sheep to Shubar, which is the guy's name, yeah, to his range to be inseminated, paying him six thousand six hundred dollars before taking 16 of the sheep back to Minnesota. And basically, the sheep are were transported under four falsified veterinary certificates from state livestock boards. Oh, so he wasn't which just... Which listed them as doll sheep, domestic sheep, and bighorn sheep. So yeah. he wasn't just trying to get Marco Polo in Montana. He, he was like, He was making money by selling making, yeah, his opportunities. Okay. And then whoever wanted them wherever they wanted them was, <laughs> selling them was where they were going right, to go. Right. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, I mean, there's a whole, reason, whole myriad of reasons you shouldn't do that. And, uh, well, he... I mean, he, you got to give the guy the credit of the fact that this is really a brilliant thing mm-hmm. to do right because yeah. honestly all a hunter would have to bring back is a piece of hide right you just need enough well, dna you don't have to have an entire carcass and, right you know and i'm curious like what the difference is because 
you know, down there in Texas, there's all kinds of exotic animal ranches. Yeah. You know, you can go hunt Nyala. Mm-hmm. They have Gems Buck. Gems yeah. Buck. You can hunt Ostrich. Well, they zebras. even have Ibex. They yeah, have yeah. free roaming Ibex right. one in West Texas yep. now that yep. was invasive and then it's striving now and they've now included just, into the conservation program. out of hand. And so, well, hey, why not make money off of hunting? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, you have all these, these ranches. So I'm curious if maybe it was just the way he went about this. Yeah. Like if, if he had just said, hey, I want to have this exotic species on my land. It's yeah. high mm-hmm. fence. They're never get out in the wild. Like, well, there's somebody if, if there's I know to that. with an exotic game ranch. I, I want to say it's in Oklahoma somewhere. Okay. And he has all kinds of African animals on that ranch and a bunch of celebrities. Not the Tiger King, is it? No. <laughs> no. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to say who it is, but it, it, it's, it's a very um, well-known exotic game ranch, but it's all kinds of manner of exotic animals mm-hmm. from all around the world. Mm-hmm. Mountain animals that there's not even mountains there. Yeah. But it's high fence. So it's completely contained. Right. Now it's on hundreds of thousands of acres. So they're not, it's not like you're hunting in a whitetail cornfield with high fence. Right. Where they're just trapped in there and they eat alfalfa for five years and you shoot a 200 inch whitetail. Mm-hmm. It's hundreds of thousands of acres. It's like an African game preserve. But you can go there and shoot a doll sheep, or you can go there and hmm. shoot an oryx on the same lot of land. Yeah. So he's got all these mm-hmm. species running around. So I, I'm sure he was selling to people like that, mm-hmm. that have some of these exotic right. ranches that just wanted, hey, people want to shoot a Marco Polo just to complete their slam. Why not just shoot it in the States? Right. Well, and the biggest thing, too, is, though, like, so you and I both know a guy that um, wanted to start a yes. somewhat of an exotic farm locally. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And he had, and he was going to do it with pigs. Russian um, boars. Russian boars, which would be cool. They'd probably really survive cool. up here. Yeah, yeah they he, would I mean, survive. He did the research, and right. uh, he has the land, and I think, you know, building the fence, all that kind of stuff. He, he got a bunch of money from a sale of a company that he used to work for, and stocks, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so he's <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to, I want to have fun. Yeah. yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> so he bought the pigs. He paid for all the veterinary work. And then at the last moment, the state... Overturned it. Overturned it and said, no, you can't do it. Really? And he didn't Yanked give him his permits. Permit. Yeah. So he basically, he had to just take a loss and I think just have them all killed. Yeah. Wow. Wasn't he ended up just like, having to kill them all. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. So he's got Russian bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he could even get the, I don't think he even really got the meat from it though. I think it was. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think he's, you know, he hasn't had that. They're not in the state. Oh. I don't believe. Oh, so they so, were imported, but not up to here yet. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And it was like at the last minute, like the paperwork didn't go through and they said, no, you can't do it yet. He goes, huh. and he basically, he could try to do it again. Yeah. But, you know, he's got you know, five grand in each one of those pigs. Right. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And, and so I don't know if he's going to, I was really hoping he's going to be successful. Get that but far in the, I in was the really hoping that that would go through. That was yeah. several years ago. Yeah. I, <clears throat> Dad knows him better. I should ask him if he's been trying anything else with that. Right. I haven't heard any mention of it. I could see how that would go south if they did get out. Yeah. But then we would just have a 24-7 hog season like a lot of other places in the (laughs) country. So is it that bad of a... I don't know. know. I mean... I don't think it's that bad of a... I was going to (laughs) say. It would be a distracting food for the grizzly bears not to kill all the moose. Right. Right. They'd start killing pigs. But it also might hurt the black bear population more. It could. Yeah. It could. That's true. They're not all, to mention, they're all, they're all talk about around. messing up our bear baits. <laughs> could oh could you imagine bear having oh a bear goodness. bait run over by pigs? <laughs> That'd almost be scarier than bears, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, especially oh. Russian boar. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. things are huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, 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 um, the, the big adult males will be as long as a table is. 
Yeah. They're huge. They're, they're, they can wow. be, what, 600 pounds easy, right? Uh, Several hundred anyway. Yeah, three to 400, I think. They're, they're monstrous pigs. Yeah. They're huge. Imagine the black bear population getting pushed around by a bunch of pigs. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> That'd be quite the deal to be sitting in the tree stand. What in the world is right. that? <laughs> <laughs> Running <laughs> black bears off your bait. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, Russian <laughs> boars, male Russian boars up to four fifty. Wow, on average, in females. I want to say they have some of those in in Michigan. I think you. Can, they have there's other places think, in the states. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I think they have those in yeah. northern Michigan, if I remember right. Yeah, but anyway, that would have been a lot of fun. But yeah. it would have been, yeah, ifs and buts. <laughs> maybe maybe someday, maybe maybe enough of us, uh, you know. Push for that paperwork to go through. Yeah, start Anyhow, a petition legally. Yeah. Legally, <laughs> start putting artificial. in your petition to the board of game. Allow <laughs> Russian boars. I mean, right. I mean, hey, all we got to do is get a piece of a genetic material. And- <laughs> <laughs> go, oh, go boy. visit this guy. See if he'll give you his connection for, yeah. for the cloning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's crazy, man. That's that's insane. I just thought that was worth talking about. I figured yeah. figured that was entertaining enough. Yep, man. That's nuts. Well, we're about 20 minutes in. So let's take a break real quick. Hammer Bullets produces what we at the Northern Hunter consider to be the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are easy to load, extremely accurate, and best of all, they're always in stock and ready to ship. The guys at Hammer designed them so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, it sheds its petals, initiating a massive energy dump while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration. These bullets are built with 100% focus on how they perform on game, and their proprietary designs produce great BCs with specialized pressure grooves for amazing inherent accuracy and speed. They have a minimum expansion velocity of 1,800 feet per second, which allows for long-range shots, but with no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high-velocity round like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com and use discount code the Northern Hunter to drop the hammer on your next adventure. All right, so the beginning of this Africa trip. So for one, we've been, I think th- we started planning this. Four or five months out. Yeah, I mean, easily. Um, I think... The first time Shauna brought it up to me was almost I mean, longer than that. I think yeah. it was last winter sometime. Yeah. yeah. Um, trying to gauge interest, see who was wanting to go. And I pretty much told him yes right away. And so me and my, you know, me and my wife both, yep, we want to go. This is our chance. You know, we don't have kids yet, but, yeah. you know, so kind of before life really starts rolling and, and we have a lot of responsibilities here at home, like let's go do one of these big, big adventures. You know, it might be 18 years before the next one, which after going, <laughs> I would go every year if I could, man. It was amazing. But it, it was yes, it was. So, you know, we started putting money in into the trip and everything and and uh got to a point where it's just all right, now it's paid for. We're we're just looking forward to it. And we're just super happy looking forward to this trip. Well, Alaska Airlines had other ideas. So like uh, <laughs> the day before. <laughs> so Well, luckily I think it was two days before. It, it was. It was two days oh, before. Was it? Okay. So it we were supposed to leave out well, three, technically. Um, because, so we were supposed to leave out Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. We got a notification Thursday afternoon that our flight had been canceled between Fairbanks and Seattle. Oh boy. Now for anybody who's been paying attention to aircraft 
news lately knows uh-huh. that Alaska Airlines been having a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, a door flew off of a plane, and um, they had, I, I think somebody like tried to hijack a plane at one point, and all this other stuff. And so they've been having some staffing issues. They've been having, um, they had uh, a large majority of their fleet that uh, was the same model that had the door issue. Yeah. So they had to ground all of them. Yep. Had to be grounded had to go through a, a very deep inspection process. And so yeah. what happened is I guess they just didn't have enough planes to make all of the flights that they had planned on. And so right, right. ours got cut. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, we, we've, you know, it, it's, it's still a blue collar price point trip over there, but it, I mean, even then it's, it's expensive for, for blue collar pricing. Yeah. Right. So like, um, we have a lot of money invested in this trip and we're looking forward to it for a year now. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I get this text message on my phone. We're sorry for the inconvenience, but your flight on Saturday has been canceled and there's no option to rebook. So, and I'm at, I'm at work. I'm in the middle of my day. Yeah. Um, and so I start kind of freaking out a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I panic mode. And, and the good thing is I took a snapshot of that, of that text and I sent it to the group chat, which was all of us going to Africa had a group chat going on. I'm like, uh, I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, Houston, That's... we have a problem because <laughs> yeah. yeah. he was, Marshall was on the same flight as me. Yeah. Uh, we were all supposed to leave the same time. And so, uh, we go through this whole thing. Um, that, that whole day was such a, such a roller coaster because within 30 minutes, uh, my wife and I had found an, another flight through Delta that could get us to Seattle, but mm-hmm. we had to leave that night. Good old Delta. So we found out, you know, and, and I had packed some things like my clothes and whatnot and figured out, you know, okay, this is what I want to bring. Cause they have, they have a pretty good system over there for yeah. laundry and stuff. So, I mean, you don't have to bring a ton of stuff, but one shirt, one pair of shorts, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's going to be hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but so we were mostly packed, but just there were some finer detail things. But so I found out at like 3 p.m. that I was leaving at 1 a.m. that same day yeah. or, or the next. Morning, I remember you I called me. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's why I missed two episodes. As yeah. I was, we were supposed to record, we were supposed that, to record that night. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was that, that night. night. And you called me that afternoon. Like, um, I'm going to I'm not going to make it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to rethink this because yep. I got to leave at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Like in 12 hours. And, and luckily, uh, my, my wife has a friend in town and, and she was here to, to house sit for us. Yeah. And, and so luckily that that's was good. a really easy process. I mean, she she saved our butts on that one you know because she was able to just watch watch the pets and take care of the house and everything and so we just kind of had to get her set up you classify your dogs as pets livestock yeah those are like (laughs) livestock (laughs) size those dogs are huge man (laughs) what kind of dogs do you have james they're half uh, he's a half great dane half pyrenees so a pure dane Hmm. Um, he can put his nose up to my belly button just stand in there oh yeah yeah how much does he weigh uh, one thirty, I think. Yeah, it's a big one thirty. Big old dog. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a. We're thinking about getting my daughter or dog, mm. puppy, right now. Right for her birthday. <laughs> don't or get, family. Don't get her one of those. Don't get her one of those. Connie Corso. Um. Oh my, yeah, those are which, good ones. Which those are big those dogs are very too. Good, but very good dogs. Good dogs. Um. I I actually back in the day I really wanted one of those, but they were like three thousand dollars a pup yeah, or something I've like that. A, so. I've got a line on one if you uh. On a Is somebody cloning them? <laughs> no, no. Uh, somebody I know had a litter of eleven of them. Oh, I, I heard oh, about that. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay. My yeah. wife was looking at those too. 
Yeah, friends I said, and family. No, no uh, for friends me, and family get a real good price. I don't know about you, but <laughs> so I, I, I grew up with uh, German shepherds or German shepherd mixes. So my first okay. dog was a German shepherd border collie mix. Mm-hmm. Smartest Whoa. dog I've ever had in my life. She was just like she. I didn't know they mixed those. Oh yeah, we literally. So we had five acres mm-hmm. growing up, and I just had to walk her around the border of the property, um, for like four or five days. And every time she'd try to leave the property, I would just pull her back on the leash. She tried to go in the property. Yep, go for it. And just doing that, she figured out what the borders were, and we never had to worry about her running Dude, off. Dude, that is a neat-looking like, dog. Yeah, she was awesome. I just looked huh. up pictures of him. Yeah. That is a cool-looking dog. Um, and so my next one will probably be a German Shepherd um, or some variant there. But I've also really been looking at those uh, Carilion Bear dogs. Yeah. I like those things. They're pretty neat. Um, and there's there's a couple breeders in the state that seem to be pretty reputable, but... Sorry. Heard of the, uh, speaking of, so, I didn't mean to turn this into yeah, a dog so conversation. Just, since, since we're on the topic of Africa, to, to kind of transition back into that, mm-hmm. you, you ever seen a Rhodesian Ridgeback, Ridgeback? No. The lion dogs? Yeah. Ooh. Those are That sounds neat. interesting. <laughs> Bread for lion hunting. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, though, is um, so we have that 130-pound that horse living in our house. Yeah. Um, he gets bossed around by the five-pound cat. <laughs> so <laughs> we have a we have a little black cat and uh he's probably I don't know three or four years old. Uh, yeah, he'd be four years What's old. What's his now. name? Lucky? Salem. <laughs> I didn't name him. He, he yeah, I didn't name him, but uh black cat named Salem. It's it doesn't matter as, what his it's name about is. They crazy don't answer to gets, a name but, anyway. Oh he does. Does he really? Oh yeah. He's crazy, dude. He's he's like a dog. Um really? he'll come when he's called. Um he'll hang out on the couch with me while I'm while I'm sitting, like watching TV or something. If I get up to go get a drink in the kitchen. He'll literally come down with me, like go into the kitchen, like jump up on the counter, hang out with me. Really? Um, yeah. Like he knows his name. He comes when he's called. Interesting. Yeah. That's a, uh, my, my parents came to visit this last summer and he was hanging out upside, upstairs. He's kind of, he's kind of shy sometimes. And they're like, where's, where's this cat? Like, where, you still have your cat? And I'm like, cause I got him in Kansas and I brought him up here with me. And, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, he's still around, you know? And, uh, so I called for him, you know? And sure, sure enough, come downstairs, came up, hang out, like jumped right on my shoulder. And they're like, no way. You a cat that comes when he's called. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah he's, he's great. That's where the whole saying of it's like herding cats. Yeah. No. They don't answer. <laughs> no, this one does. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Huh? Um, anyway. Okay. So, but yeah, so she, uh, so, so she was watching, the, watching the house, watching the animals. And so that was a, a low stress situation there, except for the fact that we were supposed to have like three days to set her up to, to yeah. watch the place. And that got condensed to do about six hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we were able to get everything set up, everything good to go, got to the airport, got checked in. And this is where things got really, really, this is the point when I actually like, pretty sure I popped a blood vessel in my, in my, uh, forehead, forehead, because it's 1am. We're super stressed. Madeline, my wife had been on the phone for probably combined six hours with the airlines trying to, because it, it, caused a trickle-down effect where once Alaska Airlines canceled their leg, then British Airways was like, oh, well, they're not going anymore, so we'll cancel the rest of the leg. So she oh, had to like shut start, down your whole itinerary. Yeah, so she oh, had to start boy. calling multiple people to figure, hey, we're taking a flight, we'll be down there, we're just changing our check-in point to Seattle. Man. You know, it's like, don't, don't cancel the rest of the trip. So this whole trip, you know, two days before it goes down, is about to get kiboshed, yeah. and it's just super stressful. Well, we get to the airport, we're both dog tired. Yeah. We get through security. Everything's checked in. Um, we got the, you know, the Apple tags and our bags and everything like that. Yeah, that's good. And uh, 
we had taken the tag that's normally in her purse and put it in one of the bags so we could track our, our luggage. Mm-hmm. Well, we get on the plane and it took, we had to de-ice like twice. So it took like an hour. Yeah. And we're literally rolling down the tarmac about to take off. And I'm, I'm asleep. Yeah. Like I'm, it's one thirty two in the morning. I'm, I'm asleep. And all of a sudden I hear, <gasps> I'm like, what? Like what, what on earth is causing, you know? And she's, I don't have my purse. And what had happened is we were both, when we got to the gate, we were sitting there for, I don't know, 20 minutes or so waiting to board. Stood up, grabbed our big carry-ons because we're going overseas, right? So we both had yeah. big carry-ons. It's not just our little backpacks we use when we go to Michigan and whatnot. Um, grabbed up all of our stuff and somehow her purse had like just slipped in between the seats on that bench that we were sitting on and oh, neither of no. us noticed it. And she had her boarding pass and her passport outside of the, or no, not her passport. She just had her boarding pass outside the purse. So she was able to get on the plane without it. So she didn't have her passport. She didn't. So yeah. So we're on the plane oh, rolling no. down, taking off from Fairbanks to Seattle and she doesn't have her driver's license. She doesn't have her passport. She oh. doesn't have anything. And it's somewhere back in Fairbanks at the airport. And so now, not only did we just go through this whole ordeal with the canceled flights, now we're faced with the fact that you're going to get to Seattle and nowhere else. We're going to get to Seattle and she's not going to be able to go anywhere if we can't get this purse to Seattle. She's not going to be able to leave security because then she won't be able to get back in. Right. So if she is going to be able to get back to Alaska, we're going to have to just turn her around right then and there and send her back to Alaska. Yeah. You know, and and so we're flying to Seattle, not sure if this trip is going to happen. It's like oh, man. that level of stress. I mean, she was out, you know, out of her mind, of course. I'm out of my mind. And it was just such a, a roller coaster. It was to the point we were almost like, this just isn't even worth it anymore. Yeah. Like this, this yeah. is, this and isn't. It, <laughs> and so while that, all that was going on, you know, my wife, cause I thought it was, you know, this is not really happening. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. My wife got on and she goes, yes, it is canceled. Well, I, I didn't get to get on the Delta flight. But luckily, there was a flight leaving Friday midday on Alaska Airlines. Oh, that mm. they just backed me up a day, and so I got on that flight, and I didn't have to go through all the troubles that they did because it was still my first leg was Alaska, so it's just continued my other flights through. Mm-hmm. So I got I got lucky there. Well, and, and how did you? I don't even know how you got that through because I call I was calling Alaska Airlines, and I mean the whole thing you're hearing seven hour wait nine hour wait oh. you know because so many people were calling because of all Man. the canceled flights yeah so it's i don't know how what i don't magic either. i don't happened. know what she did my wife my wife jumped on it because i was working <laughs> yeah and she goes She's you're magical. squared away you're squared away you don't have to worry about it now i got you on the flight out friday you'll just have to stay a day in seattle <laughs> yeah and i was like wow Woo. yeah and so i let him know that and then <laughs> yeah. that's going to follow into what happened next yeah so so he gets on on, on the alaska flight and and we I, I think at one point madeline had seen that that flight was a, was an option and, and i just wasn't having it with alaska airlines i was done yeah. i was like because they did the same thing to us last year for christmas yeah, uh, yeah. we missed christmas with the family because they canceled flights and so um i was like nope we're flying delta just get us yeah. out of fairbanks yeah wh- whatever the fastest way is yeah and so so we're she managed to get a message out to her dad in Michigan about the, um, the purse missing okay. before we left self-service okay. uh, in the airport. And of course, I don't know if you're, we should say it wasn't an airplane mode when we were taking off, but <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do? What are they going to do? 
Um, so she gets a message out to her dad because the, we called the, the stewardess over air, air, whatever you call those people. Yeah. And, um, she's like, there's nothing we can do. I'm sorry. Like the plane's rolling. Like, you know, it's like maybe 45 minutes ago, we could have had somebody run it out to the plane, but like, you know, they haven't found it yet. They called back to the front, to the, to the gate. Nobody had found it yet. Well, so her dad jumps on it because of the time difference. He was up for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so he's calling. And basically, it turned out they did find it. Somebody did find it. They turned it into lost and found. And so he was able to basically say, you know, hey, that's my daughter's purse. You know, this is my name. This is her name. And they verified it with the, the passports and all that. And uh, so Marshall, thankfully, had gotten that flight the next day. And so by the time we landed in Seattle, between her dad coordinating everything with the lost and found, and then we hit you up. Uh, that very next morning, they were able to put the purse in his name, and when he flew down the next day, he was able to pick it up from Lost and Found and take it down. No kidding. But so we're sitting there, and we had to, you know, go sit in an air or sit in a hotel. Uh, we we Not checked into knowing. a hotel. Yeah. And I'm I'm just the whole thing's riding on the fact that Alaska Airlines is not going to cancel this next flight. That he's right, on, right. Right. Like, right. <laughs> that's, I was is like, Marshall going to make if, it? If yeah. he gets double whammy, none of us are going. Like yeah. you know, and so. Um, so we're just trying to rest, trying to sleep and, and just, it, it's so yeah not sure if this trip's going to happen. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that have hunted either internationally or even just state to state, you know, traveling that have had nightmarish yeah. travel mm-hmm. stories similar to this. Um, yeah. Actually, if you have any, feel free to write into the show and, and tell <laughs> your story. It might make me feel better and not so alone. But, uh, so <laughs> he goes to the airport picks up this this pink sparkly shiny purse and just, you know <laughs> and i had to hide ar- it under ar- my shirt army yeah, veteran right, right. you know <laughs> i'm sure Hardened you soldier. Slung, that, slung that over your shoulder and paraded it through yeah. i mean he's going to seattle so it wouldn't be yeah <laughs> <laughs> blend right in just, i'm one of you <laughs> but so you know and luckily all the all the hotels down there they have like the tram services so he he hit me up as soon as he you know had the purse he's like i'm on the plane it's like I landed in Seattle. I'm I'm by this area. I jumped on the train or on the the little tram. Yeah, headed over to the airport and we meet up in the front. I was the happiest guy in the world, man. And it, it was like <laughs> when I met up with him and got that purse, verified the passports in it, verified everything's good to go. Jumped back on the bus, got back to the hotel, and I'm sitting in the room with my wife and everything, and we're like, "This is gonna happen. Like we're actually going." And it, it, yeah, just like that immediately. It was like. Okay, now we can relax. And it yeah. was just out for like 12 hours. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And, you know, after that, I would say the trip went pretty good, ultimately. Um, it's because you yeah. got all your bad luck out of the way at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the travel after that was interesting, but not like horrible, I would yeah. say. Yeah, just, um, just little lessons learned for traveling international. Yeah. Well, well you learned the hard way that they don't open the gate until a certain time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you're going to travel international, don't get to the airport more than four hours before because you're not going to even get to check in. <laughs> yeah. Four hours? Yeah. Whoa. So British Airlines doesn't open, or Airways, I guess, British Airways, doesn't open their gates to check in until, what is it, four hours ahead yeah. of time? And, you know, you have to leave the hotel at 11. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had nowhere else to go. I went to the airport thinking I was going to at least get to get in and go sit at a you know bar and drink a couple beers or whatever. <laughs> nope, that didn't happen. Ah, uh, yeah. So he shoots us the text message. He's like, "Don't even bother showing up till you know three or whatever." Yeah, yeah. Saved our butts, so we we were able to just hang out and, and yeah. we went for a walk around Seattle and whatnot. It was cool, but mm. um, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then uh and so then you went direct from Seattle to London. London. Yep. And then so, London to Joburg. Yeah. So London was interesting. Interesting is the best way to put it. That whoever designed that airport, I I don't know. It it very interesting the way yeah, they have it designed. It's very hard it's, to navigate. It's yeah. vertical majority. Really? I mean, it's it's up and down and up and really? down and up and down. It's like it's not very wide, you huh. know. And so um and they have that's because it's an island that, that, that they don't have a whole lot of square feet. I was almost wondering about that yeah. if it was actually a limitation because <laughs> you know, you'll go up an escalator that's four stories. Oh really? You know, and you'll go up and then you have to go across and you take a lift back down to some other floor and then you go across somewhere else. No kidding. Right back around, up. Yeah, right back up and then you go around some it, it, it's yeah. so weird the way it's huh. laid out. Like if I could look at the actual blueprints, maybe that'd be, might make sense. But I mean, just walking around there and you get so turned around so quickly and, yeah. and all the signs are not the way we would word things in America. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause, uh, there's, you got to pick up the baggage and there's like, what was the other thing that through traffic or, or, um, uh, some basically connecting flights Yeah, know, is how we yeah. would say it, but it wasn't said that way. And so, yeah. um, and and we were just trying to ask employees where we should go, and, and yeah. they would send us over here. And then the ad employees, why are you over here? You know, well, go over here. And then yeah. we went over there, and we're like, well, we shouldn't be having you check our passports. We're not leaving the airport. They're yeah. like, well, no, you don't need to be here. And they're like, you need to go over here. And we're like, yeah. uh, will somebody just take us, please? Yeah. <laughs> Which was good about Johannesburg. You know, mm -hmm. you can find somebody that's willing to try to make a five dollar bill or whatever, and he'll mm -hmm. take you to your gate. Yeah, that yeah. that is nice. Yeah, and, and some of it. So we we finally figured out our our way through through London. Um, got through security, which security there really wasn't bad. I mean, they, they, yeah. it was pretty quick process, and they they just pushed us right through. And then, well, you guys weren't taking any guns. No, yeah. no guns. So that was a very specific thing that we did. Which I'm actually, I'm given glad. our experience at London Heathrow, it, I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. Um, because it would have just added that much more of a nightmare to it. I've heard London know. is a terrible place to have to take a gun through. Well, and you know, originally I thought, okay, well, if you don't want guns in your country and I'm just flying through on a connected <laughs> flight, you would probably just want to take the gun off of one plane, put it on the next plane. Nobody ever has to touch it. It never gets out of the box. Like it's just locked up and in and out of your country in six hours. Yeah. But that's not the way it works. You have to take it off the plane, go get it checked by customs, go get, have them put their stamp of approval on it before you can then send it out of their country. Yeah. And, and given just how hectic it was trying to find our way around, and I'm so glad I didn't bring a gun. There, I, there's a reason our ancestors left that place. <laughs> 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 well, and, and I think the next time we go, we'll just go, there, there's a flight directly to Joburg from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, that's and, that's and what we'll, I would do. Yeah. We're yes. going to go that way next time. Definitely. I mean, it's longer. It's like, uh, yeah, I think the Seattle to London was nine hours, and then yeah. from London to Johannesburg was eleven hours. But from Atlanta straight over is fifteen hours. Yeah, mm. but it's well worth it to me to not to have to go through all them customs again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, on the way, both there and back, really. I mean, the layovers added. Yeah, over half a day yeah. to yeah. the travel. Yeah, you know, because. They don't have flights that go to these places all the time. Yeah. You know, it's once or twice a day. And so you might show up at, I, I think on the way back, we showed up to London at 5 a.m. We didn't leave till like 3 p.m. or something like that. It was, mm. it was a pretty long layover. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so just not having that, you know. Right. And, and, and 
next time I'll definitely break the trip up too. Yeah. Like if we do leave out of Atlanta, I'm going to fly to Atlanta like a day early. Yeah. Get a hotel, spend the night, get some rest, get relaxed, and then jump on that 15 hour flight across yeah. because then you're going also from a gun friendly country to a gun friendly country. So, well, and that's the thing too is instead of having to go Seattle to London, you're in a foreign place. Mm-hmm. Instead, just take that flight from Seattle to Atlanta. Right. And you land in the States. You're still on right. home turf. Mm-hmm. And then you just go, boom, international, and you're just straight to Africa. That's yep. That, to me, would make it worthwhile not having to go through London or Germany. There's yeah. a lot of flights that go through that Germany. Yep. Um, that's a pretty popular stopping point. But, yeah. you know, that's the customs in Europe for firearms is just ridiculous. Yeah. But. But I will say, uh, British Airways, they, they did a good job did they? as far as the flight goes. I mean, the, the first one especially. I mean, when we were flying from Seattle to London, I mean, those the, the flight attendants were, were super polite. They were super nice. I mean, they, uh, we got meals, which, you know, they're airplane meals. So right. But not, not the at least they're thing, still giving you food. Better than what you get, you know, yeah. just flying from Fairbanks to Seattle or something like I that. I flew Seattle to D.C. in January, and mm-hmm. they didn't even serve a meal of food. Really? You had to buy it if you wanted it. Yeah, these were free. Yeah, they were included. Yeah. yeah, these were free, and, and we weren't even in first class or anything. Like yeah, that. we were. Oh just yeah, sitting no, coach, that, you that's know? so that's just, that's how it always used to be when I was a kid flying internationally. Yeah, you know, we'd have 10, 11 hour flights, and they served you nice a meal, meal of food yeah. every time it was time to eat. Yeah, yeah, we and got that, brec- we got dinner yeah. when we jumped on the plane, and then they turn the lights out, and you sleep for a while, and then they turn yeah. the lights back on. Oh, it's breakfast time, you know. Yeah. So exactly, um, that's how it should be. You're paying that much money for a flight, <laughs> right? They should just feed you, <laughs> right? But um, and but, free drinks. Yeah, that that was nice too, um, <laughs> but but yeah. So you know, it it was really a, a good a good travel experience as far as being on the plane goes. And, and you know, honestly, I'll say that even as big as I am, you know, mm-hmm. six and a half feet tall. I was going to ask about the leg room on that plane. It wasn't great, but it wasn't that bad. Either. It wasn't the, Alaska the Airlines. That, the way that these planes are designed, it's like if your knees are straight in front of you, yeah, then it'll be tight. You know, when you're you have long legs like I do. Yeah. But there's a lot of room underneath the seat. So yeah. I could stretch my legs out in front of me yeah. and, and, or kind of off to the side. Yeah. Um, even two of the flights, we ended up middle of middle. So, I mean, oh, you, you've been on those yeah. international oh, yeah. planes. You know, yeah. you got three by each window and then five in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know. That five in the middle can suck. Oh, man. Yes. It was so bad. That, that can be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we ended up middle of middle a couple of times. And it was a little tight on the elbow room yeah. for me. But, yeah. I mean... It wasn't the worst thing in the world. I was yeah. still able to sleep a little bit. I was still able to, you know, make it through comfortably. Yeah. And, and maybe that's just something about, you know, you're stuck there for right. nine or 11 hours and you, yeah. you just kind of accept it. But download mm-hmm. some movies. Did, 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 well, did, and they had TV screens. Did they have individual screens for they you? They did. Okay. Yeah. Yep. They yep. didn't have like the big common screen at the end of <laughs> each section. <laughs> no. That, that was what, well, I, that, the first time I ever remember flying internationally as a very young kid, that was what Air New Zealand was doing, was mm. that they had, you know, every so many rows, they would have a divider yeah. and then a huge TV in there. And they were playing like Lord of the Rings back when that was still <laughs> big deal. Hey, but, it's but, still a big deal in some circles, but, man. But you were stuck. <laughs> you were stuck watching whatever was on that TV. Right. You were on Delta flight over international? No, no, no. British Airways. British okay. Airways. Yeah, so we just we were supposed to connect through Alaska Airlines from Fairbanks to Seattle because mm-hmm. um, they're partners. They're right. part of the, the One World Alliance. Oh, boy. Yeah. Whatever. whatever well, let's means. not start on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so we ended up jumping a Delta flight two days early down to Seattle, and so we stayed yeah. in the hotel room um, and then caught the British Airways the next day. Um, 
And then so once we got to London, we met up with the rest of our party. And then it got easy because... He knew how to navigate. <laughs> they knew how to navigate the airport. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. just a couple of, you know, yeah. Americans. Sean was already there with yeah. his wife. He was already there. Um, Steve was, uh, yep. was there at the same time he showed up because um, he was able to change his... <laughs> he had a, a little bit of a flight debacle on his own too, but um, he was able to get on the same flight as us. And so his was self-inflicted though. <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> he booked the wrong day. <laughs> so... <laughs> so <laughs> But luckily, they had some extra seats, and he was able to move it and everything like that. And so, well, uh, it, it was great. And, and uh, so that was that was our party. It was uh, uh, Marshall, myself, my wife, um, Sean, and his wife, and then and then Steve. And it, it was a great, great crew of people to hang and out Steve with. Steve is week. local. Steve is he's British. Yeah. Oh, so he's, okay, okay. Yeah. So he's so, uh, so he showed up with a with friend them. of Sean. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so we all flew to Joburg from there, um, which that flight was actually. Probably the easier one, I would think. The it best was just, one. Yeah. And so double decker, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, huge. I love those airplanes. I've never seen one those that big. Those are so nice. And, you know, everybody thinks I'm weird, but I literally feel safer in a 206 than I do on like one of these big jets. And it mm-hmm. just, it's, the physics just makes sense to me, right? Mm-hmm. I have pushed a 206 into a hangar before. I know how light they are. <laughs> I can push it into the hangar myself. Yeah. Um, so you put a big old engine with a prop in front of it on that that makes sense yeah like okay if this is light this propeller pulls this little lightweight aircraft yeah. through the air you put a building with <laughs> wings on <laughs> yeah. it i'm like this thing weighs a million pounds like how is this in the air and right now hundreds you know? of thousands of gallons of fuel oh yeah i mean just insane yeah. but yeah. but it was smooth i mean it was a smooth flight and everything worked great and you know we didn't die so that was yeah. yeah, that was good. No doors flew off the planes. It was it was a really well. It good wasn't time. a Boeing Max Nine, <laughs> right? <laughs> but Joburg was was actually I, I really liked the Joburg Airport. Yeah, um, the layout made sense. Everything just kind of flowed. Um, you know, we we got through customs there, um, which it was a little bit of a long line, but ultimately it was fine. Um, there was a little bit of a, a, a confusing feature with your bags because we were flying out of Joburg to a. Uh, Port Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And so going from international to commercial, you have to recheck your bags in. Mm-hmm. Nobody really told us that at a time. Yeah. And nobody explained that at the airport either. Right. So uh, luckily, um, uh, they, somebody noticed their bag on, on, on the, uh, the carousel. carousel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we figured out what we had to do and got everything checked in. Now you guys had a really quick turnaround in Joburg, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we went back to, what their TSA would be. Yeah. And went straight to the gate and loaded the plane. Yeah. And in and out. Jetlink is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's their flight, if I can remember, it's called Jetlink, right? Is it is it Jetlink or Airlink? Airlink. Airlink. Okay. Air, maybe Airlink. Yeah. All their planes look brand new. Their leg room and their planes is just crazy. Yeah, really. it was. It, really? It's like built for seven foot tall people. Yeah. I don't know. I do remember that. It was, it, that was it, nice. Was it, it was like only, a twin turbo two engine plane or was it an actual jet? Uh, I think it was a, it was a twin, wasn't it? Twin turbo? Yeah. yeah. So like those so, little yeah. prop jobs that they run from like, Fairbanks to Anchorage. Yeah, two and yeah, two. Yeah, similar similar to that. That. yeah, yeah. Two seats on each side mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah. and they fed you there too. Yep. Really? Hour and 45 minute flight down to Port Elizabeth and they fed you. Yep. And we got lunch. No yeah. kidding. Oh, that sounds yeah. nice. It yeah. Very nice. I was very surprised. I Ask yeah. if you could fly on that back to London. I had the opposite experience in Europe. 
Oh, really? Air France. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't Air France. It was an Air France Alliance, KVM Airlines or something like that. But you could feel the bars through the seat. Less than <laughs> oh, any no. other plane just oh. that I've ever been in. Wow. Same size plane, but it was not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and my wife and I had a slightly different experience because we were on a later flight for some reason out of Joburg. So we ended up hanging out there for like six hours because oh. they had like they had a pretty immediate turnaround. But we ended up, I think we didn't leave until like 1 or 2 p.m. Oh. Um. So we got a little bit more of an experience at Joburg, which, I mean, it was a really cool Was airport. everything in the Joburg airport uh, bilingual then? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, so, every, so now you're starting to see that language barrier show up. Yeah. Um, so we, we were able to find our way around fine. And, and like he said, there was always somebody there willing to, to show you around for a tip. Now, Most folks spoke English? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they all spoke English. Um, I, I think typically, I mean, your average person in South America speaks at least three or four South languages. Africa. Or South Africa, sorry. I don't <laughs> It's early still. It's like America, um, but South. <laughs> <laughs> South Africa, sorry. I, I think typically they all speak three or four languages okay, over there yeah. because of, of all the different regional areas and all stuff like that. All the diversity, and, and yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's very interesting, actually, because yeah. like our pHs and whatnot, depending on who they were talking to, I mean, they'd speak three or four different languages, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was, it was really cool to see. It's a big cultural hub. Yeah. 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 But so we, we, it's funny, a lot of those people over there in the airports, you know, it's very nice when you want the service. Um, they'll, they'll, you know, show you to your gate. They'll show you to, to where you're supposed to check in and everything. And it's great. Yeah. Um, man, are they pushy sometimes? I mean, yeah. I'd have people coming up trying to grab my bags. Hey, oh, let me, let me help. I'm like, oh, no, no, I got it. You know, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Like, uh -huh. you know, and, yeah. um, it, it was funny. I mean, I gotta, gotta give a shout out to their, their work ethic. You know I mean? There, there were guys outside every restaurant in, in the, the airport. Mm -hmm. And whenever you walk by, they're like, oh, oh, table for two, table for, <laughs> no, like coming up to you like, oh, you hungry? You hungry? And it's like, wow. yeah. good sales, you know, good yeah. salesmen, you know? And so why not? Like, yeah. Why not? I mean, you get more tables that way, probably mm -hmm. I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? But, I think I am hungry. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? So, um, but no, we had, yeah, we stopped in somewhere. We got some coffee and a little bit of food and yeah. just kind of perused around the shops and everything like that. And it was a really, really interesting, really cool place. Um, it, yeah. it was, and it, it absolutely gorgeous outside. You know, that was one thing that I, that really struck me about over there was it was so green. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what I was expecting really. I mean, <laughs> just desert and, you know, all yeah. this different stuff. It's not like you're in the yeah. Sahara. And that's, yeah. Now that you brought that up. Yeah. So when we were flying over and I was looking down, yeah. you know, from Johannesburg to Port Elizabeth, it, it was the, it, looked like we were flying over Kansas. Mm -hmm. Really? It was all farmland, nice green, different colors, you know, the water. Yeah. How they water out. All the irrigation. The irrigation yeah. and stuff. It was, yep. it, from above, it looked just like Kansas. Like how you get that, that patchwork yeah, yeah. quilt yeah. style yeah. farmland. Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah, I don't know what I was expecting either, but it wasn't that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, I was, I don't know, watch too much TV, I guess, you know, yeah. thinking of. Expecting yeah. to look down and just see <laughs> desert and sand yeah. dunes and yeah. lions running around. That's, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I, I don't know, just too much Discovery Channel, I guess. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, but it was so green. You know, yeah. the grass was green. The trees were lush. The, there were bushes and flowers and just all. I mean, it was, yeah. it was almost tropical, you know, and it, yeah. it, it was totally not what I was expecting. It was, it was mm -hmm. really, really neat. Yeah. Um, and also during our travel, I figured out the cure for. Jet lag. Exercise. Just don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, <laughs> if you completely throw your sleep schedule off for three days straight while you're traveling uh-huh. to where you just don't have a schedule when you show up, then you, just you don't have jet lag. Yeah. yeah, you just go yeah. to sleep when you go to sleep and you, you wake just, up. And, when you get there, you go to sleep and you just set your alarm for whenever the day starts. Yep. Ne- yeah. The next day starts. Yep. You, know, you go to sleep at you know 12 noon, wake yeah. up at 6, and, 6 a.m., 16 hours later, you're yep. good to go. <laughs> <laughs> now, since you guys got there a little bit earlier than, than we did to Port Elizabeth, and uh, I, I got to say the welcome when, when Madeline and I showed up to Port Elizabeth was amazing. I mean, it, it was really like... Once you set foot off that last plane and you're there, yeah, and yeah. you know, and Deffen was there and his brother Edwin was there to pick us up. And these are the PHs. Um, yes. Well, Ed- Edwin's not a PH, but okay. Deffen runs the the um, Winterberg Safaris, which okay. is the one we were out there with. Um, and so he showed up, and they had two trucks, and it, it was it was just awesome. It yeah. was like all of a sudden this this relief, you know, all the stress from yeah. the, the the canceled flights, we made the it. lost yeah. purse, and finding your way through international airports and all this stuff. Suddenly, it's like. <sighs> Yeah, we're here. Sigh of relief. But, yeah, but so we, we were pretty much in and out of Port Elizabeth pretty quick. But you guys had pretty much a whole day there. Yeah, yeah. We were was waiting on y'all, so we went to a gun shop. They took us, you know, and kind of not as not even near as big as what you would walk in into the states. Mm. But uh, I but, was actually surprised to see it. But you know, we went in there, and you know, they had all different kinds. You know, anything that you wanted to buy, and uh, probably and had we, suppressors too. Actually, they did. Yeah. yeah. You can I, buy I suppressors pretty much over the counter over the for counter. $200. Yeah. 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 I call them yeah. moderators. I moderators. Have, I have complained about that many a time. Oh, yeah. There's legislation. Yeah. There's Texas. There's a built thing in Texas where they're actually fighting it right now. Well, to, get it to the ATF can't regulate it. It's about it, time. Or at least not the way it is. Well, it's just if you look at anywhere else in the, like even, mm-hmm. e- even over there in the UK. Yeah. Like as strict as they are about your firearms licenses and all this other stuff and making sure you have all your paperwork in order and, yep. you know, it's the, the every five years or mm-hmm. so often you've got to renew it and get inspections and all this other stuff. It's like, if you don't get a moderator, yeah, they're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you want a moderator? Like it yeah. just makes it more pleasant for everybody. It makes it yeah. safer for you. Yeah. Everybody else isn't hearing this muzzle brake blast off in the middle, right. you know, and it's like, right. same thing in South Africa. They were, you know, it's like every single rifle had a, a suppressor on it. It yeah. Did. yeah, and it was so so nice. Yeah, you know, and that's that's one thing I came away from with this trip is I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting one. I I need one. Yeah, like, I'm definitely buying one myself. I, I've never of... used one before. Um, yeah. and you know, I've I've always th- looked at them and been like, ah, I don't want to add an extra, you know, seven to ten inches on the end of my barrel. Like, yeah, eh, not doing that. But coming back from that trip, I mean, it it made a world of difference. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we we met up with the with the PH and, and and his brother there, and then they took us back to uh, uh, Fort Beaufort. That was yep. the place we went to. So we were out on that side. For anybody listening, that's that's the area we were hunting in. And dude, just the scenery, mm. man, it's beautiful over there. It, it's like have you ever spent time in like the high deserts of America? Like um, some, like West some. Texas, Nevada, like not kind, quite kind of those there, areas. but you know, southeastern California, out in the desert down okay, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very similar to that. I mean, it's just wide open. Yeah, you know, there's there there's just sparse trees and brush yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. Everything has thorns on it down yeah. there. Yeah, and the wildlife, dude. I mean, the, just the sheer amount of wildlife we saw. I mean, if if you had a blindfolded me. And put me out there in that ranch, and then took the blindfold off. I would swear I was in West Texas. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. They even have—I forgot the name of their mesquite tree. It, it's a mesquite, huh? 
style tree. I want to say it starts with an A or a C or something like that, okay. but it's just a, a bigger mesquite tree. The mm. thorns, the thorns are like double sized, but <laughs> it looks just like Texas. It's crazy. Really? Yeah, uh, it is, yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. And I mean, you're, you're going through, you know, the, the road system there. I mean, they drive on the left side of the road. Yeah. You know, so that part was weird to be naturally. The first time I've yeah. ever been anywhere, they drive on the <laughs> yeah. left side of the road. I've, I've, I've gone through Canada, uh-huh. but that's as far out of the U S as I've ever gone before. Just driving between yeah. Alaska and the lower 48. Um, and so beyond the left side of the road for the first time, I'm going to be 34 this month, you know? So yeah. 34 years of driving on the right side of the road. Suddenly we're on the left side and in the hills there, because it's all hilly terrain there between, mm, between yeah. Port Elizabeth and Fort Beaufort. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you're going around these big mountains and cutting through these rock, you know, outcroppings and everything. And you're just yeah. going all around. And, and there's, there's a couple of like wide open plains areas too, but like, man, you start coming around that corner and it, it just like the road system in Alaska, you know, it's only one lane going each way, mm-hmm. passing lanes every so often. And you start seeing that like a semi truck come around the corner at you. Yeah. And as an American, you see they're in the, in the right lane and you're like, Oh no. Like, they're the, yeah. Like he, he took the turn wide. Like you got him like, right. Then, oh wait, wait. Like, okay. These guys know what they're doing. Yeah. And then turning on intersections too. That was the other weird part. Was, no, yeah, was makes sense. crossing traffic the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> it, it just, it felt so off. It took me days to get used to it. Cause I, I mean, just didn't even look. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was really interesting, you know. We we took a drive through a couple of towns there and everything like that, and just to see like the differences in, in how you know people live in different parts of the world and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, the, the yeah. way that the towns are laid out and the cities and the different areas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, like Port Elizabeth is really a beautiful place. I mean, you're right on the beach. Uh, they got some big buildings. They got you know all this nice, and it's it's cool because you can tell the history of the area too. Because there's a couple of buildings that. Um, don't look like they're in use anymore, but you can tell that they were a big deal back in the day, like old, maybe old church buildings and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and old, uh, just an older style of architecture. Um, and it was really, really an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, we had a great welcome there. We had a great trip all the way back up. Um, you know, we showed up to the lodge, and the lodge was just stunning, is, mm. is the best way to put it. I mean, they had, you know, the rooms were beautiful and nice. You know, they were, they were, you had your own private bathroom. You had, um, there was a swimming pool. They had taxidermy everywhere. I mean, you're sitting there around the, the dinner table. You're looking at kudu and uh, water buck and bush oh. buck and yeah, uh, you know, diker and all. Yeah. Every, oh, and, they had diker too. Oh, yeah. All oh, over yeah. that ranch. Really? Yeah. yeah. We saw I, a bunch of them. Uh, I think they had like, what, five, four or five different kinds? Yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah, they had the, the commons. Yeah. And then I don't remember what all the other ones were, but, yeah. um, and then uh, reed buck. We saw a bunch of reed buck. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are tiny, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Well, the dikers are the size ears. of a small dog. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're tiny. Yeah. They're like chihuahuas. Yeah. yeah. They're bigger than chihuahuas. Yeah. But yeah like, they're, they're bigger than that. They're, they're small. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and the, the reed bucks, little tiny deers, and they got these big old ears on them. Like their ears are bigger than the little spikes on top of their head. And, yeah. And like they bounce like rabbits. <laughs> yeah. Madeline has a video of one of them we saw, and it was just staring at us. And we were, yeah. She took a video of it, and it just starts bounding away. And like, yeah, I, I would swear it was a rabbit if I didn't know any. <laughs> you know, if I only the, saw it just bouncing around, big jackrabbit with little horns. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we, yeah, we finally got to the lodge and, and settled in. I think we had dinner that night, 
um, they kind of laid out how everything was going to go, you know, what time we're waking up and everything like that. And, um, man, it was just so peaceful. You know, they had a bonfire going and the stars are out. And it's just, it's super warm. You know, I think it was like negative 25 when we left Fairbanks. We show up down there. It's like, I don't know. It, it was cool for there, but it was like 75 degrees or something like oh, that. It felt awesome. Nice. Yeah, it was so nice. I'll you bet. Know? You just got like a little, it, it, it was weird because I still put like a little hoodie on. Yeah. You know, just because there was a little breeze and everything. And it, it's weird yeah. how <laughs> it, it's not cold for me, but it's cold for there. So it almost feels kind of cold, you know, like, yeah. I don't know if it's the humidity or the wind yeah. or whatever it was, but yeah. it, it was just a little bit chilly, but so you're sitting right around the fire and there's no snow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're you just got your sandals on and everything. And it was just such a relief. To you were wearing flip flops. Uh, I had my, my Crocs. Oh, yep. got to okay. rock, got to rock the Crocs. Man. Okay. If you ain't Crocs. Right. Yeah. Cause what I thought was, that's weird. acceptable. You ain't Crocs and you ain't rocking. Yeah. I, I never even thought about it, but you know, here it is winter on our side of the world and going over there, it's uh -huh. their summer, totally opposite yeah. of, of us. Yeah. And, you know, you're thinking, and then you're like, they're June, July, August or whatever is their winter time. It yeah. just seems yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. Just like yeah. their opposite Completely side flipped. of the road type yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, it's legitimately flipped like almost yeah. exactly six months. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And yeah. same thing. I'd never even thought about that, yeah. but mm -hmm. you know, I brought it up. I mentioned it. I'm like, man, it's really warm down here. And yeah. the guy, uh, Johnny, he, runs the lodge down there and he was like oh yeah you guys are northern hemisphere we're southern hemisphere and i was like oh well when you put it that way yeah it makes yeah, perfect yeah. sense but like, <laughs> i just hadn't thought about it that yeah. simply before yeah. like, um but You're yeah not so in then kansas anymore yeah, yeah i know <laughs> but yeah so then uh then it was off to the races you know and it was it was great um we had a, a really we kind of experienced so much different weather while we were there mm -hmm. which was great it never really rained on us i don't think but a little it, sprinkle one day. Yeah, there was the one day. That's right, right in the morning time. Yeah, we had a little bit of a sprinkle. But it was, it was the first three days were so, it was such a nice transition. You yeah, know? yeah. And like you said, it's almost like we used up all of our bad luck at the beginning of the trip. It yeah, was like, because yeah. <laughs> he was even sending us a picture. I think uh, Devin sent us a picture in the group chat of a, the thermostat in his truck oh, yes. saying it was like 50 something Celsius over Which was there, 131 which is, degrees. Woo! Yeah. Woo. And... <laughs> So I'm sitting there thinking negative 25 to 130. <laughs> I was like, oh man. But so, it was it was nice. It was like in the 70s, the first three days, like 70s and 80s, a little bit hot, but like nothing terrible. So then here's a question for both of you guys. How did it feel being in the rain and the rain wasn't cold? Oh, it felt good. It, it was, isn't that nice? Yeah, it yes. was, isn't that nice? It, it made yeah. me remember why I liked rainy days in Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Even um, had a thunderstorm going off yeah. in the distance, lightning into thunder. And you're yeah. just like, oh, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> it cools everything <laughs> off. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I experienced that in the Smoky Mountains a couple of years ago. It mm -hmm. blew my mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, well and that's, you know, in Kansas I, where that I grew I didn't up. like it because it oh, was 90 didn't? degrees and I grew up. In Fairbanks, Alaska, okay? <laughs> what you do in 90 degrees in Fairbanks, Alaska, is you sit in a lawn chair. Right, right. right. right? And you wait for it to cool down. Underneath uh, your blue tarp with a thermo with a thermos thermos exactly. yeah. right. And there, it's 90 degrees, and we're not in the sun, right? Mm -hmm. It's cloudy, and it's 90 degrees, and we're hiking, and I have sweat pouring off. And it starts <laughs> raining, and I'm thinking, good, I'm going to cool down. But no, I don't cool down. No. Because the water is the same temperature as the air. Yeah. So I like it when it rains when it's hot out, but I don't like after the rain. Because then once the clouds Super part, and it just starts it's to... Just the muggy. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. 
I I can't do humidity anymore after living up here in Alaska for so long. I just can't do it. There's it's, something nice about it. I I I still enjoy the, it. The way I describe the way it makes me feel is it's like it's 100 degrees outside and you're wrapped in a wool blanket. Yeah, that's how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. I don't like it at all. It's like a sauna all the time. <laughs> I don't want to be in a sauna all the time. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> that's why I live in Alaska. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but the the other thing, uh, the bugs over there, yeah, not bad at all. Um, it's because the heat. We even die. asked the guy. Yeah. I was like, I was they like, oh, live. do you guys have mosquitoes <laughs> down here? You know, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, we get mosquitoes, and I didn't see a one the whole time we were down there. Wait, yeah, you weren't with us when we had the flat, though, were you? No, so no. We were coming back one night. We were late, and uh, I hadn't really been. I haven't been bothered by a bug yet. Yeah, and uh, we had a flat, and it was dark. And so everybody turns out their, pick, takes out their cell phones and turns their flashlights on. Man, I don't know where all these things came from, but <laughs> thousands, thousands. And you're just like, oh, let me turn it back off. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> but I can't see what's behind me. Oh, turn it back on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's when I noticed just how many bugs they had there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So almost like, yeah. I, I, and you might be right about the heat, you know, it might be they're just nocturnal bugs, yeah. you know, because I mean, there's. They don't want to be out that's, there anymore than we do. That's the same way it was where I grew up. Is during the day it wasn't usually all that bad, but at mm -hmm. night you had little bug lights out on your front porch, and they would just flock into that and get zapped mm -hmm. by it. Mm -hmm. yep. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. It's just like the heat here. Yeah. When it's ninety degrees, we don't see mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. But they come out as soon as the sun starts to go down. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. Same type of deal. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Stranger things. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so different from up here because it's like. I try to explain to a lot of people about the way the mosquitoes are in Alaska and how yeah. we don't really have many other bugs. You know, right. we've got some flies, sure. Um, yeah. We've got some. We've got some those, bees. Those little black flies will the little gnats ruin your day. Yeah, at least they ruin my day. They, they, those, they can. Yeah, get those bad horsefly summers up here. Mm. Yeah, sometimes we get bad yeah. horseflies. I, I don't, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever seen a horsefly in Alaska. Dude, oh, wow. Are you, you won't kidding? see them yeah. for years sometimes, but really? then they'll hit really? for a year or two. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't say I've ever seen one, to be honest yeah. with you. In, in areas that one year, at that yeah. camp that yeah. one year was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, it, there were more horseflies than mosquitoes. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just atrocious. Because I grew up around horseflies in Kansas. I mean, they're nasty, nasty little buggers. I've been bitten enough to the but, point by horseflies up here now that when I see one around me at my bear bait, I have a little minor freak out, <laughs> like trying to kill it, like, oh, no, no. And I'm smacking and moving around. Like, that's a horsefly. That's going to hurt because they take out a half a pound of flesh, it feels like, when they bite. Yeah, they're just they awful. Do. But it's like, you know, we don't have like the, the, the variety of bugs that a lot of places no. do, you yeah. know, uh, but they're all replaced with mosquitoes. Right. <laughs> right. Right. We have the same number of bugs, just not the We variety. don't have centipedes, but we have mosquitoes. <laughs> right. We don't have yeah. killer bees, but we have mosquitoes. Yeah. We don't yeah. have crickets, but we have mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, like, we don't have fireflies, but we have mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And that's over there. You know, there, there was a, a large variety of bugs. There was one spider that. Madeline saw the shoot. It was huge. Yeah. Big old spider. It was chasing her around. I was laughing. But we, <laughs> we came out of the room and it was it was on like the little steps um outside the of our room. And she's she noticed it. Ah yeah. <laughs> the 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 guys initially thought it was a snake. No, it's just a spider, you know. Like my wife hates but, spiders, but she can tolerate snakes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can kill a spider. Yeah. I hate snakes. Which me and Indiana Jones. Same person. Yeah. When it comes to snakes, I hate them. You know, and they, and they warned us about the snakes it. over there, but I never saw yeah, one. Really? See yeah. Didn't see any. That's nope. why they warned you about them. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, 
on the spider thing though, and I, I, I've told my wife about this since, but I didn't tell her the night that it happened. But, um, I was in using, using the restroom before bed and, uh, I noticed there was a spider crawling along the, the tile in the, in the bathroom, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. We've had the windows open all day, fans blowing, it's hot, you know? So, I mean, there's plenty of ways for it to get in and I'm like, eh, whatever, take my crock off and just smack it real quick. I'm like, oh, you're done. And then it exploded (laughs) into about 500 little baby spiders. Um, that were apparently crawling on its back, <laughs> and, and I'm in this. I'm in the bathroom, <laughs> smacking these little baby spiders with my my as, as they're like exploding, spreading everywhere. Wow. Like a hand and grenade. I'm, just, I'm yeah. just trying to like get them before they disappear and end up, you know, in, yeah, in in bed with us or something like that, you know. Yeah. And I, I ended up getting them all, but at one point she <laughs> yells out, she's like, "What are you doing in there? Like nothing, babe. Just Play go to trolls. sleep." Yep, just playing the drums before bed. <laughs> just sleep soundly tonight. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it, it was funny, and it, it wasn't even a big spider. That's the funny part. It was like a little little thing. And yeah, I, I'm not I'm not super weird about spiders. I mean, I grew up yeah. around tons of them. Um, I've been bitten by a lot of them. Um, yeah, and so yeah, it's, I'm not super weird about them. But like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, ah, yeah. The, hundreds of little microscopic ones yeah. you know you there, don't want there those comes a point around. yeah but yeah <laughs> but yeah um but yeah and then so we we started hunting but before we do that uh let's take a break real quick all right folks we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope last year i found the solution to that problem with the stealthy hunter rifle cover It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, Go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. All right, so the, now we get to the point why we're there. Yeah. So we were there, uh, we showed up on a Monday. And we had, I think, seven days to, to hunt. So we were there seven days, eight nights. Um, and the days were set up pretty, pretty neat. I mean, we'd wake up at around 5, 530. Uh, we'd go in. We'd have breakfast in the lodge, uh, full breakfast every day. Mm. I mean, they had like a full staff of uh, cooks and, and people to take care of things. They had a full laundry service for us, you know, so you really only had to bring like two sets of clothes and then mm. one would get washed every day and then you just kind of rotate. Yep, very um, nice. It was really, really nice setup they had there. Um, so you'd wake up every day and you'd go have breakfast and then we'd take off typically around like 6, 6.30 to go hunt. And the, um, and the cool thing too about any meal that you were eating, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, they were all made by the staff, all full-blown meals, and nobody ate until everybody was there. Yeah. Professional yeah. hunters, of wow. course, and, yeah. and, the, and uh, the owners mm-hmm. and, and everybody that was hunting. 
Yeah. Everybody would sit around the table and eat and converse. Yep. And, yeah. and there were even days like for dinner time, like well, one party would be out later or something like that. We'd all wait for each other. Yeah. It was really cool. It was, it was, yeah. it was a really neat, neat setup. Yeah. Um, but you know, we'd go out and hunt in the mornings. Um, I think that first morning it was so foggy and, and kind of nasty. I don't think we actually left until pretty late. Hmm. Um, cause you just couldn't see anything. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. uh, then you, you'd go for your morning hunt. You'd come home for lunch. Um, you go back to the lodge, you have lunch, you kind of lounge around, you could go to the pool, you could take a nap, do whatever you wanted, mm-hmm. go back out around three or four, depending on how hot it was outside and then do your evening hunt and come back for, for dinner. So, um, really cool layout, really cool, um, system they have going on out there. And so day one, um, we wake up and, and again, the, I was amazed at the, the lack of jet lag. Mm-hmm. you know and, and that's hard to say it's just, you just don't sleep on the trip down there yeah but i woke up that next day and i was just ready to go yeah no jet lag no no slack and they had coffee ready ready to go so you wake up have a cup of coffee have some breakfast um we set out that morning looking for some stuff and it's really an amazing property they have out there i mean mm-hmm. it's it's I forget exactly how many thousands of hectares it is yeah but yeah. it's it's a huge property and the cool part is there's dirt roads everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's, it's a cattle farm. Right. And so that was another thing that kind of broke one of my expectations is, you know, you, you're not really sure what to expect as far as the property goes, because it's all private land right. there in South Africa. Right. Um, so all of these, these wide open pieces of the land are all owned by somebody. The only place I ever really saw high fencing was by the highway system. Mm-hmm. It was just to keep animals from running, running across the highway. Yeah. Which seemed to work well. I was talking to them, and they said that the, the number of like kudu and impala and stuff like that that get hit on, on roadkill is, is very rare. It, it's mm. very, very low numbers. And you, know, you think about that compared to in Alaska, I think there's, what do they estimate, like six, six to 800 moose are hit every year on yeah. the road system up here. Yeah. Easy. So, I mean, it didn't sound like it was anything near that yeah. down there. So, and, that, and that's really the only place we saw high fences. This whole property we were hunting everywhere we went uh a couple of the pictures that get posted you may see some fencing mm-hmm. but it's all cattle fencing because this is all it was a big cattle farm that yeah. we were on yeah. and so um they have i think it's at max like four foot high and then the bottom like 18 inches in most places is open as well mm-hmm. um and so your dikers and your reed bucks and whatnot your smaller animals can kind of scoot under it and then like your impala and your kudu can jump over it mm-hmm and so these animals are free range. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not confined. They're not limited. Um, there were several times actually where we would try to stalk something and then they would run and jump a fence into the next property. And it's like, oh, well, we, we don't have the, the rights to hunt over there. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that these animals just don't migrate, really. They're not migratory animals. Right. Um, so, you know, you have such a big property that covers so many different hillsides and, and, and ranges and whatnot that these animals are just local. You know, yeah. they, they just, you know, that they hang out here and they, the management system over there, I'll, I'll talk about that for a second. The management system over there is actually really, really good. You yeah. know, and, then, and that's one thing that you kind of hear a lot of ignorant Americans talk about when they, when they get on the topic of African hunting is, you know, oh, you're hunting these, the, these animals and they're endangered mm-hmm. or this or that or the other. Right. It's like, right. well, one, you have to look at each individual country over there because each country has its own management system. Yeah. So some areas you're not allowed to hunt elephants at all. Mm-hmm. Some areas are overrun with elephants mm-hmm. to the point where if they don't cull them off with hunters, which pay a hundred grand to go hunt an elephant, 
the local farmers are just going to go out there and start calling them themselves because they're tearing up the fields. Right. Well, more and like so, poaching because they're not supposed to. Right. But they'll go shoot them. I, and, and sometimes that, that, depending on which country you're in, if the animal's on your land, you're allowed to do it. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's your management system. Mm. So the, the government over there, you know, ha- I think there are some basic rules, but like ultimately it, it's the landowners. And so like where we were at, I think it was four different landowners were in a concession. And they were all neighboring and they, they had agreed that, okay, we'll, we'll work together and, you know, we'll hunt all four of these properties. And so that's kind of what made it so huge. I mean, they're already huge individually, but then you combine them all. Mm-hmm. And they actually go through the processes kind of like the local fishing game does here. They'll hire a helicopter. They come out, they do their, their game counts. They figure out what they have as far as breeding age, uh, adults and yeah. young and everything. And they, they'll figure out, okay, we can take this many out this year. Yeah. Um, and so when you're going over there for some of those bigger animals, like those kudu, yeah. you know, some years you might be able to take out 30, 40 kudu off this ranch, you mm-hmm. know, because their, their numbers are really good. They're in a high swing. Sometimes it might only be 10, yeah. you know, so it kind of depends per year. That's why the prices can fluctuate because of the, the rarity or mm. overstock. Okay. Um, and same with the coal packages, you know, how much, how many animals can we afford for a coal package? You know, are the, the warthogs getting overpopulated? Are the Impala starting to get overpopulated? And it was a really interesting system because, you know, here in Alaska, it's all public land, yeah. you know, for the most part. You, ha- you have your, your differences between state land, federal land, native yeah. land, and all this different stuff, but it's all ultimately public use land. Yeah. And so... Except for all of our parks. We have... Yeah, except for the parks. So we have, you know, the, the state fishing game and, and federal rules and stuff like that that kind of dictate how many animals you take out. And so mm-hmm. there, it's all private. And, and it's very well run, you know, because these people want animals on their land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and to a point, driving around that property, I mean, you couldn't go 30 minutes without seeing an animal. Mm. You know, you, you couldn't go, I, I'd be surprised if you could go 10 minutes without seeing an animal of some sort. It might not be something you want to hunt, but there's, there's so much game there. So many animals. Yeah. And so we went out, we had a package deal. Uh, we were chasing uh, trophy spring buck, trophy bless buck, trophy impala, and then we had a cull package for four animals. Um, I ended up taking one of the coals off my wife's package because she wanted to hang out at the lodge, you know, have a vacation, which is what this was. You know, it's a vacation mm-hmm. hunting trip. And so I got eight animals. She ended up getting six. Um, but the first day, it, it was just so amazing being out there and just driving those roads. And it's all rough backcountry road. You yeah. know, it's all just farm, farm you're, lanes. You're going from one paddock to another. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're watching, driving like a Land Cruiser. Uh, Toyotas. Okay. Yeah, I think they were Toyota Helix. Is that what the model was? Hilux. 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 Yeah, it, it was um, very different than the ones we I'm have here. Very familiar with those trucks. Yeah, yeah. I really liked them, actually. Yeah. They were super capable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every terrain that we drove in, I mean, on-road, off-road, everything. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we actually told uh, Ricky, I was like, you need to put in to actually have this thing on the Toyota commercials. Because, you know, you always kind of laugh at those in the U.S., you know, when you're yeah, looking at those, yeah, and they're yeah. going across this, mm-hmm. almost like this back country, you know, like, yeah. like off-road park and everything. And it's like, nobody's going to pay $40,000 for a truck and then go rally it down through rivers and tree, you know, and these guys over do. log. <laughs> it's like, yeah. but these guys do, you know, and, yeah. and, and they need to. And we, and we even talked about that, how they've tried other brands and this mm-hmm. is, Toyotas are the only thing that can hold up to the abuse. I'm telling you, um, there's something about them Toyota trucks, I man. Li- I like Toyotas, man. 
I like my Toyota just fine. <laughs> yeah, yep, I do too. If I mine like blew mine. up tomorrow, I'd go buy a different one. <laughs> yep. I, I think. Just I, wish they made a one ton. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It would probably get real bad gas mileage, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yours does pretty good, doesn't it? Well, mine is an 05 with the 4.7 V8. Yeah. And I just hit 140,000 miles. And on the highway in the summertime and two-wheel drive, driving down to Anchorage or something like that, I'll get like 23, 25 miles a gallon. Yeah. Oh, wow. I remember it's that. phenomenal. You, you and I drove way out of town one day, and yeah. you were calculating the mileage based on it. And I yeah, was it, shocked. I was impressed. Even in the wintertime in four-wheel drive around town, I'll still get 18 miles a gallon. Mm. I don't even... I have a 2019 Tundra. Yeah. And I get... You got the five seven V eight, and I might get that's a uh, guzzler seventeen. Yeah, two wheel drive if I'm lucky, and then yeah. four wheel drive eleven, <laughs> wow. eleven or yeah, that is a gas guzzler. Gets much better than that. See, I've got the I've got a 2019 Chevy with the five three Vortex in it, and it's it's. I mean, I'll get 23, 24 yes. on the highway <laughs> sometimes, but no. I get that um, in my diesel, yeah, my one. Yeah. But these things, it, it was cool because, you know, it, it was a littler truck. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's about the size like of a the Tacoma. like the truck, but, yeah. Um, they're all manual over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Manual is the, is the, the more prevalent mm-hmm. truck over there, not yeah. automatic like we have here, and yeah. they're diesel. Yep. Um, and so it, it was really interesting, kind of the, the whole thing with it being my first trip out of the U.S., really, outside of just going to Canada, which yeah. is just, you know, Eastern Alaska. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, it's um, like just how different everything was. And the fact that it's like so primarily diesel and primarily manual just mm-hmm. it, it struck me as odd. I'm like, man, so many people in America probably can't even drive a manual yeah. these days. Yeah, I mean. It's, well, it's theft proof. <laughs> right. Yeah. They won't be able to get the thing started. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, and the hunting over there um, was really another thing that kind of beat my expectations because i didn't know what to expect yeah. you know i mean sean had kind of explained a little bit about it to us and um i don't know i just, I wasn't sure if it was going to be like a drive up and shoot or uh, a real good stalk or like you know what what to expect and it turns out you know ricky had we had gone to the range that morning we we had practiced with the the rifles both both marshall and i rented rifles uh like for the reasons we talked about earlier, not wanting to, to bring them through London. And the rifles were very accurate. Um, the, only, the only thing I came away from with renting a rifle when I go on a hunt next time is I'm going to bring one of those slip-over recoil pads. Mm. Not for recoil, but for LOP extension. Um, yeah. Because I really, really had to get creative on some of the shots that I made. Yeah. Because it was just a, a standard Tika. Yeah. Uh, and so for me... My LOP is, I think, 14 and a half inches, yeah. um, which I think the standard on a teak is like probably it's, closer to like 12 and a half, uh, uh, maybe pushing 13. Thir- it's 13, 13 and a quarter. Is it? Okay. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it was short. And so my eye was always real close to the scope. I had yeah. Kinda, yeah. So next time I'll bring just a slip over just so I can extend that out a little bit for myself. But, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was a great functioning rifle. We were shooting a 270 WSM. Um, I think you guys had a 300 wind. 300, yep. 300 wind mag um so very capable rifles both suppressed i mean yeah. just an absolute blast to shoot we, we all brought hearing protection because you know sean was like oh make sure you bring hearing protection didn't need it we went yeah. to the range and they started making sure everybody was zeroed you know everybody was shooting the same point of impact and and first shot goes off and i'm like oh, i don't even need to plug my ears yeah like, you know because i don't know what the decibel rating is in front of the suppressor but sure. back where your head is it's 
marginal at best. It's it's it completely takes away the whole concussion of the shot. Right. It, there's just no it, it lessens the recoil, not quite as much as a muzzle brake would. Right. But enough, you know, yeah. especially when you're shooting like a two seventy or something like that. You yeah. Know, it's not not a lot of recoil. So you with. traveled halfway around the world just to end up shooting a short mag, just like Mariah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. So ha- and, have, have you seen the light? I, you know, I've never, <laughs> I've never been opposed to the short mags. I've just never had a reason to buy one before. Yeah. Um, well, now you and, do. And you know, actually, to be honest with you, back in the day, I was really looking at that three hundred short mag. Yeah. Um, I had one. A heavy consideration of mine. I've had two different ones. Yeah. They, they're good shooting guns. Yep. Um, yeah. No problem with the short mags. Um, but in that 270, I mean, it it smacked the daylights out of just about uh-huh. everything. I mean, yeah. there was, as long as you did your part as a shooter, yeah. I mean, we barely had any animals go more than 20, 30 yards. Yeah. You know, my, my bless buck did a big, big loop around and then yeah. tipped over. I, I posted a video of that. Um, everything my wife shot just tipped right over. <laughs> I mean... I think her blast buck ran maybe 10 yards, you yeah. know, and then tipped over. But yeah, we started calling her Killer. Yeah, she, she had a bunch of different nicknames over there. I think the first one was Lady Killer. She didn't like that. Um, Lady Killer. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I can see how she would have <laughs> liked that. And then I think it was uh, uh, the Lethal Lady was the next one. Um, and then, I could see how she wouldn't like that one. <laughs> she didn't mind that one. And then I think what we landed on, I think Steve came up with it. It was uh, Femme Fatale was what was her final nickname so it's, it's it's i think it's some from some movie or something like that oh, okay. but, um like i don't know maybe a james bond movie or something but i'm gonna say um, it sounds kind of british yeah british but, french something like that yeah steve started coining all these nicknames for her and, <laughs> but it was true i mean she did phenomenal over there i mean she would, she actually killed the first animal so we we went over there and we we started hunting that morning and you know ricky looks at us he's like you know who's shoot her up and i'm like oh she is you know I flew her all the way across the country or all, all, all the way across the world to, to come hunting. Like I'd, I'd like to see her kill an animal over here. And so we, we looked around and, uh, it's, it's a weird time of year over there because it's early. We were the first group of hunters for the year. Mm. And so the, uh, warthogs still have their piglets with them. Uh, the impalas are, have just given birth and whatnot. So you, the call package is real specific this time of year because mm-hmm. you can't, just like in America, you can't shoot a, a sow bear with cubs or anything like that. You know, it's yeah. the same process over there, just that's self-imposed by the landowners. Yeah. And so we had to be real particular with the Impala we were shooting and the the warthogs and whatnot. But we managed to find uh, a couple of uh, U Impalas, which mm-hmm. the over, for Impalas, even though they look like deer, they use ram and U yeah. um, instead of buck and doe. So we found a U and we, we, it was really cool. It took us 45 minutes to move in on it. You know, mm. and we had to, it busted us twice and we had to work around this pond or they call them dams over there. Yeah. Um, and so we worked around that and she made a shot. I want to say that one was like 250 yards and she did just phenomenal. They use uh, shooting sticks over there. Mm-hmm. So he had the quad stick. Yeah. Well, his was actually five, five leg. Okay. Um, so it, it was the, um, uh, quick sticks, I think is what it was called. I forget the brand name. It's a tripod on the front with the support that comes to the back. So it's the support's on the front. So so what it is is two V V shaped mm-hmm. sticks. Um and so those those come out to the sides. Right. So you've got two points of contact, one on each side. Um you've got a spot for the butt of the rifle, a spot for the front of the stock. Mm-hmm. And then his had a supporting fifth leg on the front. So that then you could just yeah. kind of pull it pull it backwards until it hit the dirt, raise the rifle up 
to the top of the back of the animal. And then when you rested back down, it would almost put you perfectly on that kill zone. Mm. Um, and it was really stable, super mm-hmm. stable. I, yeah. I was amazed. I've never, never shot off anything like that before. And yeah. it, I was amazed at how stable you really could get. Yeah. Um, and, and oftentimes I never even used that fifth leg, to be honest with you. I would just use the four. Um, and it was just, it, it was a really solid shooting platform for standing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've almost been debating getting one for up here because if you're riding around on a wheeler chasing caribou or Spartan precision makes something like that. They've got a tripod yeah. that actually has the legs that eat the back. So basically, oh, does it really? about, but with their tripod built, like it's just, yeah. and it has the back support on addition it. Yeah. Into the tripod. Nice. Like you can buy a tripod and then buy the quad sticks and add them into it. It's oh, nice. Really sweet but looking. you can also take it apart to the point that it is just a big sitting shooting bipod mm-hmm. and yeah. you can spread it all the way out and shoot prone with it. Nice. Well, yeah, that's these ones that you could spread them out as far yeah, as you want. Completely yeah. modular system. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's very cool. You but, just pay the price for Spartan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're good. They make good stuff. They do. So it's, it's not a, not a heartache it's, it's to buy that. It's expensive for a reason. It's well made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she got that. That was, that was the first morning. Um, we were able to get that. Um, and then I got a, uh, let's see. I think I got a, a small pig. I think that same morning before lunch, I want to say it was right before we came home for lunch. So we were driving around and, and same thing. It was this itty bitty little pig. I, I posted kind of a picture of it. The one that says mm, bacon, <laughs> my, my, first, <laughs> my first pig there. And it, it was, it was a tiny little thing, but it, it was, it was cool. Cause that one was a, an interesting shot. They, they like to hang out with the livestock. Mm. So the warthogs will hang out with the, the, cattle and the goats and the sheep and whatnot and they okay. kind of just group together so you got to be a little careful when you're when Bun- you're going after those. bunch of little posers because you don't, you don't want to <laughs> shoot somebody's livestock right right, right. Um, which uh I, I was i even asked that question i was like how often does that happen you know yeah. and they're like that's yeah, pretty rare but every once in a while <laughs> you know? like, sometimes the client doesn't really listen when you know what you're saying yeah or they get excited or something like that but. shoots the beef cow yeah <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so I, I got that pig and then we, we went back out that evening and I was able to get a, a little spiker Impala, which I have got to say. That's a pretty nice one though. Yeah. Even the spikers are, are cool, you know, cause they kind of like, you know, the trophies, they, they get real wide at the base and mm-hmm. then they come straight up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those spikers, they're almost like a diamond shape when they're real young like that. And so, but they're still. I mean, they're still a sizable animal, you know? Yeah. And that was one thing that amazed me about the animals over there is they're a lot bigger than the pictures made them seem. Um, you know, the spring buck, the little guys yeah. that we were shooting, they're about not much smaller than the black-tailed deer we have here in Alaska. Uh, the impala are bigger than any whitetail I've ever seen. Um, and I would say bless buck are probably caribou-sized, would you say, yeah. Marshall? Yeah. yeah. And see, I was thinking the spring buck were more like our pronghorn. Yeah, yeah, I can see know, that. Yeah, our speed goats. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, the the blessed way bigger than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, like looking at way pictures bigger. online, yeah. mm. and and the the impala were the ones that really impressed me because, and maybe it's because I've always seen them on TV next to elephants, mm-hmm. which are also way yeah. bigger in person. <laughs> yeah, um, and so. They just look so tiny on TV. You know, they're just right. bounding around everywhere and they look itty bitty, but they were, they were good sized animals. You know, they weren't, I was not, there was no ground shrinkage at all. Right. Um, it was almost the opposite, you know? And so well, it's deceptive when you're not used to that kind of terrain and you watch a video mm-hmm. and they're just kind of disappearing into the grass. 
Yeah. Then you get there and the grass will just about swallow a small car. Right. And so right. then it puts it into perspective. Oh, yeah, this is actually a lot taller vegetation than I thought. Yeah. Everything seems to be bigger. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And, you know, and the cool thing with Impala, too, is they know they're on the menu. Mm-hmm. And so oh, they're, yeah. they're real hard to move in on. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're very alert. They're very uh, aware of what's around them. And you've got to play the wind right. You've got to, it, it's a good, real stalk. Yeah, see, I, and I think it's because of the options they give you. So, like, when we first arrived, um, Sean had already talked to them. And we had the option of either, if you want to ride around in the back of the truck and shoot out of the back of the truck, that's an option. But, you know, we're all friends and like they paired us up and uh, like I use the quad sticks. And so me and Steve would, you know, share the rifle and I don't know how, you know, just I was just that got to shoot first. So if I shot, then he would shoot next, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, but we all wanted to spot stalk. Yeah. So with all that wide open terrain, uh, we would drive around in a pickup. And then you would see the animals and you would stop way, way in advance. You know, we were easily walking 12 miles a day. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're riding around in the back of a pickup truck going, woohoo, you know, and (laughs) (laughs) seeing seeing a herd of animals and shooting into them. You know, it's not even close to that. Like, you know, know, which was a total uh, deception because I thought, you know, all the shows that I'd seen. Yeah. That's how basically, you know, they just ride around in, in trucks and shoot. So, no, we'd ride around. And we'd get out, and you would walk beside your hunter, which, by the way, your professional hunter, they, the package that they have is you can do one-on-one or you can do two. If you do one-on-one, I want to say it's like four or $500 more. Right, right? yeah. And so if, if you want to have, you know, you share the professional hunter, which is what we did, you know, then you can do that. So you would walk with the pre- professional hunter, and you would see the group of animals. You'd get out of the truck. You'd take off. You'd do your full-blown spot and stalk which is awesome and you would get up there and you might walk three or four miles mm. you set up the shooting sticks you look at it he's there and he was like no you're there's nothing in there you can shoot <laughs> yeah, you know it's, you, right. you, you don't have the decision you know not unless yeah. it's a trophy animal mm-hmm. and then he says is that big enough for you and he's already giving you the green light there and if it's big enough for you then then you have the decision to pull the trigger. Right. You know, but all the spotting and stalking is totally, that was another totally different thing, you know, because again, everything I'd seen, you're riding around the back of a pickup truck and just shooting out of it. Yeah. And it's not even. Right. Nowhere near that. that and that's what was so amazing to me. It, you know, I mean, it was a week long straight of just real good hunts, you yeah. know, and, and we talked about the shot opportunities were, were very prevalent, you know, yeah. they were everywhere, but you had to work to get them. You know, it wasn't like you, like you said, you're not driving up and just, just launching bullets into a herd of animals. You know, it's very, they have specific ones you're allowed to shoot, whether it's calls or trophies. Mm -hmm. Um, They have, you know, and and the other good thing with both the PHs is they were really good about gauging the trophy quality of the animal. Yes. Like even our very first day, we found a couple of trophy Impala where, you know, he looked at us and he's like, you know, we can do better. You could shoot that, but it's. It, it's trophy class, but it's not a good trophy. Yeah. And, and so he was able to basically put us in front of a better one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, w- it was really, really cool that they were, they were willing to do that, you know, and really they know there's more on the property. They know we're going to get it, probably going to get a crack at them. 
So first day, first couple days, let's not, you know, blow out the, the young trophies. Let's wait, find a good mature. Right. One. Right. Um, but honestly, I had just as much fun call hunting as I did trophy hunting. Right. You know, because it, it didn't matter the, the size of, of the horns for me. You know, I was over there. I, I'd paid for a couple of trophies just to have some nice skulls on the wall. But like, <laughs> I'd go over there just to hunt a cold package every day. Yeah. Like, cause it's the same process. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're still, you see the animal, you have to gauge the animal. Is it cold worthy? Is it too big? Is it too small? Does it have piglets if it's a female or does it have, you know, calves? Right. Um, and then you're actually working your way into that animal no matter what size it is, you know, they're, they're equally the same. And so it, it was just such a blast the whole time. And, yeah. and I know we got three, th- so we got three animals our first day. I think you got a pig too the first day, right? Yeah, the first day I got a pig, we were on our way back and, you know, you gotta be, you know, we had seen many animals, you know, there was, we would have had multiple opportunities to shoot, but one, either they weren't in our hunt package, we decided not to shoot. And uh, then the third was, you know, did it have piglets and stuff? So, yeah, we just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was pretty quick, too. You know, it came running across. It was a little one. And, you know, I had, I had to break the ice. And, you know, yeah. I, I was satisfied with it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Nice. Know, drew blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was funny, too, because both you and I did the same thing to our pigs. So, we, there's the, the ones you're allowed to cull off. I mean, and, and it can take 10 years for a, a warthog to reach full trophy value. You know, I mean, these mm-hmm. things, it, it takes a long time for the tusks to grow that big. Um, and so they'll oftentimes let you shoot real young ones because they're just, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And so the ones that, the one that you shot, ours were, they were almost identical. Like we got back to the, to the, the meat shack or the skin and shack and, and put them side by side. I was like, oh, man, yeah. they're almost the same pig, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and we hit it in almost the exact same spot because the vitals are always further forward there. Yes. And so you, you shoulder shoot. Yeah. Um, and on both of them, they were such small pigs that it actually kind of opened up the chest underneath oh, really? and between the legs. Yeah. Oh. And, and it, it was really, really interesting to see that actually because it's the, how small those animals were, you know, but, yeah. um, but still fun. Again, you know, still, still a good hunt. They're right. still very alert and very, um, very, I don't know, just, uh, they, they don't, they, they know they're on the menu and, and you know, it, it's sometimes what you see in those videos when you're looking at, uh, African hunts, these guys just kind of get in real close and the animals just don't seem to be paying attention. And it's just like, you yeah, know, it just, it wasn't like that at all. You right. really had to be on your, on your game. So that, that was the, the most fun for me. And so day one was a huge, a huge success, a huge win. I mean, everybody had a blast. We all got back to, back to the lodge that evening and just chit-chatting about it and talking about it and huge dinner. They roll out. I mean, like he said, it's all ha- homemade food and everything. And, yeah. Um, did they serve you up any warthog to eat? So we did. It, it took, what was that? I, it was later in the, in the It was hunt. probably like on our sixth, sixth night. Yeah, it was like the sixth night there. But they finally, it, it was actually, I think it might have been the one you shot. It was um, very delicious. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Did, did they have much fat on them? No. No, not hardly any. Real lean. Yeah, real lean. Um, and so they actually, so they have this really awesome um, skin and shack there. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a full video of it because I'm going re- to replicate it on property. <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. Um, but you back the truck up to it. You can unload the animals and then they, they do all their skin and you hang it up on, on yep. hooks. Yep. Um, and it, it's the quickest 
cleanest process I've ever seen. I mean, there's no hair on the meat. There's no, no dirt, no nothing. They, they bring the animals back whole. They'll, they'll hang them up, skin them, gut them. They have a water hose. They'll spray them down, make sure they're nice and clean. Yeah. And then put them in a freezer. They, they go right to the back of the room, which is a freezer or, or a fridge, I guess. They hang them in a cold room. Yeah. And, and that's where it gets hung for, for meat to where they can, uh, they have a butcher shop that, yeah. that they'll use the meat for. They let it age and then they butcher it up. Yep. And, yeah. and so one of the warthogs that were shot earlier in the week, they let it hang for most of the week and then they, they cut the back straps out of it and cooked it up for us on the, on the, on the bry as they call it. So, and see, um, they're used to beef, you know, since they have that cattle ranch uh-huh. you know, and they were just amazed at how much we liked the warthog because <laughs> they're like, mm, be, you know, beef, beef is where it's at. But yeah. really, no, it was really good. It was super good. And they had like this, I don't know what the dipping sauce was, but it, it had a little bit of tang to it, just a little bit of kick. Yeah. And so you, you took these little slabs of backstrap. I mean, they, they cut it into little cubes and you dip it in the, oh, uh-huh. man, it was so good. It was so good. Yep. Um, Man, it's past my lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. My stomach has been churning over here, man. <laughs> Gotta we, hurry this thing up. We got to. We got to. We got to eat every animal. You know. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. we got to taste mm-hmm. every animal that was shot. Uh, not every anything? individual, but every type. Did you eat anything raw? Yeah, well, you got to bring that up. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of an initiation thing for some yeah, yeah. for some outfits. I mean. If you don't want to talk about it, then you have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. No, it was a, it was a different taste, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know. But uh, having to take a bite of the the liver, mm. uh, I like liver cooked. Yeah. You know. Also, you normally like liver. I normally like liver, but well, that's weird when it's, to begin when with. it's kind of warm, <laughs> yeah, and right. and the fresh flavor is. Kind yeah. of tastes but, like you're eating a nine volt battery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. well, and, and there was a couple of those too because even Madeline, when she shot her first Impala, yeah. uh, she got the the blood on her, yeah. on her face yeah. um, as like her first African animal and whatnot. Yeah. And so and she she was all about that, you know. It's like we're we're those kinds of people. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so no, it, it was it was fun though. They they had a yeah. good. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, and so day two. Uh, let's see, we did, I think we did bless buck the very next morning. So the next on our trophy list. So we hadn't killed any trophies yet. We just got those three colts. And, uh, so we went into this other, this other ranch that they had an agreement with, uh, worked out the hunting rights for it. And that one was pretty cool. That's the, that's the video I posted on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, of me getting mine, but the, the, the funnier part before that is Madeline was lining up on a shot at one that was probably 200 yards away somewhere in there and then just out of nowhere a big one pokes its head out from behind this bush like 60 yards away mm. something like that so her and the ph are up there on the, on the quad sticks and they're they're getting lined up and he's kind of explaining you know which one it is that she should shoot and she looks down she's like well what about that one <laughs> he's oh and, and it was it was bigger than the ones that they were looking at and so he gauged it really quick and like, yep, and just move the sticks. And was like, all right, take that one. And uh, so she was able to to get that one. Uh, real nice shot on it. And, and like I said, it went maybe ten yards and, and tipped over. But one of the good things about having the, the the mods or the suppressors is those ones that were out at like three hundred yards they didn't even pick their head up. They didn't even. Yeah, they hardly even noticed anything. Yeah. Um, and so they just were still hanging out there. And so I was actually able to get on the sticks right after her, and that's when mm. I took that shot. Uh, I think that was a 350 yard shot at that one. Gotcha. Um, off the sticks. 
And so it was, it was back to back. I mean, yeah. we, hers was already laying down. We'd verified it was down, took a shot at the next one. Now it's down. I mean, and, and it, it was, it was fun. You know, you never really see that much in Alaska, maybe on a, you know, a, a good caribou hunt or something yeah. like that. But, right. Um, which I, I would probably equate the, the blessed buck was very close to what a caribou hunt would be, um, mm. for up here. But, um, but it, it was, it, that was a really cool, really cool spot too. Cause the blessed buck are, are more wide open mm-hmm. area. So we'd gone yeah. from hunting in those hills with, with brush and whatnot, kind of like, um, real West Texas looking to kind of more open plains looking yeah. for the blessed buck. And so that, that was a really fun day. Uh, we went out that morning and got those. Um, and then later that night, I think you guys went out to the same spot that we had got those blessed buck. Um, but <laughs> while you guys were out there, um, we went back out behind the prop behind the lodge and Madeline, uh, <laughs> We, we found a couple of uh, coal warthogs that, you know, he's a, yep, there's no piglets, there's no nothing, they're, they're young. And she gets the one at 20 yards, no, 30 yards, sorry. So sneaks up, gets in, gets in position, it's real thick brush and everything like that. Yeah. Gets the one. The other one runs off and within 20 seconds comes right back and stands broadside. <laughs> so the guy's like, hey, go for it. Racked another round, boom two hogs down in like 30 seconds wow it was amazing yeah. I, it is there's I, I think i haven't i don't know if i posted that picture yet but that was but yeah that was that was probably one of the the most fun aspects for me on, on this trip was just watching her watching her hunt and, yeah. and really getting to be out there and experience that with her it was it was a lot of fun yeah. um and then i think that's when you guys that well you guys were yeah out i there think chasing. that the first morning you know we went out and if i remember right i think that was the morning that uh Steve, the guy that I was partnered up with was, uh, he shot his Impala Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I had shot another warthog that morning. Mm. And then, uh, when, you know, y'all had done your hunt that morning, that afternoon is when we went out over there and I got my Impala and my Blease book, Mm -hmm. Bless book. Yeah. 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 And they're, they're really, they're really interesting creatures. They, they look, I don't know if you've seen. Oh, yeah. The, the blessed buck, but yeah. they look like their faces look like goats. Honestly, yeah. if, if I was to say anything, like the way yeah. their eyes are and their and their noses, real already. wacky colors, just yeah, kind of offset weird patterns and patches in places that most other animals don't have colors there. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, I I really like their horns. Um, they, they have yeah. really good looking horns on them. Um, yeah. and so we didn't do much for shoulder mounts off this trip. Um, mm-hmm. but we did the skulls and, and cause the skulls on those things really look cool. I, I think um, I'll bet they do. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's got such a goofy long nose on it. Mm-hmm. It's it. Yeah. I'm sure that looks really cool for a, for yeah. A, well, a freedom mount in that right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no more European mounts. <laughs> freedom See, that, mounts. That the, I had shoulder mounts done on everything except for that blessed mm. bug because yeah. Just, just didn't do it for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, look at that on the ooh. Yeah, yeah, European yeah. mount, and I, and I got the skin. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, nice. well, and, and they even had a, a shoulder-mounted buck in the lodge, and that was kind of what helped make up my mind as I was looking at it, and I was like, it's a good-looking animal. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'd yeah. love, I'm very excited to go hunt it, but... Just, eh, it was like a horse that stuck his face in a bucket of paint. <laughs> just kind of goofy know. looking. <laughs> so was that... I think that was the evening you got your, your kudu, is that right? Or was that later in the week? 
Yeah, you know the, the they kind of blend together after they a while. do. They do blend <laughs> together because yeah. the amount of opportunities, you know. So yeah. I might have my days wrong, but yeah, target rich environment. It's very very target rich environment, and so we're out, and uh, we went to uh, this other this other part of the, of the ranch. Yeah, and uh, we seen the blessed buck, and we're getting out to to do our stalk on them, and as we're walking through the high grass over to the right. Uh, the tracker that was with us, uh, he noticed just the horn sticking up in the grass underneath a tree. And so he got everybody's attention and we moved around and got eyes on and it just happened to be a trophy kudu, mm. which of course is not in our hunting package. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very easily coerced into <laughs> purchasing. <laughs> you know that thing it, it was beautiful you know so anyway the the ph moved me around to a location and we had to wait for it to stand up and as it stood up then it really made up my mind you know mm. as i was looking at it through the scope i was like yeah and yeah yeah you know it pulled the trigger and i don't know he might have walked 50 yards if you know when he fell over and when we got over to it you know i never really paid attention to a kudu but they're easily the size of an elk, yeah. size yeah. elk, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, they're a lot narrower chested, but about the same overall size. Yep, and yeah. just and uh, when we were trying to get that thing into position to take photos, it was all we could do <laughs> to roll it around to I get it out. Imagine. Yeah, and it was uh, uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was a good decision. Yeah, and uh, then after after we did that, you know, we of course we marked it. So we could leave it there and we continued on over. And then, yeah, I think that's when we ended up getting uh, two blessed bucks mm. and, a, and an Impala mm. yeah. that afternoon. Which that was a really cool, really cool property out there. Because yes. that one, it was right at the base of the, this massive hill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was, it was like a good mixture of, of terrain features and whatnot. And, and I mean, it was just tons of animals. Yes. I mean, and, and, yeah, no, that's, I wish I could have been there when you guys got that, that coot. I remember we were sitting at the lodge, and um, I forget who it was that walked into the lodge. Well, we were already sitting there, and you guys had come back late. We were waiting for, dinner, for you guys to come back so we could have dinner. Somebody was telling me, oh, yeah, they got a kudu. And, and that was one thing I'd, I'd really hoped to take while we were over there, but, you know, Delta Airlines took my, took my kudu money. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but, um, so, you know, I ran over there, and, yeah, I mean, they are big animals you know and, and it's again what kind of one of those things like you, you see them running around and you don't think they're that big yeah but the, the one you got i mean it, it's a that's a it's good massive. size animal. Yeah. i mean seeing it get drug out of the back of the truck i mean it, it's huge you know i mean and, and they're just such beautiful creatures I mean, yeah. they really are i mean yeah, it's the way are. that their their horns like spiral up like that and they're yeah. just the size and the the they have those really nice defined stripes on the side of their body and everything oh. They call them the gray ghost for a reason. They just disappear. Don't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, were, we, we were driving down, and we would see them, and then we're all, all right, everybody's trying to pull their binos out to look, and they were yeah, gone. Just gone. Gone. Yeah. And there's not even anything for them to hide behind. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. They have a, yeah, they have a good, good camouflage, and that, just that, that light gray, but the pinstripe somehow helps break up the solid of the color yep. mm -hmm. and something about them but yeah that's... Well, and, and we saw a bunch of females yeah you know, everywhere we'd go we'd see female kudu running around and we, we saw several bulls too but i mean and the females it's amazing you'd have 10 of them running in a line and then all of a sudden they're just gone yeah 
Like they, they, they'd get down into a, a little drainage or something like that and just yeah. gone. Like, yeah. Ever since I was a little kid watching Africa videos, I've always thought, yeah, the, the gray ghost. You know, I, mm-hmm. When I go, Kudu is <laughs> one of the top three on my list for planes game for sure. Yeah. That's the, the next time I go over, that's going to be on my list. Did you guys see any sable? While you were yes, over there, yes, you did. Yeah, All they right. had some on the property. Um, was it just black sable? Oh, they uh, were red. Yeah. Oh, okay. They had okay. some red ones too. Some different mm, ones. Yeah. yeah. Those are probably my third overall favorite. There's Kudu, Gamma's Buck, and Sable. I'm gonna have to probably make a trip just for that one because <laughs> they're like what forty five hundred bucks or something. Yeah, like they're that. expensive. Yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah, they're not cheap. Sable and now Eland are getting way up there in, as far as prices go, but mm-hmm. especially like that uh, the the um, Oh, the Lord Derby's Eland. That is um, a, a different subspecies of the of of the normal Eland, and it has a, more of a dark mane underneath of its neck, mm. and they just look really really cool. It's almost like a two tone paint job on that. Oh, no. and Eland are the largest antelope in the world. So is is that kind of like the difference between a blessed buck and a bontabuck then? Like how bontabucks look just like blessed buck, but with more color and like a like a, a more yeah. rich yep. color. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the same concept. Yeah. Has anybody read uh, Hemingway's Green Hills of Africa? I read it a long time ago. I'm sure Sean. Yes. Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really good book. I think I think he might have talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah. But it's yeah. an actual accounting written somewhat in a novel style. Yeah. But it's an actual accounting of Hemingway's. Oh, one of Hemingway. Did he only go on one, or I think he went more than one. Anyway, on on one of his hunts mm, in Africa, yeah. one of his mm. safaris. Yeah, well, yeah, but well, it was back in the early days when when a lot of those trips was just to catalog information about. All right, this right. is this animal, mm-hmm. and there's another one, and they look the same body wise, but this one's got different colors, and yeah, so they started yeah. distinguishing. You know, like the common right. eland, and then the Lord Derby eland, and of course they got yeah. named after all these people. And I don't know who Lord Derby was, but <laughs> apparently he liked to hunt. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> or the guy that was naming well, the animals owed him money, and so. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's the cool thing over there. You know, it's like like we even saw a couple of black impala. Oh, you did. Yes, those Which, are those really are neat. So yep. pretty, those are dude. so neat. <laughs> I was joking. So. My last day over there, I had like one call. Left. Or no, this was second, my, second to last day. It was my second to last call. And I told him, I was like, I really want to hunt one more Impala. Like, yeah. I just, I love hunting Impala. And we got in on this group and there was a black Impala in the group. Mm. I just leaned over. I was like, if that black Impala is a spiker, can I shoot it? <laughs> He's like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. It doesn't count as a call. That's going to cost you, buddy. But it was, yeah. it was a big one. And I, I looked at it through the scope for a little while and, and it, it was, it was, it was, if it wasn't so much more, <laughs> I would have pulled the trigger. And but then it's like click the safety comes it's, off. It's You're like, like, what are you doing? <laughs> five or six times the price. Oh wow! But they're rare. You know, you yeah. don't see a whole lot of them. But I mean, it's so pretty. You know, yeah. they're, they're really, they are really looking. neat, really it, cool. I, I I would feel bad shooting one of those and not full body mounting it. Yeah, like, yep. you, no, that, you that's have one to of those use things. the whole thing. You have to. Yeah, yeah. that that to do it justice. Yeah, yeah. You guys exactly. Seen any uh, so, you know. I, I don't think we saw any there. They did have some on the property, okay. um, but we didn't actually see any. I, I saw one water or one Buffalo, not water Buffalo. Um, Cape Buffalo. Cape Buffalo. Um, you did. We did. Yeah. So any pictures of it? I did. Yeah. Did. I'd um, like to see They're that. very bad pictures. <laughs> it was, I'd still it like was to in see really that. thick brush. Yeah. Um, and well, it wouldn't naturally. Yeah. And so <laughs> I got one picture of it as it was walking away. Cause yeah. just for a split second, it was looking at us through this clearing. And then I got a couple pictures of its head through. Really was it a bull or a cow? Uh, it had horns, so 
Well, they both have monsters. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I saw it for literally like five seconds. Okay. Um, yeah. But I was able to snap some pictures and everything. And, That's really and it was cool. Just, it was right on the other side of the fence as we were driving down this back road. And, and then as soon as it saw us, it kind of turned around and started walking away. So And I, you're I sure it wasn't it. a big black beef cow? I'm positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, driving around there, you'd be surprised how many times you'd be like, oh, what's that over there? Uh, livestock. <laughs> yeah. Like, either a goat or a, you yeah, know, something. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> that looks but, like a neat Impala. Sean, is yeah. that a big one? And you <laughs> still counts in my book. Yeah. That's a trophy right there. Well, and so, and, and that's, I don't know. One thing kind of over there too, you know, we had it one morning, the next day, actually, third day, uh, moving right along, we had, we were going after spring buck. Mm-hmm. And so we, again, went to a different property where they had a, a bunch of spring buck that they were willing to let us go shoot. And it was so foggy that morning. We had, we drove to the property, but we just kind of hung out. We had to wait for the, for the fog to clear. And these cattle ranchers pushed their cattle up um, to these feed, these feed lots where we were. And, uh, it was really cool to see that, um, you know, we got really up close to them. I mean, and th- those cattle are really well, really well maintained over there. I mean, they're, they're just fatty. They're, they're healthy. They're, they're real healthy yeah. looking. Uh. Um, there, there is like a tick problem over there, but the, uh, the ticks don't seem to, or they, they really good about, I don't know what the word would be, de-ticking the, the cattle over there. They have like these whole stations where they push them through and they spray them down with this this stuff that kills all the ticks and everything. And um, but they're they're just really good looking cattle over there. I mean, mm. it's no wonder that the beef tastes so good. I mean, and and it's really. I, I was talking to somebody. It's the South African beef is some of the best. Really, you, know, you can have it, it's it's the fat quality. Yeah, and the fat content huh. is, is like like feedlot quality. You know, as as far as how much fat is there, yeah. but it's all. 100% grass fed. Yeah. Their yeah. whole life, they they're need, just out they there. They don't have any reason to use anything else. Yeah. 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 There, there, there was a couple of times they put like some uh, like molasses mix out there just to give them a little bit of extra minerals and stuff like that. But Bear other bait. than that, yeah, basically. <laughs> right. But other than that, they're all grass fed. And, huh. and it was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, but that next morning, we, we got going after uh, Springbuck, the trophy Springbuck. We really got both ends of the, of, of the, the hunt experience and it really became clear that day how you could come away from one of these trips with two different uh ideals on what it's like to hunt in africa mm. because so the we sat out there we waited for the fog to lift as soon as the fog lifted we spotted someone on, on an opposing hillside We're like oh there they are cool so we we ranged them uh we we moved into about 450 yards might have been a little bit less than that um and he you know, asked me, are you comfortable taking the shot? I was like, yeah, absolutely. As long as your rifle's accurate enough, then yeah, 100%, I can make that shot. So line up on the sticks, uh, get on get on the nice trophy, squeeze the trigger, boom, flop, done. Mm-hmm. Um, 15 minutes into the day. Yeah. You know, and, and I, got, I got one on the ground. I'm like, man, that, that was almost too easy. You know, yeah. like this, yeah. this thing. Uh, we didn't have that experience. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, and, and turns out that was the last time we had that experience because <laughs> those springbuck are so alert, mm-hmm. like even more so than Impala. Yeah. Um, They're wiry. And so we spent, so I shot my one. They, they went running off. The rest of them did. We went up and grabbed it and we went and hung it in this, uh, this little like cattle barn that they mm-hmm. had there, keeping it in the shade, trying to make sure it didn't spoil while we were out trying to get uh, Madeline one. And 
<laughs> we spent the next five hours chasing these things from one side of the hill to the other side of the hill, over across the property, back to this side of the property, like all over. And, and the craziest thing was they were, you'd barely pop your head over a rock in the hillside and they were going 20 heads would just go whoop, looking right at you and gone. Yeah. But it was so hard to move in on these things. And, and on top of that, there were um, black wildebeest running around in the same property. Oh, yeah. So if you weren't spooking the spring buck, you were spooking the black wildebeest, and then they're running all over the place and spooking each other. And Those wildebeest almost look like they're just belong in a mental facility. <laughs> like, they just run around and jump and shake their head, and it's like, what is wrong with you? Clowns it's, of the plains. They are but... <laughs> goofy animals. Yeah. Like Those look goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Those, I, I, those I like goofy. I like the black black wildebeest. I, I'll be getting one of those next time. To me, a blue wildebeest um, I would shoot. Yeah. See, for me, it's the black the way that the black ones it comes down and swoops back up. Yeah. That's what does it for me. Um the yeah. blue ones are cool. Yeah. But I just I love that the way it swoops all the way down the side of their face and then comes back yeah. up on the top of their head yeah. for the black ones. It's just a it's the, a really neat looking horn. They call the blue wildebeest a poor man's buffalo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I would, I could see that super thick skin, real tough. They can soak up a lot of lead. Yeah. And they're, they're hard to get in on. Well, and I was reading an interesting thing about the, the black wildebeest down there in, in South Africa, actually, I suppose, apparently back in like the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, there was some royalty that went over there and they were, you know, going on this, what they called the greatest hunt or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. And allegedly the numbers are that they took out 5,000 of them in one day. Oh, my. Yeah. Like, and, and there were, like, millions taken that year, like, exported. I don't know if, what, they were, what they were using for, for whether it was the meat or the hides or what it was, but just in one day. Whoa. I, and I don't, I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and it kind of, I don't know, it really... It's probably the most annoying thing to me about like the way the world used to be. Mm -hmm. Kind of the same thing that happened to the American bison. Yeah, you know, it's just the 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 want and well, just the, a the lot of different animals hunting. in North America had that yeah, happen. That's true. The American I mean, bison just got the most press about it. That's very true. Um, but to see that that happened, you know, all over the world, you know, it wasn't just in America. It wasn't just in you know, uh, yeah, certain species. It was just like, oh, there's tons of these things. Let's go. Let's yeah. go shoot as many as we can. Open just season. Volley into the. It's, it seemed crazy to me, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, supposedly the numbers are back up now and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're recovered and everything. But yeah. I mean, it was just crazy to read about that and that, that history. Uh, yeah. It's a very similar history um, to the hunting in, in, in America's. So question, mm -hmm. you shot your spring buck. Yes. You walked up to it for the recovery. Mm -hmm. Took your pictures with it. Yep. Did you notice any smells? So it has a, yeah, they have a scent gland on, on mm -hmm. the back of their, their neck. Was um, his little rough up when you got to him or was it down no it already? was down okay yeah it was down um but we actually we did we uh we kind of rubbed our fingers in it and smelled it and it, it was it was a sweeter smell did it you smell know? like frito chips <sighs> kind of because that i could see where you, that's yeah. the most I common see thing is it, people that shoot them at close range and they walk right up to them while that rough is still up yeah i can on, see that. on the top of their back and they smell that and they say man it smells like frito potato chips <laughs> right <laughs> see yeah, I, I, I could see. I that. was just curious if you'd gotten that. I thought they were joking with me, and you know, <laughs> so I went up there and yeah. they got a picture of me, and they told me it's back actually by the back end, and so it's all <laughs> it's all roughed up right there too. So I'm down on my hands and knees going, 
<laughs> you know, and I didn't smell nothing, you know. But, yeah, no, it, it's up by the front shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah up, so the up, shit they got me. Up yeah. on the top of the back. You're like, oh, get a picture of the white guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and I have that picture. So. Yeah. <laughs> that, then that's the one you shot at uh, 600, 670 yards on the run. On the run. Yeah. <laughs> on the run. <laughs> That was my story. No, no, that wasn't my story. Was it like ninety yards? <laughs> no, it, and it was, it was like, uh, I don't know what it was, three seventy five, three something. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> all the shots on those things were super far away. Mm, you couldn't and, get close to them. Yeah, that's and, a, that, that's some long shooting for Africa. Yeah. And so for the, uh, you know, Steve, you know, we pulled up and it was his turn to shoot first, and we spotted an old one just walking along by itself, and you know, so he got his first. And then after he got his, it took me not five hours, yeah, you know, but it took me uh, probably another hour or two before I got mine and it was a far shot and mm -hmm. it was a, how I got lucky was, uh, I don't know, I guess they're called buck and does too. I'm not sure, but this one buck was trying to get into the herd of another one and mm. he chased it off. Mm. And so now I had two of them. He was chasing one down like a, like a little fence line. Mm -hmm. And he said, take either one. So I, I just shot the one that was uh, pushing the other one away. So now yeah. that guy, he ended up going back and taking yeah. over the herd. <laughs> that worked out good for him. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, No, but it, it was funny, though, because everybody jumped on the, the wagon with that story. So we yeah. get back to the, to the lodge for lunch and like, oh, man, yeah, Marshall got his at like almost 700 yards. On the run, six hundred and seventy at least, and I said, "That's my story." Like, like yeah. I, I heard it. I heard it from one person. I'm like, "No way, yeah, no, no way." Like, and then all of a sudden, somebody else is telling me the same thing. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? There's no, I mean, these Alaskans can shoot. Heck yeah, yeah. Like, we're gonna show these guys how Alaskans shoot." Um, and so then I think it was like later that afternoon, we'd gone and taken a nap and everything like that, and woke up for the for the afternoon hunt, and um, I asked him. Man, did you really? Did you really shoot that thing at at six hundred and seventy yards? He's like, nah. <laughs> I don't remember. I think I don't know who came up with the story, but like everybody ran with it, and it was just the funniest thing. That's I was funny. like, um, but no. So that was a that was a that was an interesting day because it was that was the first day it really really got hot over there. Mm. That morning was hot, and so uh, my wife actually after that trip you know all over the the farm looking for those spring buck and and she got hers uh almost the same distance as me i think it was like 420 430 yards somewhere in there mm. great shot i mean phenomenal shot that thing took three steps and then did a somersault and it was done um had a chunk of lung hanging out the other side it was it was, it was a very clean immediate kill um and so we, we loaded up, we went back to the, to the lodge and, and I, I think she, she didn't want to be out in the sun anymore because we had a different event the next day. Uh, and so I went out that evening and I actually was able to get my trophy Impala. And when I mentioned earlier that Impala are extremely alert, mm -hmm. I ended up having to hold on this Impala for 15 minutes mm. because so we, we went up to the very top of this ridge. We spotted it from about 800 yards away and we worked our way down to it and we got in, I think I was about 90 yards from this thing and we barely got the stick set up and I was just trying to find it in the scope and I finally found it. It was behind a 
uh, uh, bush mm-hmm. with just its head sticking out. And the PH says, don't move. They're looking right at us. And four females were looking directly at us. Oh, yeah. I was not in my shooting position yet. So I was just hunched over on these sticks with my, my, my back all, all hunched and wasn't comfortable. Yeah. And this thing, I don't know what bush it was eating that was so amazing yeah. that it took 15 minutes to get done with it. <laughs> but I'm looking at this thing's head through the scope for 15 minutes straight. Wow. Um, and neither of us could move. So the pH is on his binos and he's, he's, you know, not super comfortable. My back's cramping, spazzing. Now my arm went to do doing a little shaky thing, you know, after Mm -hmm. being there for a while. And, uh, it (laughs) was finally, this thing stepped out just enough that I could see the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And he goes, can you see the shoulder? I'm like, yeah, I can take it. And I put it right. It was a little bit high on the shoulder, but I put it in right on the shoulder. And this thing just tipped over. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how happy I was to take that thing. Huh. Because the whole time, those four U's uh, were looking right at us. And I don't know why they didn't spook. Yeah. Maybe just the fact that we weren't moving or not. Yeah. But they would like, w- like two of them would dip their head down. Yeah. And take a few bites while the other two were watching us. And then mm-hmm. they would like switch back yeah. and forth. Wow. And we couldn't, I couldn't shift my feet. I couldn't get into a more comfortable position to shoot. Nothing. And, uh, but finally got this thing down <laughs> and we rolled up to it. And the, the funniest thing was it was super clean. There was no blood anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entrance wound was super clean. There was no exit wound. It just got lodged in the offside hide. Um, and it, it was like, oh, well, cool. Roll That's, it over. That, that seemed to be on like most it of the takes, animals. Yeah. Roll it over, take some pictures and let's mm-hmm. get out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and mine, mine was a really nice, good um example of a, of a trophy impala you know it, it was kind of the standard mm-hmm. uh the standard what you would expect you know like yeah came, came real wide out at the base and then just nice parallel all the way to the top real even on the tops yeah that's cool um and real thick too i was really surprised at how thick those those horns were on, yeah. the, on those impalas um and i mean all of this it feels like we've been talking for a really long time all of this is in three days yeah. You know, like, yeah. I mean, that's what's amazing about over there is just, you know, you can do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I got, I'm doing a skull mount on that one. Um, I'm real excited for that. And, and it was just, it's, so, they're such cool animals, those impalas are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, I don't know. That's, I think every time I go over there, I'm going to, I'm going to book an impala hunt, even if it's just a call package. Like, I just, I, I love hunting those things. They're yeah. just such cool, cool animals. Um, yeah, let's you, see. You really have to watch the, I mean, not only were we, you know, having to do the spot and stalk, but, you know, like my professional hunter was always watching the wind, mm-hmm. you know, he was always doing some type of check because we got busted so many times and we're only talking about the, the parts that we, you know, took an animal, you know, right. Yeah. That not yeah. all the, not all the stalks that were spoiled and the, the hundreds of yards walking, <laughs> like you would spot them really far away and then you would have to, you'd spot stalk all the way over there yeah. to get there and they're not there anymore yeah you know yeah. what what spooked them you know it was well multiple stalks that were busted yeah and, and i was gonna say the wind shifting direction but also because there was such a vast amount of animals there yeah you know you could see those impala over there and decide okay well the wind's going this way i want to make my stalk my approach around this side and then boom you run into a, a group of 10 cow kudu mm-hmm. or female kudu i don't know what yeah cow. Um, and 
now all of a sudden they go running into the Impala and or the Impala spook because the Kudu are running. And so now everything's, I mean, you know, and warthogs busting your stalk and things like that. I mean, it's, it, you really, there's a lot that goes into it. It, yeah. it was definitely not a gimme on of, any of those shot opportunities. A lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Um, but the coolest part about the trip was that we didn't just go over there and, you know, hang out in a pool and, and go hunt and come back and hang in the pool more and go hunt. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, we also had a couple of days where we went and did, did other things. So one day we went out, uh, we drove like two hours, something yeah. like that, and, yep. and we went to a beach and we were mm-hmm. shark fishing. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was a really cool, really cool day. We caught, I think, how many, how many did you catch, Marshall? I caught two. I landed two and lost one. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And, and you, caught, you caught the biggest one yep. out like, of the whole day. I mean, yep. and you did the the math on on what it, or you found the conversion for i found a wave, conversion right? chart on it for the the length and the, it was uh kind of like the, you know if you do a halibut up here yeah, yeah they have a length chart for each type of shark and that one was supposed to be just under 300 pounds yeah and, wow <laughs> you know, and um i think it's 87 centimeters which i don't know what that would be in feet but mm-hmm. um six foot i want to say I want to say a six foot ragged tooth. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was big. Um, and you know, it was cool because I mean, it, it, they said it was a very unique day for being out there, but I mean, we started catching sharks right away immediately. You know, they, they, they baited up two hooks, took those super long poles out there out past the reef. And I was kind of explaining that last time about the, in the last episode about, you know, yeah. kind of wading way out there shoulder deep in the ocean and just, yeah apps launching these things out there past the reef and uh it had to have been more than 87 centimeters that's only like I, I think it was 187 yeah i'm sorry 187 i'm gonna say that that yeah yeah i think it was 108 yeah that makes a lot more sense there we go um but so so yeah we we, we i think all of us um except for maybe i don't know i think we all caught at least two sharks yeah everybody caught two yeah, yeah everybody lost some yeah, and we all, yeah, everybody lost some. I mean, and, and it was so, it was always the ones that were fighting the hardest, and then all of a sudden, like, the line would snap, or they'd, they'd, they'd you'd give it too much slack, and they'd spit it out or something. Um, but there was one, my goodness, it took three of us to get it landed. Um, and the, we found out the reason why, but so, so Steve started on this, on this shark, and it was just the, fight of a lifetime i mean this thing mm. was not coming in at all mm. he ended up having to pass it off to sean um who fought it for a good good long while yeah and then he ended up passing it i think he gave it back to steve for a little while and they were passing it back and forth and i happened to have one of the, the belts on mm-hmm. for reeling as well so i ran over there and then they passed it to me and we fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and that's with yours too i mean i took a video of you fighting your big one marshall and and i mean i didn't even start it until late in the fight and that video was still seven minutes long you know of just <laughs> i was just done if it, had, if it had been one more minute i was gonna have to pass <laughs> yeah. it off my arm for smoked <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah. we finally get this thing to shore and it, it was a big shark don't get me wrong but what happened was the way that the hook had had lodged in it it was like it may have taken it at one point, but tried to spit it out. Oh. And then it got re-lodged in the side of it. Oh, boy. 
And so you weren't dragging this shark straight in by yeah, face. Yeah. It was facing away from you, <laughs> trying to swim against the hook. And that's what was making it fight so hard. Oh, boy. And I mean, it took three of us over 30 minutes to get this thing landed. Wow. Um, and finally did. It was, after that, I was, I don't even need to catch anymore, to be honest with you. I was so done. Yeah. Like, I just want to have lunch. I just want to relax the rest of the day. That that's was, a lot of work. Yeah. I, I think... I caught one towards the end of the day that was that the itty bitty little thing. Yeah. That little two footer I was telling you about last yeah, time. Yeah. It's like a pajama shark or something, whatever yeah, they called yeah. it. But um it, it was cool, but <laughs> it was the, we we waited for a while. Um the the currents kind of shifted and the winds shifted and, mm-hmm. and things kind of slowed down towards the afternoon. So we ended up having a nice barbecue there at the beach and uh, hanging out. Uh which man, I, I just don't know how many times I can say, it, but the food over there. It's just so good. You know, they, they just, they barbecue everything, you yeah. know, and, it, and it's like, they have these big pork strips, which is just like bacon on steroids. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Those things were awesome. Yeah. And they, they cook them over the fire and they're nice, crispy. I mean, it's literally tastes like bacon, but it's huh. just three times the size of a strip of bacon. Wow. Um, they have these sausage, like, like brats, but they're, they're like a dry meat. Mm-hmm sausage and they cook those over the fire and everything oh man it was so good and and the seasonings that they use over there is just you know that that was kind of the the thing is like the seasonings that they use and the 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 just everything they use for cooking is so different than what you get here more flavorful yeah even like when you go to the convenience stores you know we'd stop whenever we were out driving through town you know stop grab chips or a couple drinks but like all the sports drinks were different flavors all the chips were different flavors all the crackers were different flavors and anything you could get yeah you know it was just these interesting cool little offshoot flavors that was just really really everything was amazing that's something that i that, that i always make a remark about to my wife is american food by nature is just bland yeah it really is compared to food from overseas it's just not the same well and then you know the the ingredients are so different too you know i mean i was commenting earlier how the coca-cola that we'd get would only have four Mm -hmm. ingredients in it you know it was like carbonated water uh caramel cane sugar and you know like some preservative of some sort you know whatever it was yeah like no high fructose corn syrup no no Mm -hmm. nothing i mean it was just you read it the the ingredients list on the back of any of these boxes was a quarter the size it is here in the states you know it's like and everything just tasted so much cleaner i don't know and it was it was it was really amazing but yeah so that day out at the beach i mean it was it was great being out there in in the sun uh it i can't even remember the last time i was on a sunny beach by the ocean um you know because the beaches here in alaska they're not it's not the same (laughs) even if the sun's shining you're not running out into that water to go swimming you know know, the rocks and it's it's more gravel than sand and there's some there's some sand in alaska but it's like the black sand and it is cool in its own way but it's just not yeah not that my experience in the beach in alaska it smells like fish yeah pretty much yeah because people are fishing yeah i honestly think i was probably 10 or 12 the last time i was on a beach like a, mm. like a warm, sunny I, beach. Probably the like, same for me. Yeah. yeah. Like and, in Florida or something. Right, yeah. Vacation. That's where I think it was. It was a family vacation down in Florida. Either Florida or New Jersey. May but have seen each other. My goodness. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, the, the sun though, man, oh man. Um, I know you got crazy sunburns, Marshall. Yeah. I mean, you had it worse than anybody. <laughs> I would say if you're coming from anywhere north and you're going to go down there to the beach, you need to either stay one covered up Mm-hmm. Or apply sunscreen every thirty minutes. Yeah, 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and make sure you don't wash it off wading through the water or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, you, your your feet looked blizzard, yeah. and it was my feet. And yeah. Not my not my everything else. Not his shoulders. Not his arms. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. For me, my hands. Um, I had one of those sun shirts on those long sleeve mm-hmm. like fishing shirts. Yep. Uh, fifty yeah. SPF, I think, is what it was protection yep. wise, and that thing worked phenomenal. My mm-hmm. arms weren't burnt at all, and actually, the first day I didn't wear it, and I sunburnt my arms really bad. Yeah, but that shirt worked so good mm-hmm. that while I was wearing it out in the sun, the sunburns beneath it were healing, and so mm-hmm. by the third day, I was fine. Yeah, um, that's really good. But my hands, mm-hmm. uh, we were out there for I think three hours at this point, and and the Ricky the PH came up, and he's like, "Are your hands okay?" I looked down and they were, I mean, lobster red and swollen, <laughs> swollen, like huge. And, and I hadn't even noticed it really until he pointed it out. But I looked down and like, I kept having to loosen my watch up because yeah. like my, my whole arm was just starting to swell. And I, 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 wow. to this day, I don't know why, like I'd, I'd never yeah. had that happen before. And I grew up in a place that gets pretty hot in the summer, yeah. you know, but just being up here for as long as I have, I guess, uh-huh. is, um, but yeah, and it, and it wasn't even, they didn't get burnt either was the weird thing. Cause I was applying sunscreen like every mm-hmm. 20 minutes, yeah. you know, like he was saying. Or you can get sun poisoning. Yeah. Is that what, is that a thing? Oh yeah. Really? It's absolutely a thing. No kidding. I, oh, yeah. I think I was on that. I think that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. kidding. You, oh, yeah. For sure. Cause after, yeah, sometimes, and, and not, not everybody gets it, but you can get a super bad sunburn mm-hmm. and it, it, it'll blister a little bit afterwards, you know, probably a day or so afterwards. Yeah. But then you'll start to feel nauseous mm. and it's actually a sun poisoning is it's what they call much- it. Yeah. Too much vitamin D or something? Too much of something and wow. you just feel sick for a day or two. Interesting. Yeah, I've gotten crazy. sun poisoning up here before. Have you really? Yeah. Is, yeah. I, was, I was guiding a brown bear hunt in June one time and the sun came out for a couple of days straight and I made the mistake of sitting out in the, uh, in the picnic chair with my shirt off and I fell asleep. Mm. And the tops of my shoulders blistered so bad, I couldn't even hardly carry a backpack, mm-hmm. which Man. is not real great for being a guide. Right. Nope. Right. Um, but yeah, that was... <laughs> That that was not fun. Does that tend more for people who burn easy? Oh yeah, the sun yep. poisoning part does. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the worse the burn is, the more likely you are to get it if you're right. susceptible to I've, it. And I grew up in Alaska, but I've never burned. Really? Yeah. Never. Never. Yeah. Sleeping in the sun for hours. I don't hardly get wow. sunburn anymore, except for that time, and it was because it was a, a, a it, it was skin that normally is not uncovered in the sun. Right. Usually, yeah. I'm wearing a shirt of if, some if sort. If I did that, Similar I might be okay. Feet, I guess. <laughs> if I wear a short sleeve shirt and I don't wear a hat, I, mm-hmm. you know, my, my arms, my hands, my face, my neck, mm-hmm. that doesn't really burn. Hmm. But yeah, weird. That's yeah. just, I've kind of scorched that part, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's really my hands were the only things I really had trouble with. I, yeah. I kept my, my forearms covered with that, yeah. that fishing shirt for yeah. the most days, honestly. I would, yeah. I would just kind of wash it myself at the end of the day because yeah. I only brought the one because in my head, I was like, well, I'll bring this for the fishing day. Yeah. Didn't even think about the fact that the sun's out all the rest of the days too. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that first day when I burnt my forearms real bad, I started wearing that that fishing shirt underneath my, so, my regular shirt. Quick side note: this thing that I'm wearing here right now, this is the uh, this is made by Go Hunt, mm-hmm. and this is actually SPF. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons I bought it. I'm gonna order so many more of those shirts. That thing was yeah. amazing, and it yeah. kept me cool too in the middle of the day. Yeah, like so. Word of the wise: if you're going over there. Like you said, if you're from a northern climate, yeah, I mean those those fishing shirts are like that, yeah, that go hunt shirt there, yeah. And this Just is the old, real, 
This thin. is the old uh, uh, sponge duck hunter pattern, so yeah. it looks <laughs> it looks go. like something Rut Daniels would wear. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, those shirts are lifesavers, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, oh, next yeah. time I go, I'm bringing at least three of them. So, you know. Yeah. On the, you know, your hands with what happened, one thing that mm. might have been an issue was you're, you're next to the water. Yeah. And the water reflects yeah. those yeah. alpha rays. Right, right. Well, and the other thing that they said, too, is because of the, the way that the weather was that day, because uh-huh. it was windy and there was a really cold current mm-hmm. currently so you going through. Yeah, that's what they you said. Don't you don't the feel heat. the heat. Yeah. So you're burning yeah. without actually, that's actually feeling the burn. That happens to a lot of people up here, especially on the water. One of right. the worst sunburns I ever got as a kid in Fiji was uh, we were out camping. And uh, I put on shorts mm-hmm. and I didn't wear shorts a lot as a kid. I, I just wore like lightweight, um, you know, just nylon pants because mm-hmm. those breathe better than blue jeans. Yeah. But I wore shorts and it was overcast and it was, you know, 70, 80 degrees, whatever it was. And we were outside shooting bows and goofing off at the, at the camp spot. But the backs of my calves got burned so bad in an overcast day. Mm. The front of my legs didn't hardly burn, but my calves did. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting home, and the, a couple of days after that, I mean, I had blisters six inches long and four inches wide on my calves. Mm. Just one big solid blister mm. on each calf. Wow. And then when they popped and that red underneath, mm. it was so bad. I would sit, well, my, my, uh, my parents had one recliner in our house growing mm-hmm. up, and I'd sit in that recliner with my feet up. So the blood wasn't. Right. Going oh, hard up yeah. to my legs. But then I would stand up. That hurt so bad, didn't it? And the blood would hit your <laughs> yes. hit that calf. <laughs> that's, that's and oh. I, I just wanted to collapse. Yeah. And, I, and it's it just was, throbs. Yeah. It just pulsates. Yeah. It hurts so bad. Well, and that's what was interesting about what you were saying, Marshall, is that when you were wearing your shoes, you know, for the day. Yeah. And and you were actually had your boots on, it was okay. Yeah. But it was when you took your boots off and it kind of had that ability. It relieves to, that yeah. compression of the uh-huh. sock. Yeah. So this was the very next day in the, I'm in the lodge and I got my foot up on a pillow and that's, oh. that's just the start of it. Oh, yeah. oh my. Oh, oh, my whole man. foot is a blister and yeah. it's so swollen. My, from my knee all the way down to my foot, it's all oh, the same size. man. Yeah. Like yeah. a big old Oompa Loompa foot. I, yeah. Every one of us felt Ouch. so bad. And I, had, I would put my boot on. <laughs> It hurt so bad to get my boot on, but once I got it yeah, on, that compression, it was good. Yep. Yeah, I yeah. I know your pain, Marshall. I yeah. Well, yeah. and that was the that the, the deciding the hard part deciding on on for the flight home. Yeah, you know because you want to wear comfy shoes. Right, right. Like I wore my Crocs, you know, flying there and back, but like <laughs> he had to wear his boots because otherwise, yeah, yeah. you could hardly walk. Too painful. Like, yeah. Oh, that was a horrible trip back. Until you've had that yeah, happen, you can't appreciate the pain that when you stand up, just the shock and oh, I just want to sit back down. <laughs> I still have my my left foot is still has sores on it right now. Really? It's just still it's still yeah. healing. Yeah. It's been what three weeks? Yeah, at yeah. least. You know. Yeah, that's a bad deal. Well, and you were saying what is it the the it can take six months to fully go away or something? Yeah. You looked it up that for the one scars. Day. For, oh, the for scars. the scars. Okay. okay. Yeah. So funny story about that. Out fishing when I was a kid, I would wear keen sandals, and they covered your foot for the most part. You know that they had a toe over it, so you wouldn't kick up against coral and sharp stuff in the water. Mm-hmm. But they had the little slots in them, and so my feet would get slotted sunburns <laughs> oh, on my feet. No. When we moved back to the states as a teenager, I had dark marks on my feet for over a year 
from wearing sandals in Fiji. <laughs> Over a year. Really? Yeah. It was crazy. That's crazy. I, I got to the point where I thought they would never go away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you, you just have striped You feet. might have dark spots on you your feet for, you go into the shoe for, store. for a while. I need sandals with a very specific... Yeah. <laughs> right. I need these to match. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I actually well, still own that same pair of sandals. I, oh, st yeah. I still wear them up here fishing in the summertime. Well, yeah. and, and the thing that amazed me, for, for my skin at least, is how quickly my tan went away. Yeah, I mean, looking at my hands now, yeah. it's like they're just they're, they're right back up. to being yeah. Alaska pale, you know. <laughs> huh. So it's pasty like, white. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was kind of thinking in my head, I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna get the winter tan and come back. Yeah. It seems to be the case for people who burn easily. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and, and it doesn't last. I know, I don't know what all or whatever other people in my family know, but there is some Native American blood mm. flowing through my veins. Very mm. low percentage, more than Elizabeth Warren's. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, I, I don't remember yes. what it was, what the percentage was, who it was, you know, what, what the tribe or anything, but there is a little bit. Yeah. And, well, uh, and, and I've, I've talked to a lot of people who are, you know, not very much Native American, you know, yeah. maybe mm -hmm. six, even 6% and whatnot. Yeah. But that's, it's just enough to kind of. Right. Well, there's two things. To it's, tilt that balance. It's of, the, how well you get a tan or not burn. Right. And it's the amount of hair you grow in your body. Ah, just yeah. in general, like on your face. Yeah, I don't have sideburns yet, right? <laughs> At all. <laughs> right, right. And that's not my choice, right? Um, if you had your way, you'd have the big old mutton chops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you got a lot of hair on your head, Mariah. I do. Yeah. I do have a lot of hair on my head. That's yeah. true. That's true. But, you know, hey, the Native Americans just had long hair, right? Yeah, so, there you go. Um, although it's curly, you know, so... It, yeah, that's, uh, that is an interesting part. I don't know. <laughs> anyway... anyway Moving on, um, yeah, but, I was trying to, but no, so trying I, to skirt the, the the edge of of not of too far, and I think I went too far. So but. so, so funnily, uh, I don't know, funnily is a word, but funnily enough, funnily enough, um, I actually had just done uh, one of those twenty uh, three and me DNA things. Oh, yeah. I, I did the ancestry dot com one. My, okay. my wife got it for me for my birthday, and so I'd sent that in before we left. And, and who just you got related the to? I'm. Pert near 50% Swedish slash Danish. Really? Um, see that? I see that. I'm, I'm German. Uh, I think see it was 30% German, 20-something uh, percent Hungarian, oh. um, and then like 4% Baltic. So your ancestors so, and my ancestors are just duking it out because I have a very, <laughs> very, European, huh? very, very northern... Very Nordic. There, there is no tanning ability in my ancestry at all. Mid 1800s, <laughs> my family on my dad's side moved to the uh, moved to North America from Germany. Mm, yeah, and then on my mom's side, I've got um, some Hispanic background. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so gotcha. German and Hispanic. Yeah, prevalent, and, and then some Italian as well. Yeah, from my grandma's side. Well, and it my so my dad's side of the family's been in on this side of the ocean um, since, I want to say since Plymouth. Mm. Uh, I actually have an ancestor that was like a constable at Plymouth Rock. Constable Payne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they, they moved up into that uh, kind of the Ohio region of, okay. of the country and, and stayed there. There's actually a town, a little tidbit if you're in Ohio, uh, Painesville, Ohio. Mm -hmm. That's my family that Edward Payne is my ancestor. The guy, wow. the guy that has the statue downtown. That's, no yeah, kidding. That's that's my lineage of Paynes. Wow. Um. So. Um. But. Uh. My mom was born in Germany, and mm. then immigrated into a, the U.S. with her mom. 
and so that's kind of where we get like kind of that both sides i think and, yeah. and it's pretty it's pretty neat um but yeah no tanning ability whatsoever yeah, so, so, so so when i turn super red like that that's why yeah. I, I, my grandmother was norwegian almost almost fully norwegian i think mm. blooded and uh she and, and then she was grew up in alaska um but yeah, uh pretty similar yeah but <laughs> there's actually i don't remember what the name is but there's actually a city in in norway named after oh really her family nice yeah. very nice she went over and visited and met some of her yeah. distance relatives at one point. Yeah. So yeah. I have that. I have that flowing through my veins too. Yeah. I got I got a good mutt mix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know of any family I have up up in like the the Swedish area or anything like that. Maybe I'll find something through this app. Who knows? But I I do know. I think we still have several relatives over in Germany. Um, but, but I would like to say and, that even though we all just talked about our ancestry and lineage mm-hmm. we're all americans oh we all yeah full, full blooded 100 full blooded american yeah i identify no, as an american <laughs> no we'll no just, i simply look at the the genealogy yeah, to yeah. figure out how well i tan or don't so <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it that's as far as that interest goes how bad uh, will i burn <laughs> just google that <laughs> exactly no i am full red-blooded freeborn american so. that's right um but no so the the back to the shark fishing though um it, it was interesting. I don't know. Do you remember? Did they say if you we were you're actually allowed to keep sharks? Because we, we yep. did all catch and release. <laughs> we, yeah, we could. They said we could have kept one. We could have kept them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because yeah, we didn't get to keep any of the sharks. But I mean, you, you know, you take your pictures with it and everything like that. But, sure. Um, it, it was pretty interesting to see that. that you didn't hook it at any great whites though. No, no great whites. All there's a lot of what, great they, whites down what they there. Call those big ones we caught. Was it snag snag ragged ragged tooth ragged tooth? That's what it is. Ragged tooth. Mm. Yep. Um, and there's some gnarly looking sharks. Oh, I saw a picture. Yeah, yeah they yeah, look nasty. If yeah. you notice, I don't know if you all seen any of the pictures that James took, but if you notice that there's nobody swimming. Yeah. No. Oh, <laughs> and, and if there was, if we caught, what do they say, upwards of 18, think, 18 yeah, or 19 so. sharks? Yeah. And before lunch? Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. I, of sharks, I didn't man. even want to be the one that went out there and threw the hook in the water. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, well, you wouldn't have caught me out there. No. And, and, and that's, and you know, there were people out there. I mean, at the, in the earlier part of the day, we were the only ones on the beach, which I, I thought was really cool. Actually. I was, I was even commenting. I'm like, man, like, this is such a beautiful beach and there's nobody, there's like two other groups out there, mm-hmm. you know, locals, you know, yeah. not even, there was one older couple walking up and down the beach and then like another group of fishers, uh, fishermen. And, but it was cool in the afternoon. You could tell when school got out because all the kids started coming out and running uh, on the beach and playing and everything okay. like that. But even then, they were on the beach and they might wade out a little ways, but like you didn't, re- nobody was swimming. Yeah. And, and it's because they they do have great whites there. Oh yeah, um, but they've got a ton. Uh, of apparently, them. the way the water was at that point with the the currents and everything, they could kind of predict there weren't going to be any right there at mm. that point. So the, the ragged tooth were just what we were getting the most really? of. Yeah, there was another kind that they said we was in the water um, that was apparently bigger and even and fought even harder but we didn't end up catching any of them so mm. I, I forget what those ones were um so i'm grew up as far away from the ocean as you could possibly get so i want <laughs> you know? snakes and sharks mm. i want nothing to do with yeah them. me either not yep. a chance uh, I, snakes i'm i don't like want anything to do with them but they don't really freak me out that bad but oh, sharks yeah i don't out. i don't i don't so, mess with sharks I don't know if anybody here has listened to uh, anything by Dan Carlin, uh, mm-hmm. Hardcore History, Common mm-hmm. Sense. He's got several podcasts, Mm-mm. of which all of I am a pretty big fan. But uh, he, he talks about one thing. He says, you know, he, he does a lot of stuff with history, mm-hmm. hardcore history. Highly recommend it. Um, appreciate it, Dan. If you give us a shout out back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
anyhow, he, uh, he, he'll talk about how he likes to think about the extremes of human experience. Mm-hmm. Like, and where, if he had a time machine, where would he go to experience that, you know, in battles and stuff. Mm. But I, I, in thinking about that that way, I've realized I really like to, you know, the idea of even just the extremes of the human experience available to me today. Mm-hmm. And, mm. and because of that, something like, you know, I got no problem with, I mean, I mean, you think about it, you, you're just, you're like the land shark, right? The bears. Yeah. Right. Because that's my terrain. Yeah. But then you're in your element. Yeah. That's true. It's that's like... true. <laughs> that's true. But, you know, there's a lot of people very experienced around sharks who will swim with them all day. Yeah. Yeah. You more, can't hear them coming. More, more power that's to true. them. That's mm-hmm. true. But I would, I, I, I would do it. I, I would do it just, just to do it. You can't just walk away from a shark. <laughs> right. No, you swim away. <laughs> Not as you fast. But... Good luck. You, yeah. You, you can't yell at it and make it go away. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's just, it, no, and I understand that, but, it, but it, that's why it's an extreme of the human experience. Well, and you know, and, extremely and something, not something I'm going to do. But, but and you know, and some people too. I mean, when they get comfortable with sharks, you know, they'll tell you like, oh, if some, if one's coming at you, you know, you just put your hand on its nose or something like that, yeah. and it calms it down, or well, poke heard, it in the eyes, and it'll go away. And it's like Timothy Treadwell would have told you to do the same thing with a brown bear, <laughs> and look how that turned out. You've heard the uh, the, the Ranella crew talk about diving with mm-hmm. sharks and stuff yeah. when they're fishing, spear fishing, spear fishing, and when the sharks come by, just if you treat them right, you can tell when they're going to be aggressive. You can tell when mm-hmm. there might be an issue and how to treat them back. Yeah, mm. and. You know, and, and really, I agree, it's not the same elements as, as on land, but just like anything, you can learn how to coexist. I oh, agree. I'm sure you can. But just like nine times out of 10, I can read a brown bear's body language and push him away uh-huh. if I don't want him around. Yeah. That works most of the time. But, not all but the there time. are still bears yeah. that determine that, no, I'm going to mm-hmm. come in here and eat your lunch. And so yep. you have to shoot it. Yep. With a shark, if a shark decides to do that, you are in trouble. So, right. And you have a spear gun. That's good for one shot. True. Yeah. There's right. not yeah, a yeah. chance. Yep. Well, and, and not if you have chance. even that. Yeah. You know, if we you were having that. a conversation about surfing over there. Yeah. You know, because uh, oh. Ricky's a surfer. Yep. And more power to him, but like, no way, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm not going out there. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I equate it to like, okay, you know there's sharks in the water. Yeah. You know that that surfboard looks like what they hunt. Yeah. Um, from the bottom underneath the water. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like going, it's like skateboarding through what you know is, is <laughs> has a, an area that has bears with no gun or anything. You're just, you're just skateboarding through just because, oh, well, it's more fun to skateboard here. Like, no, no. I'm at least going to have bears. I wouldn't go me. camping but. in, 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 in a, well, there's a spot I'm thinking of that uh, I, I know that there's brown bears that come there to rut. Mm-hmm. There's always boars chasing sows in this one spot. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't catch me camping there without oh. a gun. Right. Right. Just for fun. Well, and that's any of us. I'm not like, going to put myself we'll there. We'll still go there, but yeah. we're going to make sure we're protected at least. Yeah. Like, right. At least because we're in our element, we're going to But it's just, back. it's what degree of risk are you willing to... Um, not that far. Are you, <laughs> so, <laughs> what degree of risk, risk are you willing to take on outside of your comfort zone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have no reason to take that on. And on land? For me, and <laughs> as much know, as I need to. And I don't know why, 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 why this is, but it, that... Like I, I, if I have the opportunity to go skydiving, I'm mm. going to do it without a second thought. Yeah. I if I have that. an opportunity to go skydiving with sharks and I'm with a crew of people, let's say, yes, we do this all the time. We have people come. I'm not going to have an issue doing it. If skydiving, I'm with those guys maybe. and they say, do you want to walk this out to the reef? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say hundred percent. I'm watching you do it. I'll do it. I don't know, man. If, I don't know. Cause <laughs> when me and Steve walked out, right. Me and Steve yeah. walked out and he goes, something just hit my leg. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's that shark went by and went, 
<laughs> yep, I don't, I don't want him. <laughs> He's just licking yeah, his chops. It's just, <laughs> no, it tastes like sunscreen. Well, you remember what it was when we were growing up out trying to ride and find trails. It was always me saying, oh, let's see what's around the next bend, what's over the next hill. And he's, Dalton yeah. was always, we've gone far enough. We've gone far. We, we, we got to get back before if, dark. Because if we get stuck, well, then it, we're in trouble. Right, right. right. It, you know, and there's... The, there, there is a point to where the voice maybe of my, reason is a good thing. Maybe it's, my risk assessor is a little <laughs> bit messed up, but I just, if I can extre- experience something extreme, I want to do it. Hmm. Well, then you go dive with sharks, so yep. buddy. And one day, you wear, one a GoPro, day wear a GoPro, I'll, 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 yeah. I'll swim vicariously through you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird statement. <laughs> get you some, uh, get you some, uh, uh, what was it? Those, like those VR Vision. goggles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Well, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, yeah. I'll get, get the experience without having to worry about it. So I wouldn't even do VR with sharks. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It just freaks me snakes? out. No chance. Really? No way. Uh-uh. So we were talking about this artificial artificial intelligence Satan, generator thing. Satan manifested himself sharks and to mankind through a serpent. It is directly in our DNA that snakes are of the devil. So uh, I hate snakes. Uh, so, so if I if I got a m- picture, m- Mama said, if I could combine two, <laughs> if I could combine two devil. animals that would be your worst fears, it would be a snake and a shark. Yep. Ooh. Oh, AI, that one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what that's I'm a, thinking. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. It's a dangerous thing for the chat GPTs. Uh, uh, yuck. Anyway. <laughs> yuck. Um, but yeah, so no, to pull this back into the, to the Africa thing. So no, it, it was a great day out there. Um, I have never fought a fish that hard before. Yeah, I'm sure that um, was fun. E- even like pulling halibut up off the yeah. bottom of, of, you know, and as hard as they can be. Um, pulling up, you know, all kinds of fish from around Alaska. It's like, no, nah, there's, there's nothing that compares to, yeah. to a shark. And, yeah. and I've heard you can actually, uh, fish for sharks here in Alaska. Salmon sharks. Salmon sharks. Yep. Yeah. So I might yeah. try that. There's now, guys catching now them. Now that I've got a, a taste for it. They're you know, big. It's like, yeah. They're 300 plus pounds. I think, yeah. They're on, huge. On average, yeah. I, I see them quite a bit guiding. Yeah. They're, they're big animals. Yeah. So I, I might look into that, but no, animals. it was a blast. Sorry. I said animals, fish. Uh, kind of animals. I mean, they're, they're. they're yeah, <laughs> they'll tear you apart like an animal, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and then anyway, so after after that day, though, I mean, all of us went back to the shot to, to the lodge, and we were just just beat, you know, just being out in the sun all day and, and everything like that. It was a great trip. You were um, ice in your hands. All of, actually, I think most of us all slept on the way back to the lodge. Yeah. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, because for that last like three hours we were out there, it, it really mm-hmm. dried up on the fishing. It was just mm-hmm. after lunch, it just never was quite the same. Something shifted with the wind and the way the seaweed was and everything like that. And it just wasn't good, good shark fishing anymore. But that morning, man, we really, we were killing, we it. were, yeah, we were pulling them in left and right. It was every 20 minutes, somebody was pulling a shark in. Are you ready for this? You know, what's up? Shark bait. Boo ha ha. That just came to mind for some reason. <laughs> oh, um, what in the world? Oh, that's awesome. Yuck. <laughs> Mariah just AI'd a shark and snake combined. Flying. I had the flying part too. Flying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that makes it even it better. Because that's more yeah. comforting. <laughs> These things could fly? Um. Anyway, so, I'll get off my soapbox. So I think after that, that was about the midway point of the trip, right? I think that was actually exactly middle day because we were leaving out that next Tuesday. I think that was Friday. Um. So the next, 
day, we actually didn't go hunting the next day. Mm. Uh, Sean and his wife and then myself and my wife went out and we went to the Addo Elephant Park, Mm. um, which was, it was, again, like an hour and a half, hour and 45 minute drive. I mean, that's... That's a cool thing. I mean, South Africa is a huge place. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I yeah. think it, uh, Alaska is a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's actually road systems to most places in South Africa. So, <laughs> yeah. It's not um, a swamp. Yeah. yeah. You, can, you can access a lot more of it. And so there's just every direction you go. It's like, oh, two hours this way. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump away. Right. Um, but so we went there, and that was a really fun day. And th- this is, again, this whole last half of the week that we were there was just hot. Hot, hot. I mean, it, it had to have been 110 degrees out that day that it we were out there. kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Yeah. And, hotter. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys were out hunting that day. Um, yeah, that was the day that uh, it was, you know, Steve's turn to shoot. And Oh, that's when he got a zebra, isn't it? No, no, that's when he got his baboon. Oh, his baboon. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so they took us out. You know, we, it looked like flat terrain, and we drove up to this one fence, and we climbed through. You know, they had one part of the fence where we could get through that didn't have the barbed wire on it clipped all those off and we climbed under and we walked out to this just right through the trees and then there was a cliff mm. it's pretty cool and on the other side baboons were all and mm-hmm. it's like 300 about 300 yards away and so you know they were all carrying on making all these noises and one big one jumped up on this tree and so steve got on the sticks and right as he pulled the trigger it had just dropped jumped down so mm. The sound of the rifle made them all run yeah. away. Yeah. And so we're like, ah, oh, crap. So we're just all standing there. We're still spotting around. There was a dam below us. Mm-hmm. And so we're just looking for my, any other opportunities. And then I guess this one drew the short straw. And he, they made him <laughs> climb to the top of the tree. To look around. To look around to see if we were still here. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I know i got to keep it clean so I won't say the whole word. But it sounded like that... The baboon was saying, "F you, F you, F, you know, it's <laughs> right. just up there at the top of the tree, weird, <laughs> yelling and, at uh, you, <laughs> yeah, yelling at us, you know, still warning the other ones that were there, yeah, yeah." And uh, of course, they ranged it, and it was like three hundred and forty-five yards, yeah, across the canyon on the very top of a tree. It was pretty cool. It was a good shot. Three hundred so, wind mag. Yep, three hundred wind mag. Steve mm. puts a bump on the stick, <laughs> and this is his second shot for redemption, and yeah. bam, and it dropped. <laughs> Good shot, you know. <laughs> nice. Anyway, yeah. So the trackers went over there. They tracked down where it was at and pulled it out. And you know, we, we did the whole picture things. And it's crazy how human like they are. Yeah. You know, they had yeah. five fingers, fingerprints. All uh, yeah. It was kind of eerie, but yeah. Well, and so that wasn't even the big one, then, huh? No, no, no. He missed the big one. That, that was still a pretty good sized. Yeah. Like it was bigger uh, than I thought they'd be, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. And but his was they said it's about three quarter aged, mm. and but the one that he that uh, jumped out of the tree right as he was pulling the trigger, that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that was that was a pretty cool day, you know, seeing that whole experience. And uh, you know, we took the pictures, put it back in the truck, and then we kinda like drove around and I cannot remember if that's the day that I got my tro- trophy warthog or not, or I really I can't I, remember. I know you and Steve both got tro- trophy warthogs pretty close back to back, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um Nice, nice warthogs. Yeah, too. so Goodness. you know, again, that's you, you get coals. Coals are you know warthogs, mm-hmm. impalas, jackals, mm-hmm. you know baboons, whatever you know. But if uh, a warthog's tusks are so big, it's considered a trophy. And I seen that one, and I just had to take it. You know, it's yeah. it's not expensive at all. So you know, I went ahead and 
you know, got me a trophy warthog. I'm I'm almost positive it was that day. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. yeah, we came back and and uh telling our stories. Mm-hmm. But uh Yeah, because you guys you guys were out there the whole day and, and we were out. I mean, we were we got back pretty late from that from that elephant park because it was for anybody in Alaska listening, it was it was kind of like their version of Denali Park. You know, mm-hmm. there's just a big long road and you're going through and there was yeah, elephants and zebras everywhere and um uh, mm. Red heart of beast and yeah, uh, ostriches. Those are another goofy looking animals. Yeah, they're kind of weird looking. Yeah, I've always thought they were pretty ugly. Yeah, <laughs> really, they're they're not the yeah. best looking. I thought they were really. All. I thought they were just really cool. Yeah, I mean they, they're they're definitely really neat, but I've always thought them and the blessed bucks were just mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, <laughs> not, not a real pretty animal. <laughs> no. Um, I will say I, I do want to go go hunt a red hearted beast. Yeah. Um, as, as part of the 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 wildebeest slam, you know, because yeah. they're, they're considered in that. So, um, but no, yeah, Addo was really cool. Um, that's what we were doing while while you guys were hunting, and and we saw a ton of animals. Um, elephants are way bigger in person than they look on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've only ever seen them at one zoo ever in person. So, yeah. and it was like from an elevated platform, so you couldn't mm-hmm. really get a good idea of how big they were. Mm-hmm. Um. But when you're on ground level with them and you're just looking up, you're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've seen him at zoos a few different times. And then when I was down in, uh, down the low 48 in January, mm. I went into this guy's trophy room. Oh yeah. It was more like a trophy house <laughs> that was built around the trophy room. Nice. And he had a life-size elephant in there. Uh, oh, wow. Un- Body mount? Yeah. Whoa. I'll show you a picture later. Good night. Also a giraffe. <laughs> so yeah no, he got they, money, life-size money. They, giraffe? Are, they are monsters money, oh money. yeah yeah full life-size giraffe Oof. wow yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean that th- there was more taxidermy in there than there is in cabela's and in, 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 in anchorage it, <laughs> right. it seemed like i mean it was yeah. just packed into a smaller area than cabela's but it, it could be an obsession though it, oh yeah it, it can be yeah absolutely uh-huh. is absolutely is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's he's got his trophy room in the trophy room magazine mm. like that's you, you know, know that, that's a whole thing you know what duh Oh, I mean, I figured, but you had yeah. to mention What it, surprised so. me about the elephants over there, though, was the tusks weren't nearly as big as I expected. Oh, really? Um, they were a lot smaller. They were kind of, they kind of just came forward, you mm-hmm. know, spiking out forward. Yeah. There was no, like, big curls or anything like you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like you see, like, I guess in other parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. And I guess in that region, they, those genetics just kind of got shot out. And so that they're, I mean, they're, they're still good size. You know, but yeah, poaching was a big thing there for a long time. Um, yeah, see, nothing that size. Nothing even close to that size over there. Well, I guess there there were a few a few older ones that may have been approaching that size, but yeah. uh, most of them were not anything close to that. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's just kind of genetic, you know. Same thing. You'll rarely find a, a sixty inch bull moose around mm-hmm. Fairbanks. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. kind of been shot out. But, you know, so yep, happens. Um, but yeah, uh, but that was that was a fun day. We we got to and that was one thing I liked about this trip was being able to kind of go into town a little bit, going mm-hmm. into different places and seeing more of the culture and and the different stores. Um we stopped at one place for for dinner and it was kind of a a testament to the difference in currency, you know. It's like we had four people eating dinner together. And it was a thousand rand mm-hmm. was was what the the meal cost and that was for us to have appetizers and full meals yeah, and drinks yeah. and all that. That equated like fifty bucks or something like that. Where did the like name that. Rand come like, from? I have no money. idea, to be honest with you. Uh, no, never, no. never okay. asked that question actually. Um, but that's just what they call it over there. Yeah, it's 
And Interesting. I, and I don't know if they break it down any farther than that. I always just saw Rand. You know, everything, almost everything was like even numbers. Really? You know, it, it was like exactly 36 Rand. It was exactly this money. It was exactly this. And like, you never really saw like how we have dollars and cents. Uh huh. I didn't really see many things that were broken up that way. Was um, there ever a price that was like a percentage, not percentage, uh, but uh, like decimal? No, not really. Not that I saw. So I like, like even like a Monster Energy drink over there was 36 Rand, but it was like, you know, hmm. that, that even. So I think when I was when I was in Europe, I saw stuff that was a lot of the pricing was yeah instead of, like they have coins and stuff, mm-hmm. um but I mean there's so many different coins it seemed like sometimes too like yeah these three different coins are actually all worth the same amount of money right, <laughs> right. Um, but it but their their um currency like their prices would be marked out in mm. and they, now they weren't what what's the what's what was it like the thousand rand you said was like fifty bucks something US. like that yeah so you know so. A hundred grand would be like five bucks. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Yeah. So that's that's a lot higher um difference than there was in, in like in Ukraine. Mm. But um at least from when I was there. But the uh but stuff would be marked in like one you know, if it was just a few bucks or I can't remember what the uh what the money was called over there. Mm. But it would just be it'd be there'd be it'd be uh decimaled out. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I I don't remember anything like that there, but but the cool thing with the food over there and like what we got for that for that price was I think we had like some fried shrimp and some calamari and stuff like that, and then um, we ordered burgers, mm-hmm. and I ordered one called the Triple Bypass. <laughs> <laughs> it met up with the name. It was it was a double patty with ham, with bacon, with a, like an mm-hmm. egg and cheese sauce and all this other stuff. I mean, the, the thing looked like a, one of those ones you see on Scooby Doo. Okay. I was just I couldn't even like you couldn't squish it down enough to take a bite out of the whole thing. You right. had to like bite the top then bite the bottom. Um, because I was thinking it was going to be a, a double patty kind of like we have here, you know, yep. double quarter patty, you know, no, no, no. This was two half pound. Nice. Patties. Nice. Huge amount of food. And I did finish it. There's um, something. But- <laughs> food, food factory here in local yep. has something like do that. They really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. They got a one pound burger. I think I rejects us too. Do they? Yeah, I think they do. Oh, what do they call that? The big Bubba or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it was massive. And, and that was the, the coolest part is like the food. It just, I, I can't say it enough. The food over there was amazing. Did like, you finish like, the burger? Oh, I did. Sitting? Yeah. Nice. nice. Finished it in one sitting with the fries or chips as they call them over there. Um, but, you know, and then just it's so much food. And, and again, the, the seasonings that they use are so different and everything. I mean, if, if you're heading over that direction, I mean, definitely look forward to the food. It's not something you have to worry about at mm-hmm. all, um, whether it's home cooked or not. Um, now all the restaurants we went to, at least in great. South Africa, at least in South Africa, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the, the areas I, that we were at, yeah, yeah, in South Africa, you know, they had malls, they had, you know, uh, restaurants, normal, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and you don't even have to get the currency if you don't want to. You could use your credit card. Yeah, really, mo- most yeah. banks will do the automatic, yeah. um, yeah. the automatic exchange rate, and, and like we had to pay a fee uh-huh. for ours. So every time we would swipe it, it was like a percentage fee. Yeah, but it always ended up being a couple of cents. You know, it was like three cents here. I believe it was the same way in in Europe. You could just use your card. Yep. Yeah, and then you just had to make sure you hit the right selection to not pay a huge or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, right, right. Do you want to pay it because you could actually then pay it in U.S. dollars or in the local I was just currency? Saying, some of some I, of the machines yep. had that too. Yeah, I you kept could picking choose. U.S. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think if you choose that, you don't have to pay the the fee to do that. Uh, yeah, and it all it can depend on the store. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a whole. But it was really cool. I mean, it, it was you know, I mean, the the country is so spread out. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much space and, and, and land that's just wide open between mm-hmm. each town. Um, but like they all 
you know, when, once you're in town and you go into these stores, like, I mean, there, there'd be this random, you know, gas station in the middle of nowhere. And you walk in and it just looks like a normal gas station you see, you know, here in Alaska. You, you know how, yeah. for us, you know, if you go down to certain gas stations in certain towns in Alaska that are pretty remote, you can tell, you know, it's kind of like an old log building. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, it, it looks that very just, rustic. It, it looks very more of like a traditional, like, like, like the three bears places, right? They kind of right. do more traditional color scheme. Like they don't go with all the vibrant right, stuff. Right, right. It looks more old timey. Mm-hmm. Like these, even if it was a gas station in the middle of nowhere, it looked very modern. It looked very like well kept, you know, right. and it was, it was mm-hmm. very like the same thing. They had all sorts of selections, different flavors of everything. And, and it was, it was really, it was, was there, is there any like, Energy drink brands that you didn't recognize? You know, I, I didn't drink any while I was over there. They did have Monsters, and they did have Red Bull. Um, they nice. had Gatorade, Powerade. Yeah, they had, they had a lot Powerade. of the normal stuff we have here. I, I got one drink one day. It was called, like, Ener, Energade or Energade, whatever. Okay. It <laughs> yeah, it was, like, Energy, but Ener, Energade, Energade, however you would pronounce it. But that was, like, their local version of a sports drink. And okay. they had, it was, like, a cherry limeade i think was the one i got it was really good the only reason i ask is the area that i was in in europe one thing i thought that was just it was just really crazy like you talked about all the chips with Mm -hmm. stuff with different flavors they had that but in this particular brand of energy drink oh it was like every flavor like 50 different flavors in the uh, in a freezer and a cooler Mm -hmm. and a gas Mm -hmm. station of the energy drink was called hell (laughs) <laughs> it had a picture of a devil on it. Like they were all really good. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm on a I got one trip. of each. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I, I only had a few because I didn't know what was in them. You know, right. you can't read the ingredients, and you try to use a translator app, and it can't read them. So right. <laughs> no, but uh, the the chips. It was funny because there was like uh, like Brazilian spicy salsa or something like that, or like uh, Caribbean sea salt with you know these different things, and mm-hmm. all of them were super good. And then there was one that was American smoky barbecue, and so I got it just to try it out. And it was better than the barbecue chips we have over here. It I was do, like, how yeah. did you outdo us at yeah. American barbecue chips? Right. Like, well, I didn't is- use all of our <laughs> junky ingredients. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, but no, it, it was really cool. Um, and so. Uh, let's see. We had two more days of hunting after that. Yep. Uh, we went back to the ranch. Uh, Madeline got her trophy Impala. Really, fortunately, actually, she, she, hers, I think hers was a little bit bigger than mine. Um, as far as that, it, it seemed like it was an older one. Mm-hmm. But the coolest part is we had two different genetics. Mm. So traditional knowledge i guess would teach you that a mature impala is going to get wide at the base pretty immediately and then go straight up mm-hmm. perfectly parallel to each other but kind of like how moose don't always do what you expect them to do with mm-hmm. their racks the mm-hmm. way that they're shaped and things like that impala are the same way some and this is what hers did went perfectly parallel up all on the sides and then right at the tip started curling back in mm. um and it looks really cool we actually did a shoulder mount on hers because it's such a pretty animal. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she did a, a real good job shooting that one. She it was facing dead on. So she did a sternum shot on it, um, and just dropped it in its tracks immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that 270 just, just whacked it. Yeah. And so, uh, she drops that thing and, and I, I was just super impressed. It had like some cracks on the bases and everything. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell it was, it was a fighter, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, that one was really nice. But the other thing, and this is one thing I'm going to look for when I go back, I'm going to, I'm going to do another trophy and Pollock cause they also have a flared version where they don't come up perfectly parallel, they actually kind of flare out a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. And so between hers and mine, now mine was perfectly parallel. Hers kind of curled in at the tips. 
And if I can get one that's flared out, then we'll have all three versions. And then yeah. I've also shot some spikers and she shot a U. So we'll kind of have like, you know, the whole spectrum of them. Yeah. yeah. I think that'll be pretty cool. Then you got to shoot a black one. Yes. Yeah. Once I get in that tax yes. bracket. But they're so, <laughs> they're so cool, man. I what, mean, did the, what would one of those run? I think it was what, 1600? 1600. Yeah. Well, that's not terrible. No, no. It, it's no. not awful, but you can get a kudu for less. Yeah. Wow. Kudu, you know? kudu was 1400. Yeah. Wow. Um, but once you get in these variants, I mean, and there's different color no, variants of Springbuck. 1300. 1300. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And then I think Waterbuck was 1400. Yep. Um, there, there were several things kind of in that dancing around that thousand to $1,500 range. Yeah. Um, though, so that's kind of what I'm going to be targeting next time is some of those bigger animals. But the cool, there is a lot of color variants when you get into like Impalas and Springbucks and whatnot. There's black Springbucks, there's white Springbucks, there's white Impala. There's... It's not Springbucks, it's Springbuck. You don't, don't add an S at the end of it. <laughs> You're adding S's on the ends of words that don't need S's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I appreciate about you. Sushis and sashimis. My wife yeah. says she really likes but. how much I always correct and make sure I'm right. <laughs> oh, your wife if likes only you that? Could tra- oh, she loves it. Yeah. If, if only you could translate that into the way you write. You sp- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but on, on all, all those animals that they have over there, when you first get there, they give you, you know, you have your package that you buy into, which I think is great because uh, if you've never been, mm-hmm. you, you, yeah. get the, you get the introduction to Africa, mm-hmm. you know, and it's at a really reasonable price. And yeah. uh, then they give you a list of animals that are in their area that they can get you on. And um, so when you're out and it's always in, like, it doesn't matter what country you're from, they'll have it broken down into your currency. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So when yeah. you, when you, when you first show up and, uh, they hand you this package and you're sitting in a room the next day before you, or that night before you go out for your first hunt, you know, you can look at that list and decide, okay, I might want these animals. And then, so when you're out there looking around, mm-hmm. which is another thing I think you should do if, if you've never just sat on a hillside and spotted animals, you need to practice that before you go. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so you can decide that way when you see the animal and the professional hunter is trying to tell you, you know, that's a trophy animal. You don't have to sit there and say, uh, how much is that? Like, right, like right. we did our first couple of days. He says, I gave you a packet, you know. So I wouldn't have to answer these questions, you know, so if you could study it and then you go out there and you're like, I can afford that, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and shoot Mm, it. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and it's cool that they offer so many different versions too, because, you know, like, like you said, we had a package, so we paid a set amount for a certain amount of animals and then you can Mm -hmm. shoot that up to and beyond that, Yeah, you know, for additional fees. Um, You can also just pay for the, you know, the PHP and the lodging. And just go out there and just hunt off the list, you yeah. know, without a, a pre-planned yeah. package. Or yeah. maybe you just say, hey, I'll take a coal package and I've got this much money. Whatever we see that is within this amount of funds, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take. Um, Do you recall how much a Gemsbuck was? Not off the top of my head, but I think. Probably right around that 13 to 15 yeah, mark. I, I want to mm-hmm. say it was around Probably that. real close yeah. to a kudu. Yeah. What, was yeah. the, uh, what are the taxidermy rates like, like for your kudu? Very cheap. Very cheap, yeah. That kudu shoulder mount is yep. only it's going to cost me eight hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um. All of our all of our skulls, 
Now you could get skulls done cheaper here if you know somebody, but I mean it was a hundred bucks to get a skull done there or skull mount. It is um, what it cost me to do. It was, it it was a hundred bucks to do that's uh, with flat the, skin. That's like, with the horn ta- horns taken care of. Nicely yep, that's and everything wow. taken care of. That's all. That's, that's done. That's not bad. Yeah, at that's all. really yeah. good. Um, yeah, I think the shoulder mount for Madeline's uh, Impala was about five fifty. I think five. Yeah, five fifty somewhere so in there. All those, all those other trophies: the Impala, Blessed Buck, Spring Buck, all those. Right around five hundred, wow. six hundred dollars, right in that range. Mm. Yeah, less than half price in up here. Yeah, oh, probably yeah. a third to a quarter of the price that it would be up here. Yeah. Now, once we get you know, you factor in the shipping because you got to get sure. home, right? I sure. mean, I'm sure it'll kind of balance out a little bit, but um, probably yeah, it's, still it's, won't I mean, be as bad as doing it no. up here. No, no, it, it was really because really you're paying the shipping regardless, and you know, and and they have they have uh, you know the portfolio of everything they've done and they do really quality work yeah you know i mean it's it's, it's not cheap taxidermy yeah. you know it's just cheap for us mm-hmm. but right. it's you know it's quality work it's really good yeah. looking stuff i mean and they had a bunch of it at the lodge um done by the same people really good work i mean you look at it and you know you know when you can tell good taxidermy yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad yeah. taxidermy yeah. and all of those animals looked pristine mm. you know they were all really good looking animals all the the they had zebra skins on the floor and mm-hmm. stuff like that and it was all really because well they done. swap them out every couple of weeks <laughs> right. for a fresh set i was wondering about that i'm like my goodness like, yeah. you know that's an expensive carpet but um but like really well done stuff you know i mean and, and so we i think we did we did skins on just about everything mm-hmm. um obviously her one impala we did uh shoulder mount but we did so I think we've got like four Impala skins coming home. We've got a bunch of skulls. We got the two blessed bug, the two. What do they want for to do the skin? Uh, I think the skin was like it was eighty bucks for some of them and like a hundred bucks for the other ones. Goodness. So it was like, yeah, it it was that crazy. is crazy. That is a third of what you pay right. in the states for tanning, uh, right? And that's not just tanned. That's like that's done. That's done. Yeah. No, it's not. That's not rugged. That's just right. That's, that's just, just yeah. But yeah. That's, we're talking oh, tan, finished, hang on the couch. Yep. yep. That's ready to be a throw on the back of the couch. Ready <laughs> oh to tack up. Goodness. Oh, yeah. You yep. couldn't have it tanned for that price here. No. No, you couldn't. So, Man. and especially, I mean, if you're sending it down to like Moil and Mink or something like that, then you got to tack in the shipping to, to there too. And then, I mean, their prices aren't bad, all things considered, for oh, yeah. America. Yeah. But, you for know, the states, like, they're great. Yeah. But you know, yeah, comparatively to the states, man, taxidermy over there was was crazy cheap so i i went over there i i shot that package i shot uh two additional animals i i i, I wasn't going to talk about this but i shot <laughs> a third additional animal but we couldn't find it so mm. they're still going to look for it as as it gets closer to winter and, a, okay. and the green starts dying out so at least i'll probably get the skull and that was for a water buck and anyway so mm. i shot the package i flew over there and i shot three additional animals for cheaper than i did a mule deer hunt in Wyoming. Wow. Yeah. That's not counting the taxidermy. Not, yeah, not, not yeah. the taxidermy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But 10 animals, lodging, food. And travel. Travel, cheaper than one Wyoming hunt. Yeah. yeah. There's ways to do it if you uh-huh. want to do it. Like, and, and, that, and that's the, the opening to the, the eye-opening part of this whole trip, really, is just how doable it is. You know, and, and mm-hmm. It's cool because that's what we talk about all this all the time on the show about mm-hmm. Alaska. Yeah. You know, anybody it's, can come up here and hunt it's Alaska. It's attainable. Like, yeah. you know, you can do it if you have the grit, if you have yeah. the drive. Yeah. Africa is the same way. Mm-hmm. Like if you are willing to put away a few hundred bucks a month for a while mm-hmm. and just set it to the side and, you know, you can get one of these packages. Mm-hmm. You know, I shot eight animals. My wife shot six. He shot 10, you know, and we're all over there for, I mean, me and my wife 
combined. Um, 22 days. Or, what? Um, combined trip time. Oh, combined trip. Well, I, I was going to say for, for like price wise, I mean, we were yeah. barely over 10 grand for both of us to be over there shooting wow. many animals. Man. So that includes time. That's trip. trip that's, that's airfare too. And, and having to pay for the yeah. extra air. My goodness. Yeah. But, well, no, the extra air for the canceled flight pushed it above that. That's, oh, why, okay. I, that's okay. why I didn't get a kudu. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. I got to go again. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, but I mean, it is attainable, you know, yeah, it, it's yeah. for a blue collar person who's willing to put some money aside, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's still exp- for, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not in that higher tier tax bracket, but it's doable, yeah. you know, you're not paying and, and you got to think that's combined. Her and I got 14 animals. Yeah. You know, 14 that's, animals. It's a pretty good bang for your buck. No yep. pun intended. Full room, full board, right. full food, wow. unlimited drinks. Like, I mean, everything you could want. We didn't pay a dime for gas. We got, you know, they, they were out there driving us around all day, every day, looking for animals. Um, we rented the rifles and we, so, you know, we did pay a rental fee for the rifles and, and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a price per bullet for the shots, but it's still cheaper than what a bullet costs in the U.S. <laughs> you know, like if I had brought my own bullets, it would have been more expensive. So, 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 but if you flew, you talked about flying maybe through Atlanta next, mm-hmm. next time you would. That is more expensive from what I understand. But you can bring your own rifle. But I can bring my own rifle. Yeah. Sure, it might be a little more money to do that. But to me, as a hunter who's got my own loads and everything, like that's what. And that was that was honestly so the the when when we first started planning this trip, you know, Mm -hmm. that was my big thing. Oh, I'm gonna bring my my new Weatherby over there. I'm gonna shoot hammer bullets. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do all this stuff. Like it's gonna be great. I'm gonna get a you know a bunch of testing done with these things. And then when I found out just how much of a risk and a headache it is to get through London and all that, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. I, I almost like, it was literal heartbreak when I found out I couldn't bring my own rifle. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they have really good quality guns over there too. You know, these guys are professionals. This is what they do for their, right. their living. Mm-hmm. You know, all of their ammo is hand-loaded. It's not factory ammo. Um, so they have a guy that does all their, their loads for them, loads it to their rifle, makes sure it's very accurate. You know, so we, I went over there and they had, you know, the same standards that I, mm-hmm. I put on my guns and my rifles. Mm. Um, it just wasn't mine, you know, but it was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. but it, it was still a very good, very yeah. good setup. And I, and I really appreciated having those. I really appreciated having a rifle that had a mod on it <laughs> rather than my muzzle break. Yeah. I think when I take my rifle over there by then, I'll have a, a suppressor on it. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, that uh, professional hunter that was with me, he hunts 280 days out of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's wow. a lot. Yeah. 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 And they, and they do go all over the place. You know, they, like they had this lodge that we were at, mm-hmm. but they're not locked in on that lodge. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's, that's for the, these packages that they have when they, they mm-hmm. have clients that want these animals. Mm-hmm. And so for the package we had, you know, they worked out a deal, you know, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come rent this lodge. And so, um, and it, it was an amazing place, but like, they'll go, I know he does like hippo hunts mm-hmm. and certain, like he'll go all the way across the other side of the country. They just got yeah. done. I, I was watching their, their Instagram. Um, they, they just got done with like a, a goose hunt, you know, yeah, like they, a, they do bird hunts too. Yeah. Bird hunts. Egyptian, Egyptian goose. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that, that would be cool. That'd be really cool. And that's what's so cool about it. It's like, you know, like with you guys down in, in Southeast, you know, kind of mixing it up, you know, you're doing yeah. the bird hunting and the deer hunting and the, the fishing and all that. It's mm-hmm. like, you can do the same thing in Africa. You know, you go out there, you, you hunt six different species of animal and then you go catch some sharks and then you go shoot some birds and you can, you know, it's like, you can just mix and match it and set it up however you want it to be. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's been honestly life-changing for me to, to go yeah. on a trip like this. I like can go to Africa for about the price that you can go to Southeast. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, oh. 
But no, yeah, it, it was an absolutely amazing trip. I mean, as mu- as long as we've been talking about it today, I mean, it still just doesn't do it justice. You know, I mean, just the 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 experience was was amazing. Yeah. That last day over there, though, bro. Um. Ugh. <laughs> and of course, we spent the morning doing what? Yeah. Looking for the one looking, that I couldn't, couldn't find. So. so so yeah, we woke up that morning at four in the morning, rolled out to this other property. And uh, we spent the whole morning out there tracking and looking for this thing. And, and my goodness, when I, tell, when I say spider webs, mm-hmm. bro, mm-hmm. like I, we, we kind of split up at the beginning. You know, we figured out where it was that you, that you shot it. Said, all right, spread out, you know, and we'll just look for it. And I, so I, I kind of picked a game trail and I started walking one direction. And I had my, fun fact, Onyx works all over the globe. Mm-hmm. So I had my Onyx tracker on. Um, so I, I marked where the truck was and I was just like, all right, I'm off. Like, um, and I, I had the 270 with me, uh, Ricky had let me carry the rifle. And so <laughs> he apologized later. He's like, sorry to make you carry that around all day. I was like, bro, I'm American. I love having a gun on me. <laughs> like, right. What yeah. are you talking about? Um, so, but I, I was out there going down this game trail and I came to this point where I realized that a, an animal the size of a water buck could not have gone down here because every path leading forward was just endless mazes of spider's webs i mean every single path was just from one foot above the ground to eight feet above mm. the ground was just spider webs and so i pulled my knife out and cut me a little branch off of a tree mm-hmm. and i started using that as my yeah. little my yeah. little spinner spinner stick and i just make a little lightsaber yeah, yeah everywhere i was walking i just had this stick waving up yeah. and down in front of me because i mean you in the morning in the early morning you could see them because there was dew on them and it was a little bit yeah. the way the sun was mm-hmm. angled and everything but as soon as the sun got higher in the sky I mean, you'd walk into these things before you'd see them. And mm-hmm. the spiders were, I mean, silver dollar sized. You know, so it's not something you really want just getting onto your neck or anything. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think but, they called them like a golden something. Something, yeah. Golden, it, golden orb weaver. Maybe. That just comes to mind with the, the funny thing is, I, I never got a single bug bite the whole time I was over there. Nope. Mm-hmm. Like, no ticks, no spider bites, no nothing. So um, my skin was too hot from being sunburned. it was just crispy spiders were like "Ooh, that's spicy (laughs) yeah this one's burnt (laughs) overcooked (laughs) oh well done i don't like that um but no so yeah we spent all morning out there and it was hot hot that day um they got 129 degrees yeah they they put um they put the the, uh ricky's watch out in the sun Mm -hmm. for like just two minutes and it got I think it was 54 degrees Celsius on his watch. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it was hot. And, and the, the worst Man. part was that morning, no wind. It was perfectly <laughs> still. So Ooh. it was that hot and it was just, just kind of stale, stagnant, mm. stale. So I feel like yeah. me, you're just like every pore in your body is releasing. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. soaked. <laughs> That's when I taught him a new word. I'm going to just say swamp butt. No, oh. <laughs> and they're yeah, like, right. "What is that?" You know, <laughs> right? And I was like, "Well, you see all that sweat running down your back." Yeah, yeah, no, that was a, it was a wet, nasty, just hot day. Yeah. Um, and so we we looked out. I mean, I, I think we were out there till around right pushing lunchtime. I mean, it was probably one p.m. by the time we got back to the lodge. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was about an hour away, so that was including the hour drive back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we found some sign. You know, he definitely hit it. 
you know, and, and but those things they're just tough animals, you know. Those water bucks water have bucks. a reputation for being very, very yeah, tough. Yeah, and, and the and the environment was so thick. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't see five yards in front of you, you yeah. know. And so and, and there was just little there was game trails everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, there was high you could go up high, you could go down low, you could yeah. parallel the hill, you could do it, you know, and, and so all of us were spread out. There was probably six or seven of us. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, us and the trackers and the PHs and we're all just looking and we'd find little, you know, we'd find some blood and we'd find some some, you know, uh, some wet marks or something like that. And we'd mm-hmm. find an area where, you know, the trackers would kind of figure out, okay, th- it bedded down here for a little bit and then it got up and we weren't sure if maybe we pushed it or spooked it or something. But mm-hmm. at some point we just had to kind of call it. And that's when he said, he'll, he'll find it later in the year. And he says he hunts in there quite a bit. So, um, but it, it was, that was a, that was a sad morning. Um, yeah, I feel for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And when we were leaving the day, the morning they were taking us to the airport, a water buck jumped the fence <laughs> and was standing in the road looking at us. Yeah. Just like, oh, man. Nanner, <laughs> nanner. So uh, can you shoot on or across the drivable surface there? Uh, you're not supposed to, no. Really? Yeah. Because okay. um, uh, there was a, a morning uh, where there were some animals on the road and, mm-hmm. and we were told no. And it was a back road, you know, I mean, it, that, that's what it, it wasn't like the trails that we mm-hmm. were on way right, back, right. you know, um, but it was, it was a, a passable dirt road, you know, kind of a farm road. And, and it, we were just told now, yeah, you can't it's, shoot them on the it's road. too much, too risky, you know, and, and I don't think that's like a, uh, you're not going to get a ticket for it gotcha, or anything like okay, that, you know, because okay. it's all privately managed. Um, it's not like you have a state fishing game that's going to come down on right, it. But good that, safety, yeah. It's good safety. Yeah. You know, there's other people on those roads. I mean, there's multiple, uh, workers ranch hands cowboys things right. like that that are going back and forth and so you just don't want to risk it um mm-hmm. you know you get a ricochet going down the road and all of a sudden <clears> you know there might be somebody down there you didn't realize was coming or something mm-hmm. so yeah um but no and uh then the last the last evening after after we got back and we we hung out in the the lodge uh that's when uh i went out uh we went out for the last evening i had one more cull that i could shoot and then uh sean came out with us and that's when uh, I think I posted those pictures of those hogs that we got that mm-hmm. night, the, the warthogs. Yeah. yeah. Massive, man. I mean, we I got a nice one that night, and then he got that big, big one. Yeah, I mean, Sean shot a giant. Yeah. There's, I think, did I post the picture of him laying next to it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah. One in there? Dude, it was just things, insane. Things bigger than Sean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and you know, warthogs, I'll say that, you know how bears have ground shrinkage? Mm-hmm. And so you'll see a bear come mm-hmm. into the bait or you're walking around and then, Pigs don't you, really you, you plug it and you walk up to it and you're like, oh, yeah. really? That's it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Like, I shot a baby. Like, you know? <laughs> but you, pigs are the opposite. Yeah. So you see them walking around and you're like, oh, okay, that's probably a pretty good pig. You shoot it and then you walk up to it and you're like, oh, mama, that's a big one. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, I mean, like, and that's that one that Sean shot. I mean, it, it was... 60 yards away maybe mm-hmm. you know and it, it was it was behind a, a bush and we were sneaking up to where we knew it was you know we spotted it from the same place i had spotted my trophy and Paula, mm-hmm. uh several days before and we were working into it and all of a sudden uh bungani our our tracker was like hey, hey right there you know and, and he just that big old big old hog just came walking out from behind that bush and i mean sean did an amazing job getting a nice shot on it and uh real quick too you know because i mean when they look at you those, those pigs are not mm-hmm. they, they don't hang out you yeah. know if they see you and they perceive you as a threat they're gone and, yeah. and then they disappear into those yeah and that back tail goes straight up and down <laughs> yes. yeah yeah and, and they'll With get in those bushes in and yeah. then they're just gone you yeah. know and so he did a really good job getting a good shot on that one um and it was kind of similar to the one i got you know we were in there we, we had seen it 
we we had been waiting for it to come out because we'd seen it a couple of days before in the same area and, and pigs are real regional you know they, they like to hang out in the same areas yeah so we went back there didn't see it and then as we're driving down past the area it was standing 15 yards off the road and so we we kept going the further away snuck back in and then we we ended up getting that one too but it was same concept it was like 20 yards out and you had three seconds to make the shot yeah that, that, that was the fun part about pigs is, is it's really kind of a almost snap shooting experience mm-hmm. unless you can get them from far away but yeah. when you get into the in, into the 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 brush and the, the thick mm-hmm. man it's it, it you got to be quick yeah you know and I, and I I wasn't quick enough on a couple occasions and they're just immediately out of there mm. like it, it was it was pretty neat mm. um but yeah so that was that's how we ended the trip was with two real nice hogs I think you guys got some a hog that night as well didn't yep. you yeah, yeah. And, we, and we missed steve's zebra so the day before oh, that's true yeah that's yeah, true the day before um and they're they're really hard to, to you got to be quiet and sneak up on them and uh yeah we had to stay back because you know usually we're hunting as a big old group going mm-hmm. down yeah and, mm-hmm. yeah and uh we went down i didn't get to see the shot because we had to stay back and uh he didn't think he killed it you know but the tracker knew, I guess they do some reaction where they shake their head a lot and mm-hmm. spin and take, and then we ended up finding it. Mm. I don't know, probably a hundred, hundred yards and some thick stuff, but gorse too. And everything's yeah. poking you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know how they got the truck down there. I'm glad it wasn't my truck. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Some Toyotas, man. It's Toyota. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. you know, loaded it up in the truck and brought it back. But yeah, even that, you know, it's, I want to say it's like, $900 to shoot a zebra. Yeah. And that sounds about right. I don't know what the skin, I can't remember the skin, but you know, yeah, the, the flat skin on that wasn't even that expensive to be honest. I don't think, I yeah. mean, yeah. um, I mean, I've got the sheet at home. I can, I can look yeah. it up, but yeah, I mean, a few hundred bucks, you know, maybe four or five, but yeah. Um, really reasonable rates over there. Yeah. yeah that was cool though. Cause like, cause he, he was, <laughs> I remember he was so conflicted over there. Uh, Steven was cause he like, you know, I, re- I really want to shoot these, these big animals, but I have to have kind of a reason to shoot them, you know, and he, yeah. you know, going through it logically, like a meat hunter does, you know, and like a, 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 a guy that has, you know, good respect for the animals. And, you know, he's like, I want the trophy, but I want to make sure it's a trophy I can actually, you know, enjoy and, and view and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. he was really taking into consideration, like, what can he put in his house and where mm-hmm. would he put it? You know, he didn't just want to shoot anything off the list. And, right. And it was really cool to see, you know, he kind of landed on, okay, zebras were what I want to get. And then they just, yeah. Went and it was a really good looking zebra too. Yeah. It was real, real nice. Zebra cool. cost. It was nine hundred. Nine hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot two or three yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and all in all, I mean, and and that's really great. You know, it, it was such a great trip, and so you know, like it, you're not out there breaking the bank. You're not out there, mm-hmm. you know, killing yourself. In, in I mean, the heat almost killed killed us a couple times, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, like it really enjoyable hunts, and and that was just what I what I came away with. It was just such an amazing time over there. Yeah, you know? yep. and it was like just I will definitely be going again. Yeah, and if anybody's skeptical about you know they don't go over and kill stuff that doesn't get eaten, there's not a single thing right mm, over yeah. there that goes to waste. That's that's even the innards. Yeah, good the, point. the The people over there will take those two everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, when when they get them back and like like I said, they bring the whole animal back. They don't mm-hmm. gut them in the field or anything. So you shoot your animal, they get it in the back of the truck, and they they either get it somewhere where it's not going to spoil, you know, in the shade, or they'll take it immediately back. Um, and when they hang it up in that that skin and shack, mm-hmm. 
you know, you'll see them, the, the, they start skinning it out and they get all the, they get it opened up and they, they'll get the, the paunch out mm-hmm. and, and all the guts and everything. And then they'll literally be spraying them down with the hose and separating out, you know, all of the edible organs, anything you can use, mm. you know, it's, it's zero waste. And, yeah. and it was really awesome to see because that That's makes great. you feel better as a hunter. Mm-hmm. You're not just over there, you know, just yeah. killing it to kill it to bring a skin you're back. People. You know? yep. Yeah, you're yep. feeding people. You're you're providing, you know, sustenance for people. You know, that's that's a big thing for like me and my wife. You know, we're we're primarily meat hunters. You know, we're out there to fill the freezer, either our freezer or other people's freezers, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes, you know, trying to help as many people as we can with what we get. And you know, so to kind of include that aspect in it you know it's like yes you get the experience of going somewhere exotic and shooting an animal you've never even seen before and like you get mm-hmm. these cool pictures and these cool memories and experiences and these trophies to bring home but like that's not where it ended yeah you know you weren't out there just shooting an animal cutting the head off and leaving you know and yeah. leaving the rest of it in the field like it's all getting used and, yeah. and it's, it's really well managed um they're wild animals you know and it's like all of these things you see in the comment sections on social media and stuff like that all these people complaining about african hunting go do it mm-hmm. you know like look into what it actually is because it's it's so different than what yeah. the, the perception yeah. of some guy sitting in new york city thinks yeah. it is yeah. you know i mean even when it comes down to you know and, and again different countries have different rules and different ethics and whatnot but like you know there's a lot of places you can't hunt some of those uh the big five, you yeah. know, like the yeah. elephants and whatnot. And, and because, well, we don't have enough to, to justify being able to, to hunt them. Mm-hmm. But in other areas, it's like, okay, well, if we don't hunt them, like I was saying earlier, it's going to mm-hmm. become a problem for the mm-hmm. farmers and the locals and everybody like that because there, there are so many of them, they're a yeah. nuisance. Yeah. You know, so we need to bring people in to thin the herd out a little bit and make some money that yeah. gets put into the economy. And, you know, it, it's a huge industry over there. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw... You know, we were early, you know, we were the first group for the year, but I mean, talking to people, you know, hunting is a huge industry over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's one of the few industries where they're making American money over there. Yeah. You know, uh, it, you got to think, I mean, we were talking about how mm-hmm. 50 bucks was a thousand rand. I mean, we go over there and, you know, the, the trip not included, you know, it was like, what was it, like 3,500 a head for mm-hmm. the, for the, the package deal, not including any of the extra animals, but. You know, let's say you had a zebra, $900 for a zebra, you mm-hmm. know, 900 bucks US, that's a lot of rand. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's good money in that economy, you yeah. know? And so it's like, you're really helping to kind of put into that, that mm-hmm. area. And then, you know, with the food and everything like that, that you're providing, it's, yeah. it's a really yeah. cool experience. You know, I recommend for any, I, I, it's getting to the point where I recommend a book in every uh, episode here, <laughs> the white, white hunters. Yes. That um, one I'll stand with they, you um, <laughs> They the the book is really good, and it starts with the early days of hunting in Africa, mm. and and the whole idea of the white hunter going over there to mm. to become a a you know what would we call a PH today, right? Right, right. And and all the way through kind of the ends of that era, and in talking about the end of that era, it it talks about how the game preserves and reason that there's so many species over there that they are considered endangered and stuff like that is not as a result of hunting, it's a result of the lack of hunting. Mm. And the fact that there is no reason for those animals to exist monetarily for any of those countries if there aren't hunters. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as soon as the hunting gets shut down, the poachers step in, they kill everything. The yeah. poachers and the farmers step in, they either kill it, yeah. sell the, the tusks or the horns, yep. and they, or they kill it to eat yeah. and to keep from destroying their crops. Yeah. And actually, yep. a lot of the governments over there are corrupt enough that they'll shut down the hunting so they can make a quick buck 
off the poachers because mm. they will actually move the the product mm. through the government warehouses basically <laughs> so they can make the money off of it. Yeah. And uh, um, I believe it was uh, Savage Son. No, maybe not. I think it was a second book in the Terminalist series by Jack Carr, whatever mm-hmm. the name of it was. He actually talks about some of the poaching and stuff that was going on that goes yeah. on over there. And there's actually active anti-poaching outfits. Oh yeah, we saw several were, of them. And yep. and anti-poachers there are anti-poaching there is actually you have a good chance of ending up in a firefight with those poachers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very, yep. very good chance. But the money from hunting goes to fund the anti-poaching exactly. units. No, we, we saw that a bunch. I mean, all, all around Addo, the elephant mm-hmm. preserve, because that's a non-hunting preserve for the right. elephants and the zebras and the lions and whatnot. Um, and then there was another one next to it. Um, uh, Shamwari was the name of it. Um, and it was, a, it was more of a private preserve. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, a public one. Um, but you could still stay there. You just had to like pay the lodge fee and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. the same thing, they had elephants and, and rhinos and all kinds of other animals there. And whenever we were around those areas, uh, you would see plenty of trucks, you know, anti-poaching unit, you mm-hmm. know, and they're, and they're, they're patrolling, they're looking around, they're looking oh, yeah. at you. And those they're guys will run drones. And, uh, well, we even pulled over stuff. at one point to take some pictures and, and there was a, a anti-poaching vehicle that was kind of watching us, you know, seeing if we were scoping stuff out and whatnot. And it was, it was like, it was good to see, you know, that they're actually putting an effort for it. You mm-hmm. know, and there's a, there's a real dedication to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, that is the balance over there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a totally different management system than we have right. here in the U.S., but it works for what they do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, even when you have these people in the States that throw a, a conniption fit about, you know, Cecil the Lion or whatever, you know. Cecil the Lion is the was, single greatest propaganda He was scandal. selected by right. the local management group to be taken out because mm-hmm. of his age. Right. You know, like that was, he. it wasn't random. It wasn't poaching. It wasn't anything. It was, he had lived a, he was selected. He was not in the refuge. Yeah. And, and, and that was a perfectly legal, ethical hunt. That but was a stupid but deal. But the propaganda and, and the, the yeah. bad publicity right. that it got, you know, it actually negatively affected the economies in other countries oh, yeah. because of mm-hmm. it, you know? And yeah. so it's like, you might think you're standing up for something good, but you're actually really hurting something. Yeah. You know, not only are you hurting, hurting people's lives. The animal yeah. population, which you do when you, when any anti-hunting mm-hmm. that happens in Africa, happens that affects Africa politically. Yeah. Because even if nothing, no laws actually change, when there's a huge political thing like Cecil the Lion, it sh- the amount of hunters that go over there right. slows way down Suddenly, just because they don't want the bad PR. Exactly. Because yeah. so many of these guys are big names in America CEOs right. and people that have money and yeah. run businesses who bring a tremendous amount of money into those economies and allow those people to actually live halfway decent lives. Yeah. As compared to, they, they have to go back to living off the land almost literally sometimes. Yeah. Or scraping mm-hmm. by with almost nothing because no longer do they have jobs. Right. They go back to being poachers. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's exactly. the only way they can survive. Yep. 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 And, and it's sad to see. And it's, it's, you know, again, kind of a reason, you know, we get, we see articles and stuff like that, even about things in the U.S. in the lower mm-hmm. 48. But if it's not our environment and we don't really know that much about it, guess what? I don't really have a comment on it. Because mm-hmm. it's not my right. business to comment on it. I don't right. know enough to right. comment on it. Yeah, and it's just one thing that's always kind of bugged me is you, you look at social media and it's just so many people just have no idea what they're talking about, but they get so upset about it. Social so, media has taken away the ability of the defender to defend against him or herself mm-hmm. with a punch to the face yeah. of the attacker. Right. <laughs> exactly. 
Keyboard warriors. Back in the day, you know, know, if if you were talking to somebody and you had bad things to say and you ran your mouth like you did on social media today, that didn't end very well. No, it didn't. No. Right. Right. (laughs) But now you can just anonymously comment and just say nonsensical things and make something go viral. And then a news media outlet picks it up. Mm -hmm. And then a bigger news media outlet picks it up. And then all of a sudden it's on national television. Cecil the lion was murdered in a wildlife refuge park on Tuesday. (laughs) By a prominent right. United States doctor. <laughs> right. It's just, well, how, how do you get that out of, and, and I've heard the factual stories mm-hmm. of, of that whole situation with Cecil the Lion. Yeah. It is laughably different yeah. than what the mm-hmm. American media put out to the public. Yep. But that's what people think. When they think of Cecil the Lion, they think, oh, a poor Simba that got shot in a National Wildlife right. Refuge because some doctor wanted his hide. Well, and, and then, you know, and, and that's the narrative you hear, but in reality, yeah. you know, guys like Marshall and I go over there to hunt and we can't even shoot a warthog during cold season without watching it for 30 minutes to make sure it doesn't have piglets or anything like mm-hmm. that. You know, even something as simple as a warthog, they spend so much time and so much effort to make sure, okay, this is a, a good right. one to take out that's not going to affect the population. It's not a mother. It's not, you know, anything that could become you know, a, a breeder in the future that we mm-hmm. would want to keep around. It's not, you know, it, even something as simple as a warthog mm-hmm. gets that much attention. Yep. And you don't think they're paying that much attention to lions? Oh, yeah. Right. Like, come on. Like, really? Like, I mean, these guys, this that, is their livelihood. This is their home. Age they want requirements it to be good. For lions. Know? Yeah. Yeah. PHs have to be trained to age lions. Yeah. Imagine yep. that's not an easy job. Same thing. I, I was talking to Ricky about the, the process and the testing and stuff like that that they have to go through to become PHs. Oh, and yeah. It's like you have to, like there's a point in the training process where they're, they'll take you out in the field and you have to identify animals within a certain given time. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be able to visually ID it correctly, mm-hmm. you know, it, within a certain given amount of time. And you can't, and it's not a long time either, you mm-hmm. know, but you've got to be, even in Polly, you know, you've got to be able to put your binoculars up and say, okay, that's a good one. And they'll say, yes, you're correct. That's a, that's an mm-hmm. older, mature Impala, you know, but you can't just, you know, so these guys, they're not, you know, just some yahoo off the street right. that decided they wanted to go be a professional hunter. These guys are trained. Yeah. They're very professional at what they it's do. They're very good process. at gauging animals and, and managing the land and making sure, you know, and all the landowners have their own rules too, mm-hmm. you know, and so there might be certain pockets where, you know, maybe the landowners don't do as good of a job, but overall, mm-hmm. from what I saw firsthand. Yeah phenomenal yep. management mm-hmm. of, of the land and the game populations. It yeah. really is really top notch over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, other than that, I mean, that, that was, it's hard to compress everything we did over there down into, you know, whatever it is. Three a, and a half hours. Three and a half hour episode, but. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Full Joe yeah. Rogan style this week. Yeah. We, <laughs> we need to stop telling people two hours. That's going to be it. <laughs> We're getting a reputation over Well, here. we haven't been saying it, but the last couple were a little bit shorter, so now yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. enjoy. This one might take you two days. <laughs> um, but another thing, if you, if you are going over there, um, you know, prepare for long travel. It, it took us almost three days to get home. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we left on, uh, on the 30th of January, and we got home the 1st of February. You know, so it was, and we, were, we didn't leave late on the 30th either, so we were, we were traveling the whole day of the 30th, mm-hmm. 31st. Uh, we got back on the first, um, and it was just, it was, it was a long trip, you know, and a lot of it was layovers, you know, like yeah. I said, that's kind of the other reason I w- I'm thinking about going through Atlanta is just to yeah. curb the layovers. Yep. Um, but you know, be, be prepared for that. Be prepared for long trips, but you know, well worth it. 
yeah. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, what about awesome. you, Marshall? I would too. Actually, I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's already booked. I know. I saw that. Him. He's yeah. already got his next trip booked. <laughs> it, it's a little unfair though, because he's he's got a shorter flight than we he do. does. Half, no, he's, half the time. Yeah. He's only got he's a hop, skip, and a jump away. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I want. I just wanted to give a shout out. Um. You know, Winterberg Safaris. You know. Did a great job, you know, uh, Duffin and Ricky, amazing PHs. If you get a chance to hunt with them, highly recommend. Um, very, very uh, good experience over there, you yeah. know, and, and uh, you know, we'll be planning another trip. Um, and, you know, if you are interested, uh, you know, feel free to write into the show and say that you're interested, you know, uh, we can maybe coordinate you with the guy that sets these trips up and, and see if you'd be able to jump on the plane. He actually... He said to put that out there. So, you know, cool. feel, feel free to, to maybe come over to Africa and hunt with, you know, myself and Marshall again. And maybe, maybe you guys will jump on it. Who knows? So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Australia is calling me as well. So. Oh yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yep. I would I love do to go one. there. I think Australia is probably first on my list. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to go see Australia, yeah. you know, and, and that's honestly not just Africa. But mm-hmm. just the whole process of traveling and going somewhere else is just—it's really opened my eyes. Just to traveling, Sean has those connections too. Yeah, yeah I know. But oh, just yeah. traveling internationally, yeah. like I so wanted to hunt. There's nothing to hunt yeah. over there; it's mm-hmm. all dead because <laughs> people are hungry. But yeah, um, <laughs> I did see a few. I saw some. You know, I saw a roe deer. I mm-hmm. saw some roe deer in some of the fields and some of the driving we did. Yeah, and that was just really cool. But just traveling internationally is an experience that I think every American should have because mm-hmm. no matter where you go, it's different. Than here, it puts things into perspective. Yeah, you really appreciate America, right? And just the thing, you know, the things that I know. I know for me, like I'm used to, I'm used to trucks and guns, right? (laughs) Right. Just especially in Fairbanks, Alaska, half the trucks on the road, half the vehicles on the road, just about are pickup trucks. That's true. And half of those, at least, probably have a gun in them, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Right. Just one. Well, come know, on! Now. It was, those, I remember those are point, rookie numbers. At one point in my those life, numbers up. I'm more responsible now. But at one point in my life, I would like clean out my truck and be like, "Oh, here's that gun <laughs> under the seat or something." Like, oh, right. I, I knew I had one of these. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. But <laughs> it's it, it's just a completely different like. Now you're talking about traveling there, and I'm like. I can say a lot of things that a lot of people in Fairbanks, I can say, hey, I've been to Europe, right? Mm-hmm. I've been to Hungary. I've been to Ukraine. But, man, I'd love to be say I went to Africa in just, just a few days, right? That's all it takes to, to get an idea of, like, how much different life is for so many people. Yeah. Well, and, and the cool thing is, you know, you come away from it with so, so much new perspective uh-huh. and, like, new friends. You know, yeah. that's, that's the big thing. Like, like, Ricky's a great dude. You know, we, we still text and whatnot. Um, it wasn't like just, you know one and done guy get out of here on the yeah. next guy you know yeah. it was like you spend a week with somebody you kind of get to know him a little bit you know and, um steve you know from over there um mm-hmm. he listens to the show so shout out to you buddy uh you know he's a great guy great great guy to know um super hilarious and uh, <laughs> the guy can tell a story like none other so maybe if he ever makes it over to alaska uh we'll, we'll have him on but yeah i think if well um, if you probably had need to add two more hours to the show oh if, if uh, oh, oh absolutely <laughs> yeah. five I hours even have to show. say anything <laughs> yeah no but yeah great great to meet everybody it was it was an amazing trip um you know and that was actually the first time i actually met you well not the first time i'd met you but the first time we really got to hang out yep. you know you, you and me marshall and so um you know great to to get to know people and kind of bond through an experience like that it's really really 
really a good thing. Um, highly recommend it for anybody. So, um, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, no shout out to Deffen. No, you know, I, oh, keep, I still, I still keep in touch with him. He's been asking me how my foot's doing and oh, really? yeah. it's not just, okay, I got your money. You're out of here. No, <laughs> right. they're, yeah, exactly. They're really nice people. Yeah. Yeah. Deffen and, and, uh, his brother Edwin too. want to give him a shout out. I mean, that guy is probably the, the nicest human being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I mean, the guy was like, you know, he came over and bandaged your foot up the yep. one time when like, you know, he was just absolutely just full. I mean, you, you don't get much better customer service than what, what what he was able and you know the yep. whole time we're driving he's you know tour guide galore you know he knows every <laughs> all the different wildlife and everything it, it was yeah. really cool um just absolutely an amazing experience yep so shout well, out good. to everybody over there and uh yeah well, highly thanks. highly recommend thanks for coming on the show this week marshall yeah. thanks for having me it was good to have you nice yeah. to meet you nice to meet you we'll have to have you on and talk about more alaska stuff some other time yes yes sure yeah I got lots of horrible stories <laughs> <laughs> we like those ones we do, we do. yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah. absolutely so yeah. um well folks thank you very much for listening um be sure to uh subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening to it on give us a rating and a review written reviews go a long way in getting this show in front of more people uh we're going to keep doing more hunting and more, more storytelling so you know be sure to tune in for future episodes um if you'd like to comment on Anything you heard today, go ahead and head to the website, thenorthernhunter.com. Hit that contact button. That'll get, that's the easiest way to get a hold of us. So it sends an email right to our inbox where we'll be able to respond. And, uh, you know, if you ask us a good enough question, maybe we'll put it in the show here in the future. So uh, while you're there, we've got our sponsors in the partnership page. If you buy any products from them, we've got discount codes as they have chosen to support what we're doing. So if you buy anything from them, it's all hunting related. Uh, you'll get yourself a discount. Helps them out and helps us out. Uh, some are big companies and some are some are small and still growing so uh, definitely check them out it's all high quality stuff we all also got some merch in the mm -hmm. shop so if you want some hats hoodies t-shirts uh, we've seen some some purchases come through recently uh, for all over the country uh, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just say that you know really cool to see people in the lower 48 uh, ordering yep. stuff because you, know, you don't really think about it. you know we're kind of an Alaskan show but you know we got listeners we have all over the globe over honestly the place, we've got yeah. a lot of listeners across the ocean too so yeah. um, it's, it's just really cool that something like this can reach out that far yeah. so uh, we really appreciate seeing all that all the questions and any, any, any merch you guys purchase so but uh, yeah Marshall thanks again for uh, cutting out almost four hours of your weekend for us and, oh, yeah, no problem oh. have a good <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll definitely have to do some more hunting in the future so everybody thank you for listening and until next week get out there get after it good luck We'll see you Alright folks, we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, 
such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. 